C-sharp lectures and stuff. But <clears throat> who knows, Rand? Maybe in the future I'll be here promoting my game exclusive to Xbox. And, and, and day one on Game Pass. Day one on Game Pass, yeah, maybe. That, that'd maybe. Be, that'd be that's very the dream, right? <laughs> that would be the dream. Yeah. But like, what, me in a game on Game Pass? They, they, uh, from 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 you, that would be uh yeah. You imagine if that <laughs> was if it was good enough to actually be on Xbox and get a thousand gamer score. We'd have to make the achievements really really easy though, Jazz. If you want to sell some uh, copies, you know true. what I mean. You gotta think of think of some cool stuff. <laughs> uh, T. Talker yeah. says, "Hey, I just con- converted my bud to the Series S from PlayStation. Interesting." Um, I know there's uh, Series S's are starting to come a little bit more in stock, uh, a little bit more all-access deals going on. Um, it's a pretty good system for 300 bucks. Uh, definitely, you know, a good companion system if somebody's gaming on the PS5 and doesn't have a beefy PC and just wants to play some of the Xbox games. Uh, Series S is a pretty good device. And uh, Lucas says, wanted to say that this is my favorite podcast. Continue the amazing work, the both of you. Well, thank you for the support and those kind words. Uh, you know, Thanks that, so much. Yeah. I mean, you have guys have no idea, like, how amazing it is. You know, sometimes you have a bad day, and then you, I'll log on to Xbox, and I'll have messages from people saying that, like, they love the videos, and they love the podcast and stuff, and then your day's not so bad anymore, you know? It, it, it does it does mean a lot. So, just I've actually I been playing that. a bunch of games. You want, you want to hear what I've been playing? Yes. Okay. I was just saying that everyone in chat wants... Uh, a tomato simulator. So this, so this, this is going to dovetail into a t- tomato thing, which me and my buddy, oh, last, nice. me and my buddy last night were laughing our asses off, right? So I've been getting more and more into Rocket League. Uh, my buddies Magic and Maka oh, nice. and uh, you know James Shields uh, of the Xbox hardware team. I think that's. I mean, what is what is James Steele's official title? I don't know. I know I know he's listening to this or will listen to this later. Uh, he's senior, the senior product planner at Xbox. Um, we've been playing together. We've, I mean, we've been playing together for years. I'm I'm super super close to James, right? And uh, we've been playing a lot of Rocket League, like a lot of Rocket League. And uh, I haven't played Rocket League in probably like four years, so I find it a lot of fun. But one of the things is, is on my OLED, on my CX, it's at 120 frames, right? And Rocket League. So I'm playing Rocket League at 120 frames, and it looks great. Obviously, performs even better. And then when um, certain days come around, Lord Cognito of ILP and Gaming Forte, they'll play Destiny 2 with me. So I'll be playing Rocket League. Having a great time. I'm not very good at Rocket League. Like, Magic and Maka are much better. Like, they can do those insane aerials, you know, where the ball's all the way up in the air, and they can they can boost their car through the air to hit the ball. Like, I can't do that stuff. I'm not good at it. Like, I'm more, like, I'm more grounded. So, I'll be playing Rocket League at 120 frames, and it's amazing. And then I'll get on uh, Shadowkeep to play Des- Destiny 2 with Cognito, and 60 frames feels horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it feels janky, and I just sitting there, it's like, oh my god, oh I never we could imagine sixty frames could feel horrible, but it certainly you does. Sixty frames, the new filmic? I guess so, because I like it's oh, it's man. bad. I mean, it eventually goes away, like when you're when you when I, we were doing some stuff, but oh my god, like the 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 downgrade from one hundred and twenty to sixty is so noticeable. You wouldn't think so. 
because uh, like the jump from 30 to 60 is is great and it's so smooth, but then you play 120 <coughs> and it's like, oh my god, like how how much better 120 yeah. frames is. So I am. Um, I was really excited because I discovered my my Q60R does 120 frames at 1440p. So I was like, oh wow, I can play Overwatch now at 120 frames. But um, my capture card is in line with my TV setup, and it bottlenecks it back to 60. So uh, I have to like, because my capture card is like glued underneath my desk. I've got to like undo my entire setup. To, to get that solved, man. First of all, problems, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, a lot of Rocket League. Uh, Destiny 2 with Cognito playing through Shadow Keep, and I'm gonna be, I think I'm gonna be playing uh, The Last Wish Raid tonight, which is gonna be great. I also did the first DLC for Doom Eternal, The Ancient Gods Part 1. And that yeah, is. I was playing for that too. That is brutal. Oh. That is, it's incredible. <laughs> I'm playing on normal, and it's, and it's hard. It is, unrelenting, oh, and they, they just constantly throw enemies at you non-stop and multiple waves with multiple different types of enemies at once. Uh, it's, so it's I, I've been playing it on... I was playing Doom Eternal on hard, because I, I reviewed it on hard, and I played the original on hard, and I didn't think hard was too hard. You know, I thought it was, like, a good challenge, but, like, man, I, like, the, the Ancient Gods on hard is just insane. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I just, I don't know if I've got the the patience for this anymore. Like, I, I remember, like, I got through, like, this, repeat trying this one segment where there's, like, you know, those floating, cacto demons floating in mm. and, and, like, there's the, the all sorts of stuff coming at you all over the place. And, like, I failed on that repeatedly for, like, 40 minutes or something. And then, like, the next segment was like boom, Marauder. Yep, Marauder. <laughs> like, a Marauder combined with like like two Hell Knights yeah. or something, and you're just constantly yeah. moving around, you know. I was like, I was just like, I'm done for now. <laughs> I need to take a break from this. But oh man, Christ, it is it is a brutal deal. Say, but I I like it. I like I like it like that. You know. Um, it feels great when you overcome the segment. That's super hard. But I think I might have to bump the difficulty down to normal because I just maybe I'm just getting too old, man. Like I was, I was playing it and I was like, man, am I just is my brain degrading? Like I didn't I didn't realize that it was actually like designed to be harder. And I was I was actually like thinking, I didn't I was thinking like I didn't find the base game this hard. Why is this so hard? But it seems to be a common consensus that it is just harder. So, yeah, well, um, I, I really so since they're both out, there's a reason why I started to uh, play them because I wanted to just play them back to back. So I did part one, incredibly difficult, even on normal, uh, just unrelenting, but still obviously really good. And now I'm going to be starting uh, Ancient Gods Part Two when I finish It Takes Two, and I hear that's uh, pretty difficult as well, especially the final boss. Because apparently the final boss is just really. Really difficult. Like you have to be perfect. You have to like basically be perfect when you fight them. So, looking forward to playing that. And then, um, obviously the game I've been playing the most, which I have about ten hours in, and I'm still not finished. So you know the length of this game is is pretty decent. Is it takes two, which is on screen, and just the reviews ain't wrong. This is an incredible game. 
absolutely incredible. Uh, me and my buddy Sam, who are playing in co-op, uh, is just, it's remarkable to me how much better it is than A Way Out. Like, I, we really enjoyed A Way Out, but when you compare It Takes Two to A Way Out, you can definitely see that the team at Hazelite were more confident in what they were doing, like the whole co-op aspect, the innovative approach to co-op. Like, they're, they're doing different things, but the, the storytelling, the animations, like how the game looks, how the game performs, uh, and just like how long it is and how many different like sections there are, you can definitely see the extra money poured onto the screen. And like right now, it, without finishing it, like I would probably give it like almost a nine. Like it's that good. It's one of the best co-op games experiences I've had for a while. And it's, and it's really refreshing because you would think a game like this would get would get stale after a bit, but each kind of world changes up the game mechanics. So in one level you're like you're aligned with the squirrels to destroy the wasps, right? And one character can do something that the other character can't, and you usually have to help each other solve a different bunch of like platforming uh issues, like a lot of puzzles. So for instance, uh, my character, uh, Cody, the dude, he can spray this, like, sap on stuff to, like, weigh down, uh, weigh down, like, kind of, uh, like, like things in the, in, in the world to, so, like, you can jump on them. But then the girl will have, like, a matchstick where she can explode them. So you can imagine all the different scenarios going on with that. But then later, this is where the tomato thing comes in. We were fighting a boss. And the boss <coughs> turned, the boss turned me into a tomato. So I had to roll around as a tomato, uh, which was incredibly funny because, of course, you had to pick that character, right? And then you get to that part, and he turns into a tomato. It's just, it was just funny because even my even my buddy Sam was laughing about it. Um, oh, but this game, the game is incredible. So if you have somebody to play it with, I recommend it. Uh, the person doesn't even have to buy it. It's forty bucks, uh, and you get a free get free uh, friend pass. So. You know, if you bought the game Jazz and you wanted to play it with somebody, they they won't have they don't have to buy it. They can just download it via the the friend pass, and then you can uh, you can play it uh, for free. So only one person has to buy the game, which is really cool. I mean, yes, you do need to play it in co-op, whether it's local co-op or whether it's uh, online. You can't play this game by yourself. I mean, you could try to like play it with both controllers, but I think that would be incredibly difficult. Um, you could like play. You could play one controller with your feet or something. I mean, you'd yeah. have to be really good to be able to play this game and play play both characters at the same time. Because there are things you just have to do uh, at the same time to help you know each character get across certain. Like it definitely has a more puzzle aspect to it than a way out. But my god, it, like <laughs> it, it's such it's such a like little cool game, and there's so many different gameplay like touches that they do. Like, kind of, uh, you know, there, there's a Street Fighter kind of montage or callback or whatever you want to call it. There's a Diablo, uh, like, uh, level, I guess you would want to call it. Like, they poured their hearts and, the soul, and souls into this. And this is kind of what I, I was mentioning to you before. This was kind of what I was, ho- was hoping happens with Xbox Game Studios, right? You take these studios that were independent, Obsidian, Ninja Theory, uh, Compulsion Games, you take, you know, your, your Double Fine, right? All, all making good games, but, um, you know, a little, little bit more of the indie style. 
but they join Xbox Game Studios. They're under the Microsoft umbrella. They get more people joining because all these teams are hiring. They get a bigger budget, bigger resources. This is kind of what I want to see. The jump from a way out to It Takes Two is very noticeable. That's what I want to see from Xbox Game Studios. Like, when you see Hellblade 2, you can see, okay, this is this is what the Microsoft acquisition does. You can see the mon- extra money and resources on screen. Like, I want to see that big, uh, you know, jump from Hellblade 1 to Hellblade 2. Or, you know, the big jump between, like, Outer Worlds to Avowed, stuff like that. Does that make sense, Chaz? Yeah. I mean, I wrote I wrote an article, like, about two or three weeks ago, which was basically, like, Bethesda's great, but, you know, Xbox Game Studios, I want to see them get stepped up to. You know, I always think about Mass Effect. The, the delta between Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 is so big, and that's why I often got frustrated with Microsoft for not giving sequels a chance, because I always felt like, the sequel is a chance to address feedback, address things that were wrong with the first game, not just sort of give up on a on a world that you've designed and developed, you know. Like, I, I really feel like ReCore 2 could, you know, be good if the, the right developer came along and they addressed the feedback from the first game, you know. Like, I, feel, I felt like that IP had some, like, legs to it, but... Alas. Alas. Um, we just need to wait and see, you know. This is sort of like, it's a long time coming, and it's a long time to wait, but like, from this year and next year, especially into 2022 and 2023, it's going to be like, the sort of put up or shut up, you know. That's going to be like 100% Phil's Xbox, it's going to be 100% Matt Booty's Xbox Game Studios, it's going to be 100% the new budget, it's going to be 100% what you can expect of Xbox going forward. So, it's with that in mind that, yeah, I really, really do have high expectations for Hellblade 2. I do have high expectations for State of Decay 3. You know, when they put out CGI trailers that look that cool, the gameplay bloody bad match up to that, you know? So, um, yeah. Rant. Yeah. Over. Uh, Flame, Flame says, uh, Jez, everyone also asks, what are the oohs and why do we have to ooh, but no one ever asks, how are you But, by the way, take, take two is game of the year. People just love, I guess, love hearing me say that, and, and, and I don't know. I, I still don't even understand what it means. I think Jez has tried to explain it, but I don't get it. I, I'm, I still don't understand. You don't get it? I don't, I don't get it. What, what does ooh you mean? U, 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 W. Ooh. What does it mean? I think if more people send you uwus, eventually you'll get it. So everyone should spam you with uwu. No, no, nobody should do that at all. <laughs> nobody. Right. Um, so yeah, it takes two. I, I highly recommend it. It's right up there with Hitman Three as the best games released this year. Um, I'm constantly in awe of the gameplay changes that they do because it's they always make it fresh. And it just, it just, for a team of 65, you just look at this and being like, man, uh, they know what they're doing. They, like, their whole thing is this, like, in, immersive and innovative co-op experiences. And there's really nothing else like these sort of games out there. So, 
if you have someone to play it with, only one of you have to buy it because one can use the friend pass. So uh, play the game. It's it's absolutely incredible. And shout out to Dragonforce993 for becoming the newest member of the channel. Appreciate your support, brother. Uh, hope you enjoy the emotes. Uh, but everyone's spamming uh, Ulu and Randall Senpai in chat, and this is this is rid- ridiculous. <laughs> so Rand's like, yeah, talking about how great this game is, and I'm just like staring at the Uwus in the chat. I love it. But like, I'm watching the game. I'm watching the gameplay. It does look really, really cool. It's like finding finding someone who I can align my schedule with to do a co-op game is so hard right now. But um, maybe one day I'll maybe find maybe you and Miles Dampierre can play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we could stream or something. Like this part right yeah. here that's going on is she has a hammerhead, right? So she can smash things, and I have nails, and I can throw the nails that you know they they lodge into the yellow boards, uh, so she can kind of complete these platforming tasks, and then I can call them back with Y. And obviously it's a little bit simple in the beginning when you first get them, but uh, it becomes way more complicated. And then you use the abilities in the boss fight. So, like, I think I have an hour captured here, so you can kind of get a sense of it. But it's it's awesome. The game's great. Louis Kavanagy says, it takes ooh. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, mate. That is great. Uh, so yeah, maybe I could do a playthrough with Miles on the Windows Central channel at some point, but, oh, brilliant. It's super cool. You guys crap. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I've been playing this week. Rock, whole bunch of Rocket League. Uh, so much fun. 120 frames. It's ruined Destiny 2 for me at 60 frames. Uh, I'm looking forward to actually playing through the, uh, the, uh, the raid, Last Wish raid with Cognito and Forte and Attic. And then finishing It Takes Two, and then going to be starting at Ancient Gods Part Two. Oh, 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 and I also played Adios. I forgot about that. Um, I played a bunch of games this week. You know, some weeks it's not a, lot, not a lot, but then some weeks there's a lot. So have you heard of Adios at all? Nope. Jeff? Nope. No, no. What is um, Adios is an indie game uh, that came out uh, last week. Um, I think from Doc Squiddy, he's on Twitter. I, I don't know. A lot. Do you follow him, or do you know who he is? Um, anyways, it's how do I describe it? It's like a Coen Brothers film. Uh, you're a farmer, and you dispose of bodies for the mafia by giving them to your by feeding their parts uh, to to the pigs. And basically, the the setup is you want to quit. You don't want to. You don't want to work for the ma- mafia anymore. So uh, the hitman is basically like, you know what that means, right? And it's it's like a it's like a day where the hitman decides to join you with all the kind of uh, tasks you do at your farm to convince you to change your mind. And the uh, the dialogue is fantastic. The story. Like hooked me from the beginning. It definitely is an indie indie game, right? It doesn't look great, and it's not really supposed to because it's only made by a few people. But I gotta say, there's at, towards the end of the game, there is really a gut punch, and I would love to recommend it to everybody. The only problem is it's like eighteen bucks, and the game's like an hour long. It's kind of and there's not really much like gameplay per se. Like you do, you'll walk around your farm and you'll approach like a scene, and the scene will start, 
And basically what you do is choose dialogue options, like what to say. And then it all leads up to the end. And while the end is emotional and, and, and gut-punching, it's just hard to really recommend uh, that game to people for 18 bucks when, you know, most people will be like, $18 for an hour, that's a little bit too much. But other than that, I, I really yeah, did enjoy it, though. I think it's worth playing when it when it becomes a little bit cheaper. So yeah, I, I played that game as well. Uh, Ralph Wiggum, shout out to uh, you for the uwu little uh, symbol in chat. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, so that's that's what we've been playing this week. And by the way, <laughs> on screen right now, my buddy. So it takes two has a bunch of mini games you can play. This one's like whack a mole. I keep on beating my buddy Sam at uh, these mini games to the point where he demanded we keep on doing it until he wins. So that's why you might see me do uh, this mini game a couple times because he was just really upset he couldn't he couldn't win. So, I'm, I'm dead serious because there's a couple times where he's just like, "No, uh, we need to redo it. You're cheating or whatever, right?" So. Man, that's like my brother with like Monster Monster Hunter World has like an arm wrestling table in in like the the uh the you know the social area. There's like an arm wrestling table where you can like basically you just mash a button to arm wrestle. And I just could never beat my brother. And like every time me and my brother play Monster Hunter with someone else, he he just like every single time he beat like everyone at this arm wrestling thing. And then like my friend's girlfriend just dominated <laughs> this arm wrestling thing. I, I, see, I love mini games in games. Not enough games have like these mini games and these like little yeah. features. And he demanded that I just pop up in one <laughs> spot so he could win. That, that's how bad it got. Like just keep on popping up <laughs> in the one spot so I can win. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So uh, uh, fun times with the take, it takes two. Can't wait to finish it. See how the story ends. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on to some of these topics, Jess. So if you guys are enjoying the show, do us a favor, hit that like button and, uh, share this out or tell a friend about it. Uh, we always appreciate more people finding the podcast and, uh, shout out to Game Pass Perry for becoming the newest member of the channel. Appreciate your support and enjoy all the, uh, great emotes that we have here. So thank you. Um, what do you want to talk about first, Jess? Let's, uh, you know, since James is here, James Shields. I figured we'll start with the light topic first. Um, basically, the two new controllers that were announced, the Electric Volt and Daystrike Camo, but more importantly, uh, the post, how their post-consumer-related re- recycled resin controllers and how Windows Central Gaming said that they're garbage. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that was Matt Brown's clever headline. So, so I mean, you, you had nothing to do with it? No, no, not really. I did the tweet, but Matt did the, Matt did the headline. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, why did, was that was that not well received? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I thought it was clever. Know, I thought it, it was funny because it is it is basically you know recycled yeah, I, I, garbage. You know. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was funny, and um, they they look great. <clears throat> they look really really nice. Um. You know, it's a, it's a very vivid shade of like greeny yellow, um, but the the whole recycling angle is interesting. Um, I'd love to see like a process on how that's done. Uh, would, you think, are, like, 
Are you a fan of the two controllers? Because I'm not. I, I, I immediately <clears throat> told told James, I was like, I'm not a fan of this this Mountain Dew yellow electric bulbs. What happened to... Because you know the, 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 the theory, the conspiracy theory out there is that when Microsoft released the blue controller and then Microsoft released the red controller, which blue was shock blue and the red was pulse red, right? That Microsoft oh, was hinting at a Sega acquisition out in the open, right? Blue for Sonic, <laughs> red for Knuckles, right? And everybody was waiting for the oh, yellow yeah. controller, and we didn't get a yellow controller. We got a, I don't know, Mountain Dew. So, like, does this change it up? Like, because Tails isn't that color color yellow. So is this is this Sega acquisition, did it fall apart? Is that what these controllers are telling us? <laughs> there are There is, like, there is a... A Sonic, uh, more, some of the more obscure Sonic characters have like other colors. Like, um, man, what was that? There was a green hedgehog in one of the Sonic cartoons where they're musicians. I can't remember one of us. My, my little brother loved that, that incarnation of Sonic, bro. That's a bit of a stretch. Almost as if Microsoft probably wouldn't hint that they were buying Sega by making controllers about it. Mm. I don't know. But, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm funny about colours, man. I only really like, like, solid colours, generally. I don't really like patterns and stuff. I got, like, an extreme right shell for my one controller that's sort of red. And then I got my black Elite controller, and that's, that's enough for me. But, there have been some really cool designs. Oh, God, actually, come to think of it, I completely forgot about this. A Bluber team... Sent me a medium controller. Yeah, I didn't get no controller. Did you see those? I did. But you're you're a really important Jess Corden. I'm just stupid YouTuber Randolph Horror. <laughs> I might like do a giveaway for the controller, maybe on Twitter or something. Get it to a good home. Because I've I've just got like so many controllers. You so, do. Uh, you have a lot yeah. of controllers, and I mean, I so do I. I mean, I. I have the, you know, the, I got a lot of controllers from, uh, the Xbox One, and I do have the blue controller and the black controller for Series X version. I do kind of want the red one, but I'll probably wait for a price drop on it, uh, before I get it. And Electric Volt and Day Strike Camo, no, no, no go for me. Don't like that color. Don't like the color of the camo. Yeah. I, come on, I know, I know you guys can, can do better with that. I don't know, James is still like there, the like, I don't even care, whatever. <laughs> I like some of the theme controllers I've done. Like the Sea of Thieves controller was so nice with the sort of glowy texture and the textured uh, plastic. And some of the Gears of War controllers I've done have been amazing over the years. Um, I wonder if they'll do something for Halo Infinite. Kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, I do. I also thought that too. Halo Infinite controller totally makes sense. What about Halo Infinite Series X and S? It yeah, wouldn't have been there, been able for launch. I just wonder if there's enough lead-in time where it got delayed uh, for a year. Is that enough time to engineer and uh, sketch out a custom system? But with all the semiconductor store like problems that are going on across the world, is it even realistic realistically that they could yeah. somehow you know have multiple like uh, the regular versions and then a Halo Infinite version? Maybe they could do, like, a controller, but, like, maybe not a full console because of the shortage. I don't know. Yeah. I um, think, like, 
it's it's kind of interesting though because like the, the shape of the the console lends themselves pretty well to like skins and shells and stuff. Like you can buy skins for the Xbox consoles from uh, D brand. That's not a sponsor, by the way. Um, I almost bought one of the wood the wood um, the wood skins for my con- console, but I don't know. Uh, King 89 says, didn't Insomniac Dev say that the PS5 SSD is not special today on an interview? Like, anything designed around the PS5 SSD can run on a Series X and S? Um, I mean, if they did, I haven't, uh, heard any of that stuff, but there's been a lot, a lot have been, uh, touting the PS5's SSD, but, uh, I, the most you probably see is, like what you saw with Marvel Avengers, where the load times were like four seconds on the PS5 and then like six seconds on the Series X, where more than likely that'll be what it is for the gen. Like the PlayStation 5 just loads faster by, you know, two to five seconds or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these games they're gonna have, you know, they're gonna have to run on the their multi-platform, and even a lot of Sony's games are gonna end up on PC. So, you know, yeah. So. And uh, most PC SSDs are not as fast as Sony's yeah. SSD. So I think they probably overspec that a bit, but potentially uh, elimin- eliminator or. 809 says, hey, Rand, uh, since Sony have been on a hiring speed, do you, do you know any PS5 games unannounced? Also, PlayStation has seemed very close with Square Enix. Um, I mean, everybody seems to be on a hiring spree, uh, spree so is Xbox. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of PS PlayStation games that are announced. Uh, you know, Naughty Dog's obviously working on something, a new IP, and potentially, you know, the last faction's multiplayer. Uh, I'm, you know, Bend is probably working on Days Gone 2. Um, there's the other rumored game that Gorilla's working on that may or may not be SOCOM. So, I'm there, I'm sure there's plenty of unannounced games that, uh, PlayStation has. They're just, you know, it's not time to reveal them just yet. I mean, hell, there's even, like, the second game that, uh, Sony Santa Monica's working on, um, that they're hiring writers for. So, there's plenty of unannounced games, uh, for both systems. And even for Nintendo, don't forget about Nintendo. And um, Square Enix, man, you, they're playing both sides very well. Um, yeah. They're getting money from PlayStation for exclusivity for games like Final Fantasy 16, for 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 Spoken, right? Sony's basically giving them a whole bunch of money up front, basically playing for development, all that good stuff. And then they're taking money from Microsoft for Game Pass deals, like Octopath Traveler, Outriders Day 1, and then there was that report by IGN Korea that said, hey, Microsoft has a deal with Square Enix for like six or seven Game Pass titles that have yet to be revealed. So Square right. Enix is, they're playing both sides extremely well. They're getting money from Sony and Microsoft. Um, wh- what do you think about that, Jazz? Do you have any insight or any guesses on what we could expect to see from the Square Enix six or seven games that are coming to Game Pass, the deal that they made with I Microsoft? I have literally no idea. I suppose like Tomb Raider is probably in the running, but hasn't that already been on Game yeah. Pass at some point? The Shadow of the Tomb Raider came to Game Pass like three months after it came out. So, I mean, it could be one, yeah. but um, I, I think they're probably. I wouldn't say all unannounced, but uh, you know, I know I know the hope is like one of them is Final Fantasy VII remake. You know what I mean? But yeah. 
That'd be absurd, man. It's kind of, it's kind of, swearing is kind of annoys me. Because they, they've always, they always take this like, this approach to things where they, I don't know, they, they're so willing to screw over fans to make these exclusivity deals on both sides, you know. Not just, not just PlayStation, but also on Xbox, so. Um, why don't they just, you know, make good games and put them everywhere? But you know, money's money, money talks, so, um, that's Square Enix for you. But I have no idea what kind of games that could be. They've already put like a lot of oh, classic Final Fantasy games onto Game Pass. Like those, some of those remakes. And, um, oh, sorry. Um, there's also like, uh, there's a lot of games waiting in the wings, like Final Fantasy VII Remake, where the hell is that? You know, still no announcement, whatever. We've also got um, Final Fantasy XII came to Game Pass, I think, recently. Uh, Zodiac Age mm-hmm. Remake. So they're clearly taking, they clearly like Game Pass. They clearly see Game Pass as a positive thing, otherwise they probably wouldn't have cut that deal for Outriders or whatever, um, if they thought it was going to hurt the game. Because clearly, it's not going to hurt the game. But, I don't know, man. Do you really think Final Fantasy VII Remake could be in Game Pass? They Like, when they finally announce it? I mean, I'm still of the... I'm still of the opinion that uh, it won't be coming to Xbox this year. You know, yeah. I, I still think, for whatever reason, potentially Sony, you know, made... Wanted to do another year of exclusivity for the PS5 version. I don't know. Like, I'm not expecting Final Fantasy Remake to be one of those, but I would love to be wrong. Like, honestly, I would love to be wrong. Prove me wrong. Put put Final Fantasy VII Remake on Game Pass, and I'll gladly be like, I was totally wrong on this, and I'm happy I'm wrong. Um, I just, I don't know. I just have this feeling that Final Fantasy is not one of them. Um, I mean, are there any guesses what they could be? What if it was uh, Dragon Quest Builders? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, another Dragon Quest game. Like a bunch what, of, what if it was um, What if it was, was Balan Wonderworld, the game that came out, didn't get any review copies, and apparently is absolutely god awful? Yeah, I, that game sounds. Well, actually, I played it. I played the demo when it hit. It was terrible, yeah. and then it just wrote it off. But that's that's where the, that's where the Game Pass quality control is supposed to come in because Microsoft doesn't want to put horrible games in the Game Pass, and that's why they yeah. they kind of create it to make it so that there aren't you know a stinker like Battle and Wonderworld. How uh, they put Destiny in it? <laughs> Destiny, you know, say what you will about. Uh, I'm joking. I'm I know, joking, but I'm de- joking, Destiny Destiny is played by lots and lots of people. But uh, yes, I'm joking. I know you are. Please, Equinox please says. Please. Equinox says, "Hey, Jez, what is with Persona on Xbox? Give us a hint." Man, I don't have any more information about that other than my smiley face. Other than Jez, so t- so confirmed. Jez Corden, smiley face, Persona coming coming to Xbox. Um, <laughs> we we talked about Persona last we week. Did. It's we just did. like I all I've heard is that they're working on it. I just don't know if they're gonna succeed. I don't know if anything's gonna come of it. I just you know I know that it's something that they want to do, and also it's kind of like it's not even news really because Phil himself said it. Um, 
well, he didn't say that specifically about Game Pass, but he did say, um, I hear you with regards to uh, bringing Persona to Xbox. So um, I think, like, Yakuza, the way Yakuza has found a new audience in Game Pass is definitely something that's probably given Atlas, you know, gotten Atlas's attention. And it's certainly gotten Sega's attention, obviously. But I don't know exactly the full details of, like, you know, because there's Atlas and there's Sega. But it does, it does kind of feel like Atlas is sort of like an entity unto itself where they can just decide, eh, we don't think it's worth it or whatever. Clearly, Sega thought putting Yakuza on Game Pass was worth it, right? Mm-hmm. So... Sega will have all that data now, and they'll go... Because, like, they ported one game, and then they ported all the games. And, like, I see people on Twitter talking about Yakuza all the time. So, Sega will take that data to Atlas and be like, yeah, this this is probably a good thing. Let's do it, you know? Well, that, so, I mean, they're just leaving a, ton, <clears throat> they're leaving a ton of money on sale, not putting Persona on Switch, not putting Persona on PC... Not putting, you know, Persona on Xbox by having Microsoft, you know, essentially. Like, there's a ton of money to be made from that. Now, I don't know if, like, Sony has some sort of exclusivity deal with uh, Persona Persona on that list. But, well, Persona 4 Golden's on PC. But I'm just saying, like... Persona 5 Strikers is on PC, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what that is. I I feel extremely confident that Persona series will make its way over to Xbox. So, I agree with Jazz. What is the difference between Persona 5 Royale and Royal and Persona 5 Strikers? I don't even Well, know. so, like, Persona, so, Strikers, from my limited understanding, and I'm, my buddy Jeff, my buddy Lovebug Gopher would know more about this, Strikers is, like, a different genre. It's like um, it's like a Dynasty Warriors game, like a Musu game, uh, oh. with the characters, essentially. And, um, like, Persona 5 Royale is... Another edition of Persona 5 with, like, an extra character. Um, Definitive edition sort of thing. Kind of. I, I'm I'm sure Persona fans would be, like, screaming at us in the comments right now, but I guess there's an extra character added in, um, in, in Persona 5 Royale, maybe some, like, improvements to the game overall or something. But, yeah. The last Persona game I played was Persona 3. That's, <laughs> that's how out of the loop I am with Persona games. So, um, you know... Uh, yeah, sorry, Matteo. I don't have any definitive information for, about Persona, but you know, just keep an eye out and you know, keep the faith and keep you know, keep letting Xbox know you guys want it. You know. Yeah. Um. I, I feel I feel pretty confident it's coming. Uh, Chiefman says if Microsoft have ten billy for Discord, they have three billy for Sega. Also, let's get more Square <laughs> and Game Pass. Octopath is getting a lot of downloads. Yeah, um, uh, Game Pass is only going to get bigger and better. They're going to get bigger third-party games on their day one. Outriders is just the beginning, and it won't be the last one. Uh, it's going to be a big year for it's going to be a big year for Game Pass, especially if they can get out Halo, Starfield, and Forza Horizon Five this year at the end, and you know the rumored uh, you know Ubisoft thing, which we've been talking about since last year. I don't know if you saw, but Jeff Grubb. Briefly mentioned it in a podcast uh, a couple days ago. Uh, mentioned the Ubisoft, you know, games and Game Pass. Like, um, I'm expecting uh, big things from Game Pass this year. Um, I think you are too, aren't you, Jez? 
Yeah, but it all depends. Like, obviously, Starfield may or may not come out this year. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 may or may not come out this year. You never know how COVID has infected development. Like, the only thing, the only thing I'm, like, for sure on is that Halo's coming out. Uh, but then again, what would happen if Halo got delayed till next year, Jez? Would somebody get fired? Oh, nothing. I don't know, man. I mean, it's, there's, there's a kind of like, there's a there's a limit on how much blame you can generate around the pandemic. I mean, I don't I don't have the ins and outs of how it's affected them specifically, and how they've been able to like pivot to a cloud based you know company and stuff. Like Microsoft is going to keep uh, work from home as an option for all staff even after even after the pandemic. So you would have to hope that they are well equipped to actually achieve that. But it is like flipping your company culture on its head in a pretty short space of time. So I wouldn't be surprised if it did get delayed. But does someone need to be fired for it? I don't know. You could argue that it wasn't in any kind of shape even before the pandemic. But I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I think, like... Halo has to release, and if if it releases in a bad state, then I think it's time to look at like new leadership for that whole franchise across the board, because it's like, you know, it's Microsoft's biggest franchise, and it hasn't been handled the best. Now, can you blame the Terry Myerson budget era for that? I don't know, but like I do know for a fact that Halo is the biggest budget of all Xbox games by a significant margin. And, you know, if, if if they don't deliver on that budget and that promise, then it's kind of like, damn, you know. So, I don't know, man. I hope it's not delayed. I, I, I hope I, it's I, not delayed. I, I, I personally. I don't think it'll be delayed. I'll be playing Battlefield 6, man. I'll be playing Battlefield, Battlefield 6. Battlefield 6, yeah. Battlefield 6 and then uh, Call of Duty apparently going back to World War Two. Awesome, amazing. That's sarcasm, by the way. I'm oh, I'm so over World War stuff. Like, I played them to death, you know, on the 360. Everybody was doing World War. Uh, and then it was like, okay, now we're doing modern, which is which is great. And even we're getting to the future stuff, like even with Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. And then everybody wanted to go retro. You know, Battlefield 1 was such, such, such a success that they're like, hey, we want to go back to World War 1. And then Call of Duty went back to World War 2. And then... Battlefield 5 kind of ruined it by going back to World War 2. And it's like, okay, now we're going back to modern. Like, 6 is going to be modern. Call of Duty is not going to do World War anymore. But then what do you know? Supposedly this new Call of Duty uh, Vanguard or whatever is an alternate history World War 2 game set in the 50s or something. And it's just like, I'm so done with World War 2 at this point. Like, why are we doing this stuff? I... It's like, what's, what sort of stories haven't we told from World War Two? you know, at this point? Like, there's been so many of them. I just... I yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of weird that they, that they decided to do that. It's almost like they're running out of ideas, but it's like, it's just so like, how do you, how do you annualize something like warfare? You know, it's, it's kind of weird. I think Call of Duty's future might just be the free-to-play stuff. I don't think, I think, like, we sh- I mean, this is probably naive, 
but I want to I want to believe that Call of Duty will start losing steam. Like the fact that like the new one is going to compete with the free to play one, Warzone or whatever. I think that will probably affect its sales. And the fact that I don't think there's an appetite for World War Two, I think um, I think that could affect its sales. Maybe not like the same the same kind of you know. It's really funny because like people think of Call of Duty Ghosts as like a failure, but it's still sold millions and millions of copies. Because Call of Duty does. It's what Call of Duty does. It just sells and sells and sells and sells for some reason. Like, I I bought, um, oh man, which one was it now? I can't even remember the name of it. The one where, like, the first one with, like, the hero classes and stuff. It was, it was modern, was it Black Ops 3, 4, 5? I can't even remember what it was called, man. Um, but I, uh, I just, like, even though I hadn't played Call of Duty for years, I was still kind of like, wow, it's, a, it's exactly the same. And it's still got the awful server infrastructure and the stupid peer-to-peer hosting and it's still full of hackers and people using a mouse and keyboard against controller players. And it's just, I just, you know, I'm just so over Call of Duty as a franchise, personally. I'm all about that Battlefield, baby. I've got high hopes for Battlefield 6. I have uh, I have high hopes for Battlefield 6 as well. Um, I, I, I've always preferred Battlefield over Call of Duty for multiplayer. Uh, campaigns, I've always preferred Call of Duty over Battlefield in that regard, but I, I really want Battlefield to go back to modern. Um, but yeah, Achievement says, Game Pass, lip sales on all platforms. When a game trends on Twitter from Game Pass, a lot of people just download it on PlayStation. Lifting trends draw developers. Um, that is true. A lot of people view Game Pass and a lot of developers as just like a advertising tool. People play it. They talk about it on Twitter. They get their friends to to play the game. Everybody's kind of talking about it, and then it kind of increases sales on other platforms. And that's something that a lot of people uh, feared about Game Pass uh, in the beginning, Jez. Right? A lot of developers weren't really sure what to make of it. They thought if they put their game there, then Nobody would continue to buy their game, um, but it really is proven the opposite, where uh, it's basically this huge advertising platform for your game, and not only does it increase the sales of your game on, on Xbox, but even other platforms as well. So not only do you get a big check from Microsoft to put your game on there, but then you know your sales don't decline, they increase. Which is why you're starting to see more, uh, big, like you know, your Outriders deal, uh, more Square Enix games, you know, Sega bringing Yakuza over. Like, you'll just start to see more and more of that stuff happening as the time goes on. It's definitely a hook. It's kind of like, if you've got, if you've got like loads of people talking about Outriders because it's, you know, easily accessible on Xbox with Game Pass, then like the people who don't have an Xbox will be like, oh wow, everyone's talking about this game, I'll buy it for PC or whatever, or the other platforms that it's on. So like, it does, it does have this sort of, it drives a halo effect over a game, which leads to sales on other platforms and other markets. And with gamers who don't have Game Pass and don't want Game Pass, and people who still enjoy buying physical games, because half of us still buy physical discs, you know. So um, there is that whole angle as well. So then is this like fear that Game Pass is like somehow going to make the industry bad and that developers aren't going to make any money and it's going to 
it's going to sort of drive down the profitability of gaming in a similar way to, you know, Spotify is often criticized for driving down the profitability of music. But I think it's just, it's just a different situation because with games, there's like, there's like an upsell, you know, there's like, okay, like music, maybe you have merchandising to some degree, but like nothing as potent as like V-Bucks or like microtransactions and stuff like that. I mean, as long as they're like kept optional and cosmetic, then I think that's like fine personally. But, you know, there's, there's that whole fear that Microsoft wants everything to be Game Pass. And I think they've been pretty clear that Game Pass is supposed to be an option, not a replacement. I don't think Microsoft will ever stop selling games at retail. I think they'll keep doing it. And as long as people want to buy it at retail, you know. Yeah, 100%. Like you, you can yeah. still buy CDs and you can still buy vinyls, you know. I think vinyls outsell CDs now, which is wild. Well, I mean, yeah. the streaming market like kind of overtook it. I, I, like, I remember people saying, like, nobody would subscribe to a, a music streaming platform, and then that's all people do. Like, they just subscribe yeah. to Spotify because literally everything's there. Nobody would subscribe to Netflix. Like, who wants to subscribe to Netflix? It's all about Blockbuster, you know? And look what happened. People will always choose convenience. Uh, I think it's pretty yeah. apparent when you look at when you look at us as a species, every, like people will will always choose convenience and low price over everything else, even over physical ownership. You look at it now, like who would have thought? Uh, especially with like the Xbox One and their DRM, which was going to basically turn physical games into a digital copy. And everybody was like, no, 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 you can't do this. We love physical, physical forever. You know, blah 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 blah. Right? Like I love physical. I want to trade in my games. Want to own them. I want to hold them forever. And then you look at it now, we're like, it's basically what, 55-50, or, you know, like it's 60-40, in favor of digital, where like the convenience factor of having that game downloaded and ready to go on launch day, or just I don't need to go to GameSpot or, you know, GameStop or order from Amazon, the game's just there. Like the convenience factor of digital basically uh push people towards uh that format even though you can get games cheaper at launch physically a lot of people just don't care for whatever reason i don't care but then again i also game share so i can pretty much get every game half price regardless which you know i really shouldn't talk about because that's supposed to be kept hush hush you know um <laughs> but it, it's 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 i don't know consumer habits have pointed to like basically convenience over everything you know, so it's not surprising whatsoever. Um, I mean, publishers publishers have like made the case. I remember back in the day, like when you bought a game, like it'd have a map in it, it'd have an instruction manual in it, it might have some like cool little extras, you know, physical stuff that you know were inserted in the game case. And now, like, you don't even get an instruction manual most of the time. It's just a, it's just like a, it's, it's a digital license in a box. That's what you get when you buy a digital, a physical game these days. A digital license in a box, which is, you know, not great. Um, it's funny, cause I remember when Half-Life 2 came out, Rand, and it required this scary thing called DRM, which was Steam, you know, and, uh, you know, every, every PC gamer, 
love steam now. And it's basically the same, it's the same sort of formula. Like you don't, there's no such thing as a physical PC disc. It's all, it's always attached to some form of DRM. It's either Steam, it's either Steam DRM. If you buy a physical PC game, it's either Steam DRM or some other platform's DRM, a Battle.net or something. You know, there's no such thing as like a unrestricted PC game for the most part nowadays. Yeah. But I remember the whole argument with Half-Life 2 being, you know, forced to use Steam. I, I remember like being irritated about that. Man, when did that game come out? When I was like 18? No, younger. 17? 16? I don't know. God, Jesus, that was a long time ago. I made myself feel old now, Ryan. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but obviously the digital, the digital future does have its drawbacks. I mean, you know, with the rumors that Sony's about to remove the PlayStation 3 and Vita store, uh, and game, those games will just be lost. Now, like, I know that's been a conversation for like a week now. And we, we don't know mm. if Sony's planning some sort of backwards compatibility for those titles on the PS5. And even uh, Michael in the Super Chat says, digital is definitely the future, but physical always have a place. People will always need a backup in case hardware or internet malfunctions. Um, yeah. I, <clears throat> I hope it sticks around because, you know, it's just kind of cool that there's the option to collect. Like, I used to collect 360 discs. I had, like, I had like dozens and dozens of Xbox 360 games and dozens of OG Xbox games. And when the Xbox One first came out, I started buying them physically. But then it's that damned convenience, man. But, like, you know, like, angry video game nerd, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's got, like, the most impressive collection of, you know, video game stuff. Cartridges of the Super Nintendo and stuff. It's just kind of the idea of taking that away from people who do collect just kind of makes me sad. But, you know, we've seen vinyl records resurge and come back into fashion. Like, I buy vinyl records now, even though I do have Spotify as well. But, I don't know. Humans are weird. We are very weird. We are very weird. Um, So, let's talk about... Uh, let's get into these uh, bigger topics, shall we? I figured, uh, let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about Discord. Okay? So, how did this start out? Um, Bloomberg... No, it wasn't Bloomberg. It was VentureBeat. They came out and said, hey, Discord is looking to sell, according to sources, uh, for like $10 billion, that they've entered into an exclusive contract with somebody. Uh, There's all this like back and forth, like, oh, these people say this, and there, we weren't sure who was, uh, you know, basically trying to buy Discord, or if Discord was just kind of seeing what was out there, getting a sense of their how much they're worth, and then they would go and, be, you know, do an IPO, and, and become a publicly traded stock, right? There's there's that whole thing. And then Bloomberg came out and said, hey, uh, Microsoft is looking to buy Discord for over $10 billion. But even that article was like, uh, they're in early talks. Who knows if it'll ever be completed? Um, it also said that more than likely um, that Discord will just sell itself publicly, et cetera, et cetera. And then the Wall Street Journal came out the other day and said that Microsoft was the one who entered into exclusive negotiations with Discord uh, to buy them. And here we are today. And you, Jazz, because I was talking a little bit about you, uh, with you earlier, you think, or at least you're fairly confident 
that this is a, this, this is a slam dunk for for Microsoft that they are going to buy Discord. Uh, and uh, why don't you tell people your reasoning behind that? Why this makes complete? Because there's still some people out there that don't understand why this makes sense for Xbox and Microsoft. Some people worried, and rightfully so, about hey, Microsoft bought Skype and kind of ruined it, so maybe they would do the same with Discord. Uh, let the people know why you think this is a, a perfect fit for Xbox and Microsoft, and why essentially they wouldn't ruin it. First of all, um, you know I don't have any inside information specifically about this. The only the only inside information I have about this is that I know that Microsoft is working on deeper Discord integration for Xbox Live. Whether that means cross-platform chat or cross-platform voice, I don't know. I just know that that's something they're working towards right now. So you'd have to assume that if they're working, if they are in an exclusive, if they are in an exclusive um, negotiations with Discord, um, my argument previously about that was, man, it's kind of kind of concerning if you're if you want to if you want to open up Xbox Live to another a competing service basically, and then Amazon buys Discord. That puts that puts Microsoft in a tricky position, right? Because they've hooked up Xbox Live to a competing platform, and Amazon could just be like, "Yeah, well, we're going to start spamming our services and advertising us, you know, Amazon Luna through Discord on Xbox or something." You know, there's a there's sort of, there's a conf, there's a bit of a conflict there. <clears throat> However, um, if Microsoft was to integrate Discord and then buy it, that makes far more sense. So when I heard about this, I was like, oh, that's why Microsoft's working towards integration with Discord. It's because they're trying to buy Discord. Um, I have no idea if they'll be successful. Uh, it's kind of hard to judge because I haven't seen Discord's financials. They're a private company. Okay, so well, apparently know. Discord isn't profitable. They don't make any money. That's that's kind of what the reports were saying. And that if they did, yeah, go, and if they did go public, then their shareholders would want there to be you know, make money right away, so maybe that would change Discord for the worse, where right now Discord <clears> is a free platform, it has no ads, you know, you can buy Nitro to make it better, but if they went public, maybe Nitro becomes mandatory, uh, maybe they limit certain options, maybe ads start showing up, maybe they start selling your personal data because they need to make money, right, those type of things, where if Microsoft bought yeah, them, they so wouldn't have to do that, you know? Yeah, so if this Discord last year announced an uh, initiative to break away from its gaming, a lot of people don't know this, but Discord posted this on their blog that they wanna they wanna break away from their their gaming identity and become more of a lifestyle brand. They wanted they wanna they wanted to make they were talking about Discord for business, you know, where businesses can use Discord, and I know for a fact that. You know, there are businesses out there that use Discord because it's basically Slack but free, you know. Um, so uh, there is a sense of Discord that from last year they were already thinking about how can we diversify, grow our business and actually make some money because right now uh, the, the supposedly they're not making any money and I wouldn't be surprised they're not making any money. They offer video conferencing for free. They offer voice chat for free. And all this stuff costs money. It costs a lot of money, you know, bandwidth hosting and and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and also there's the angle that 
there are Discord competitors coming out of the woodworks now. There's like this new app called Gilded, which is literally offering, it looks identical to Discord, but it offers all the Discord Nitro features for free. So it's kind of like undercutting Discord. And I think Discord's probably realized that it wouldn't be hard for us for a company with venture capital money to literally eat Discord's lunch, and this is a point where um, they need to they need an exit, right? They need an exit. They either need to go public and have a really ambitious plan to actually deliver shareholders their investments back, um, which they may or may not have, uh, but you know. Or they sell to a, a big tech company for a, you know, to keep Discord pure and what it was supposed to be, which is, you know, gaming oriented. So, the fear, naturally and obviously, from everyone who's a fan of Discord, is that Microsoft has this habit of buying social oriented companies and screwing them up. Mixer is one example. I mean, Microsoft didn't screw up Mixer necessarily, but it's Microsoft's rigid corporate structure, the the sort of the the misunderstanding of human beings in groups, shall we say, um, kind of stopped Mixer from taking on Twitch. And I think when I think when the pandemic hit and Mixer was the only platform that didn't grow, kind of that was the writing on the wall that Mixer had something fundamentally wrong with it, um, fundamentally wrong with its messaging and and its you know, it's attempts to grow and all that sort of stuff. So that was that. Also, a lot of people say Microsoft ruined Skype. I disagree with this. I think Skype was always bad. And um, Microsoft actually pivoted Skype away from its peer-to-peer messaging system. Because I don't know if you remember back in the day, Rand, but your messages wouldn't deliver or be received if uh, only one person was online. And then do you remember, like, logging into Skype and you get, like, 100 messages all at once if you're in a group chat? Because yeah. there's no cloud infrastructure. It had no cloud. So Skype Skype sucked back in the day. It really did. And Microsoft didn't make it worse. If anything, Microsoft made it better by making it cloud-based so your messages actually get sent and stuff like that. Where Skype failed was that it failed to innovate. And you can, again, you can address, you can think Microsoft's rigid corporate structure and lack of understanding or their fear of social networks as um, a fear of user-generated content, should we say, that Microsoft um, didn't want to uh, take Skype the sort of direction it needs to go in, which is like to be a more social experience. Where Microsoft likes to do social is in a business context, because in a business context, there's no, there's no risk of people abusing your platform. This is what Microsoft is absolutely terrified of, is people abusing their platform. That's why you can't upload pictures to Xbox Live. It's because pe- they're worried that people will abuse their platform and, and you know, you'll, you'll have situations like Twitter's in right now where Twitter is, Twitter is literally having to answer the government on questions of Twitter damaging democracy, you know, for example, and creating echo chambers. And Facebook's having to answer this question to, uh, to society in general, that Facebook is un- unraveling democracy with its user-generated content. So, and, and Discord's had its controversies in this space too, with servers that are like either full of racism, full of like controversial content, 
like the the risk to the risk to children on Discord is pretty big sometimes, and you get like t- servers where like uh, YouTubers or Twitch streamers have abused their access to their fans through Twitch, um, uh, through Discord, sorry, and that is something that Microsoft would be terrified of. But at the same time, that sort of toxicity is something they're going to have to come face to face with because everything is social now. All gaming is social. And I think, like, the first platforms that figure out how to marry social and gaming together is um, is going to be the platform that blows up, you know. So, obviously, you've got Tencent waiting in the wings. And uh, Tencent sort of, like, has massive social platforms. Microsoft has no social platforms. You've got Amazon waiting in the wings. Amazon has Twitch, which is a massive social platform. YouTube and Google has, you know, that's a massive social platform. And, yeah, Stadia has failed. You could argue that Microsoft has fended off Stadia. But maybe they won't be able to fend off Amazon Luna because Twitch is so damn big and so damn integrated with streaming that Amazon Luna and Twitch as a, you know, a gaming platform that is also connected with social, uh, that is a big threat to Microsoft. So what Microsoft wants out of Discord is they want eyeballs. They want people who are, they want the users. They don't want to, like, jack up the price. They don't want to add adverts to it. And um, they don't want to do any of that sort of stuff. What they want is the eyeballs. They want to be able to, like, push Game Pass through it. They want to be able to offer Game Pass through it, or maybe, like, even, like, you know, add Discord Nitro to Game Pass and stuff like that. That's what they're thinking of. And also, um, you know, uh, linking Xbox Live up to Discord, because right now, Skype is powering the Xbox backend, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the the idea is that they get the eyeballs, they get the social network, because Discord is a social network. It's not a chat app. It's more than a chat app now. It's, it's a social network. You can hit on the Explore tab, and, like, the server's there with, like, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in it. Like, it's like Facebook groups on steroids, right? So, um, it would be good for Microsoft if they did buy it. However, um, they would need to move fast to prove that they aren't going to ruin it. They'd need to, they'd need to keep the Discord staff that are there now. And, uh, you know, and the people who drive that vision and keep them on and, you know, steward it through the sort of, steward it through the transition, similarly to what they did with GitHub. Because when they bought GitHub, oh man, there was a lot of angry, angry, angry people. And, uh, you know, that everyone was saying, everyone was scared that they were going to make all the, the GitHub features like paid and they were going to like, you know, require a Microsoft account and all this sort of stuff. And Microsoft's like, no, we're not going to do that. And like a couple of years later or a year later, however long it's been, um, GitHub's fine and it's just ticking over doing what it does. So I think, uh, I suppose like Microsoft does have a lot of questions to answer because you know, Skype is not relevant anymore, and Microsoft hasn't really succeeded in social, except for, like, in a business context. Like, they got LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is growing. But who cares about LinkedIn? It's business stuff. Sanitized corporate 
what Microsoft is good at, sanitized and corporate, right? Microsoft is like still such a sanitized sort of company. Um, and Discord is like a little bit, you know, less sanitized. But at the same time, it's kind of like they're looking at this stuff from uh, a social perspective. And also the fact that if Microsoft doesn't get Discord and Amazon gets it, it, it could turn Amazon into a really serious threat. So it's a, a little bit about stopping the competition getting it. It's a little bit about enhancing Xbox Live, a little bit about bridging the gap between Xbox and PC. And it's a little bit about Microsoft finally having a social network because that's the big missing piece of their tech puzzle, I guess. Like, you look at how much social networking Tencent has, for example, it's crazy. You know, Amazon has its social network and, uh, you know, Google has its social network. Apple, I guess, doesn't, but I don't know if Apple's serious about gaming whatsoever, but... I don't know. What do you think, Rand? Do you think this is a bad idea for Microsoft? Do you think it's a waste of money? Would you rather them have a new studio, well, or do you see that there is a vi- there is a credible strategy to be made there? Well, so I'm going to answer this, but I, I want to hit up the people's uh, super chats here. Uh, Dan Lazaro says I thought PlayStation players didn't care about back and pat. Uh, Bagel One says Will Microsoft start making big budget Sony style third person action adventure story driven games, or will they actively Largely seed that format to Sony. Uh, I think they'll probably make one. Uh, Chiefman says, going to have dinner with the wife. Show us top notch as usual. See you on Twitter. Uh, thank you for, uh, for, for listening to the show. Hope you enjoy your dinner. And Michael says, I don't know, based on what happened with Mixer. Yeah, the Mixer, you know, eh, like I understand people's concerns. Uh, Showman says, Microsoft sucks in the consumer facing market. So there's definitely a lot of different opinions about this. Now, <sighs> okay. Um, in a scenario, which this isn't obviously true, if it was, like Michael says here, would much rather they invest in a new studio. If the choice was, we buy Discord, and if we do, we don't buy any new studios, then clearly I would be like, that's the wrong choice. But this is Microsoft, and that's not going to be an either-or, right? So they can they can buy Discord, and it's not going to prevent them from acquiring some studio down the road. But But for me... Like, you, you, you ask that direction, which would I prefer? I would prefer new studios because I just want more games, and I want more games on Game Pass. So while I understand Microsoft wanting to buy Discord, I don't really see the advantages to me as a consumer immediately. Like, I get the idea of, like, hey, for our gaming, we can use Discord as the back end for, you know, for party chats, for 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 social, like, Imagine how easy it would be to to bridge Xbox, PC, and mobile, even though they were to do that now, right? Like, I'm on console, a buddy can join my party from the PC, uh, even though it's a little bit convoluted on the PC, or somebody can join the party from mobile, but honestly, like, the voice quality isn't very good from one joining from either, right? Um, so I would imagine, like, if you integrate it that way, it'd be much easier uh, to do. And then, like, Obviously, like, the whole game subscription, like, Microsoft being like, hey, you subscribe to Game Pass, you also get Discord Nitro, and then you could use that. Like, I get why they would want it for those reasons. Plus, there's the whole, uh, like, I don't even think you mentioned, but, like, the the idea that Discord's on 
uh, what Google's, Google's cloud, and they would remove that and put it on Azure, which would be a big one for Azure, right? Uh, yeah, that would be huge for Azure. And then, like, I know people will say, like, hey, just build your own chat platform. Build your own Discord. And, but in this situation, it's like you could, and you could spend billions of dollars doing it, but would you ever have the reach that Discord has right now? So the idea is you build your own, and maybe it's not as good as Discord, and it doesn't get the monthly active users that Discord has, or you just spend the money to get Discord now because Discord has 140 monthly active users, and we know Microsoft loves their monthly active users. You know, so I think like um, the ship has sailed on Microsoft having been able to build that. The ship has really firmly sailed. Like they they could have built it like years ago when um, <clears throat> when uh, they when they had Skype and uh, the, the 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 glacial pace of fixing Skype has just been shocking. Like they integrated Skype with Xbox. Skype Xbox's back end is powered by Skype. Like the messaging and the the voice chats is powered by Skype, uh, I believe anyway. And um, and that all that stuff, making Skype cloud based and switching Skype's code base like four times in the last like three years or something. It went from UWP. To a, to a different app, and then they retired the Win32 app and made an Electron app, and my God, it was just, it, Skype is such a goddamn mess. And they just hadn't any idea what to do with it. I think, like, if they had moved faster to make Skype a more gaming-friendly, open-platform sort of, sort of system, uh, that was also crucially as fast as this could, because Skype is slow as hell. I mean, you open the Skype, Skype mobile app, it's slow as hell. It's it's awful to use, painful to use. It's like using something from 20 years ago. Like, I really, I really hate using Skype. But for messaging, anyway, like, Skype's still, like, super reliable for videos. But, my God, it is super, super bad for messaging. Um, but, obviously, most of what you do on Xbox Live is messaging, you know. Um, and it's decent enough for voice chat. I guess. The, voice, the anyway, quality of voice chat on Xbox Live is pretty good. At least in yeah, comparison it's, it's, to, like, PlayStation Network. Um, yeah. It, it, it's pretty How good. Yeah, Dovakin yeah. says, Microsoft is clearly on a mission to build something big. Discord looks like a key feature for the bigger picture. So, yeah, like... Yeah. So, yeah. while it doesn't do anything for me personally right now, like, Bethesda was big for me because I enjoy a lot of their games. Like, I enjoy, like, machine games and id software and Arcane, like, so, like, for that, it was like, oh, man, I, I get more games, and these games are going to be in Game Pass, and, like, the studios aren't going to be shut down, or maybe they can go back to making single-player experiences instead of trying their hands at games as a service and all that good stuff, right? Discord's a little bit more, uh, you don't really understand the benefits right away to you, the consumer. Um, but I understand why Microsoft would is looking at, like, I understand why, like, Phil Spencer would want this. You know, you look at it for what they could do in the future with integration on Xbox, PC, mobile, you know, uh, smart TV stuff where, like, you can just easily do cross-chat, you know, the combination of sub-subscriptions, the whole Azure stuff. So, yeah, it makes sense. Like, I think you, um, sorry to cut you off, but I don't, I don't know if you noticed recently, but they, they've actually packaged Xbox messaging and voice chat as something you can buy on Azure now. 
So if you're if you're a developer making a mobile app, for example, like take Among Us for example. If you're if you're a developer making a game like Among Us and you wanted to put it on mobile phone, you can have Xbox Live powering your chat systems in the game, even if your game doesn't use Xbox Live. Like they sell that as a feature. Like it's easy to imagine like selling Discord integration as a feature for devs, like using the platforms backend or whatever, the messaging systems and stuff like that. But it's 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 about eyeballs really. It's it's like you say, they they could they could build their own platform. Like they got Xbox clubs and I did see I I, I leaked concept art of uh this um Xbox clubs that looked more like Discord. Like they were li- they were literally thinking about it, making Xbox clubs more like Discord. They had concept art for it. They showed it to devs. They were like, oh, yeah, Xbox clubs will be more like Discord in the future. But they never did it. They didn't do it. And they very, very hard missed the, missed the boat on that. If they ever were, were going to try to do it, it's too late now. The only option for Xbox to have, like, a social network attached to it is Discord. So while, like, I understand people's fears, and Microsoft has a lot to prove in that space, if I was Microsoft, I would definitely be thinking... Man, need to we need to get that because if Amazon gets it, it's gonna be bad. Yeah. Like Amazon, Amazon having Twitch and Discord, that would be bad for Microsoft and Xbox. Um, you know, at least in terms of like what they're planning, and they're planning is to hit two billion, three billion gamers. Whether they ever will achieve that is another is another story. But um, I'm gonna say no. That's the plan. I'm gonna say no. I yeah, mean, unless they get like a crazy know, successful man. mobile game or something that hits a billion by itself. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's the thing. It's like you say no, but man, how many people are playing games through Android, at Google Play right now? You know, that Google Google Play is technically the biggest gaming network on earth, and nobody nobody really thinks of that. Like Genshin Impact just hit like a billion dollars, and that ain't through PlayStation. That's through Google Play. I'm telling you. So when it comes to these sort of massive social platforms and stuff like that, um, it's they've got to look beyond the console. Like the console is the the bedrock, right? But they've got to look beyond the console and social media has to be a part of that, you know. But it has to be. So I don't know, man. I think, yeah. It's like, it kind of sucks that we live in a world where everything has to be bought eventually. But, you know, no no company, no unless you're like, you know, uh, like a Zuckerberg or something, or, or a Jack Dorsey, and you want to go public, and you want to you work forever, basically. Um, most, most startups sell. They make, they make a product. They grow it and then they sell and then they go and buy an island and live live happily ever after. That's how that's how business works. You don't go into business thinking I'm going to change the world and you know never retire. I mean some people do, but most startups don't. Like Microsoft buys startups all the time. They bought Wonderlist and they bought like you know tons of stuff. I can't even think off the top of my head, but I should like 
researched that and put a list together of all the stuff that Microsoft bought. They bought like tons of mobile apps, like Wonderlist and that email app, which you know rebranded to Outlook at some point, and all that sort of stuff. And then all the studios they buy and all the technology they buy, all space VR, and it's just crazy the amount of stuff that Microsoft buys and integrates into its platform. Ultimately, so we, you know, I think they even bought PlayFab. You know, they didn't they didn't make PlayFab. I think they bought it, didn't they? I mean, I I don't I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, PlayFab. I think they bought it. So. Um, and obviously they bought GitHub and all this sort of stuff because they're trying to build they're trying to build a, a massive platform of subscribers basically. You know that that's the, that's Microsoft's future is like how how much so how many subscriptions can we get? Whether it's like a business subscribing to Azure services or consumers subscribing to Discord, Nitro, and Xbox Game Pass. It's, that's that's the mentality. Discord is a is an ideal purchase for Xbox. You know. As long as, um, you know, they really get out in front and say, yeah, we're not going to ruin it and, and outline a plan and keep people on board and stuff like that. Because very, very easily people could leave Discord, you know. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of negative sentiment about Microsoft from the general public still, even now. They're seen as like this big evil company that is just evil, even though they just haven't been that company for so long. But I think there are legitimate questions to be answered, asked, uh, given that they shut down Mixer and they, you know, they gave up on it. And given that they, uh, you know, haven't really done very good stuff with Skype. I also think there's, and, there's a legitimate concern that let's imagine Microsoft buys them. I imagine just a bunch of people just leaving to go to a different chat platform. Well, yeah, put it this way. Just I mean, be there when like WhatsApp, an Exodus, you know? Yeah. When WhatsApp um, changed its terms of service to say that, yeah, we're going to share your data with the Facebook parent company now, um, Telegram gained, like, dozens of millions of users overnight. I think I I want to say like it was more than 100 million, but I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head. I don't, maybe it wasn't that much, but you know WhatsApp is like this massive chat. It's like absolutely huge, and overnight, one 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 line of text pissed off millions of users to move to Telegram. Like the amount, like I I use WhatsApp and Telegram almost equally now because so many of my friends left WhatsApp to go to Telegram um, because they managed to piss everyone off. And, like, Microsoft should know from how how Skype has slipped out of relevancy. Uh, you know, millions of people still use Skype, but it's mostly, like, boomers and people who use Skype specifically to do voice calls and then jump off and then exit the application. Like, people don't use Skype actively all day, the same way they use WhatsApp and Telegram all day, you know, or Discord all day. Like, Skype, Skype's that kind of app that you open once in a blue moon to do, like, a meeting and then close and never use it again. I used to have so many, like, group chats through Skype and stuff like that back in the day until Discord came out. And then it was just like, wow, Discord's so much faster, so much better, like, literally no reason to use Skype when it's this slow and hasn't changed. But, you know, 
these are things that Microsoft are going to have to address and going to have to prove. They're going to have a lot to prove. But there's so much potential for Microsoft and Xbox with Discord. There really is. Like maybe not, maybe not to make money necessarily, um, because <laughs> I don't know if you make money with the Discord directly, but it it would add so much value to uh, what Xbox is doing, and also this uh, Discord has like all these like streaming features built in stuff like that. Maybe they can give the old mixer another crack. I don't know, but I don't know. I think it's. Uh, we won't know for sure until the deal's done, but I think it's a pretty good chance that this will actually happen. So. Yeah, Wall Street Journal said the deal might be done as early as next month. Uh, yeah. You, you, you seem pretty confident that Microsoft's not going to let this one slip. So. I mean, they shouldn't let it slip. I mean, Discord, if Discord goes public, I can't even imagine what they're going to do. It's like, uh, what are you, you going to do with that? Are you going to add, like, stories? Are you going to add Discord for business? Like, it, it's it's strange to think about. Like, the only way Discord could... <coughs> Sorry. The only way Discord could deliver value for investors is by betraying what they've done so well already, which is provide a free service with no ads, with no, you know, selling your data and no, like, half-baked features, you know, that... no specifically designed to siphon money or whatever. But if they had investors, then they'd have to start thinking about that and they would dilute their product and that could actually end up being worse for them. So I don't know. And we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Hunter Smith says, Discord could become a a part of PlayFab and be sold to devs as a basis for multi-platform party and voice chat. And he says, of course, Jess says says that right when I said it. of course, Jess says what I said right as I was hitting send. Uh, and Funky <laughs> just says, I think Discord could be a great launcher for Game Pass on PC and mobile. Yeah, Microsoft does have a problem. That is a great store. point. Um, <clears throat> that is a great point. And Discord could could be the solution to that. Um, and Slayer Knights also donated a dollar, but I don't see the message. So thank you for the support. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this, if it really goes through, and if it does, what the plans are for Discord and how they're going to integrate it and all that stuff. So, um, But kind of related, or at least maybe a little related to it. Maybe not. I don't think it is. Um, Xbox Live is no more, Jez. It's gone. It's now <sighs> Xbox Network with a lowercase n. So what are your thoughts on this right away? For me... I don't like this change because I think Xbox Live is an iconic brand. I've been saying it like since, you know, uh, 2004 when I played Halo 2, Xbox Live. I understand the reasonings behind it, and you had a couple of really good tweets about it. Uh, it just, Xbox Network just sounds sad, Jazz. Like, with the lowercase n, it's not even like, it's just, dude, it, it, this is the thing, though. They haven't rebranded Xbox Live. No, I understand. I agree with you. It's a de-branding. But it's it's still going to be marketed as Xbox Live. No, it won't. It will? No, it won't. It's still going to be called Xbox Live Gold. It's not going to be called well, Xbox no, Network. The, the Xbox Live will only be in reference to the Gold subscription. They won't refer to anything else on the network side as Xbox Live. Yeah. But, like, why would they? It's kind. Of, it's, 
it's it's what it reflects is the fact that live services are just intrinsic to the box now. It's like you don't need to have a brand for something that's a given. Like Xbox is a connected device. It's not like you have like my smart TV has Samsung TV Live. You know, it's it's a smart TV. It has network stuff connected to it. You don't need that brand anymore. And I think like it reflects. It just reflects the fact that we expect that of our console now. Um, I think people will still refer to it as Xbox Live. Like, do you want to play on Xbox Live or whatever? But, you know, it kind of also hints at the fact that one day, Xbox Live Gold will probably go away. Mm. People are going to keep on saying, oh, remember when they tried doubling the price of gold and people were like, you said this. And it didn't happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, we never said it was happening soon. So, so you have this network change. But then also recently um, in the insider ring of uh, Alpha Skip Ahead and Alpha, uh, they're testing out the multiplayer uh, removal of the – for free-to-play games, uh, the multiplayer requirement to be gold, as well as Xbox Live Party Chat being free and looking for group dropping gold as well. Now, Microsoft already announced that free-to-play games multiplayer would be free later on this year, and we thought, eh, probably more around, you know, Halo Infinite's launch. But Mm. they're testing it now. I would assume the testing's going to go very smoothly. I know a lot of people think, hey, it should be as easy as flicking a switch, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, So were you surprised by any of this, Chaz? Like, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised that Party Chat actually is being free. I thought they'd keep that locked behind gold. But I guess it does make a lot more sense, you know, if you're going to have free-to-play free, if you're going to potentially have Discord buyout that, you know, maybe you need gold. I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things that makes it look better. Okay, so you have multiplayer for free-to-play free. You no longer have to pay for Party Chat. Looking for group is free. So now the only things locked behind a subscription are the multiplayer uh, games with gold, which are god-awful and they should just get rid of, and deals with gold, which honestly, Xbox Live Gold is just an archaic service at this point. Like, I agree with you. That needs to just... They're winding, they're winding it down. You know, like, I don't know how anyone could think otherwise from the way they're doing this. Like... They're winding it down. They're winding Xbox Live down to the point where it's just going to be Xbox and then Game Pass. I genuinely believe, like, Xbox Live Gold will go away in the next few years. Don't know when, but I think it'll be when Xbox Game Pass hits a critical mass in new markets and Microsoft, like, they're making so much money on Game Pass that it replaces the cash flow from Xbox Live Gold. They'll just get rid of it. They'll yeet it away because... At the end of the day, it's kind of weird that PC gamers and, you know, cloud gamers don't have to pay for, well, I suppose the cloud gamers are because they're on a Game Pass Ultimate, but mm-hmm. uh, PC gamers don't have to pay to access the network, which is weird. And I think when you look at, like, Google Play and stuff, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, Minecraft on other platforms, like, the, the majority of people on Xbox Live network isn't, they aren't paying for gold. 
I don't think. You know, it's, yeah, it's dodgy, dodgy Caesar says, gold isn't archaic, it's prehistoric. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it just feels completely counterintuitive to Microsoft's vision of access and multiplayer access. It just feels so weird. But at the same time, you can't just, you can't just rip, it's like ripping off a band-aid, but like a very, very painful band-aid. Like imagine if you had a band-aid affixed to some very sensitive hair on your body and you have to rip that off around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of what they'd be doing if they just, they just got rid of it without something to replace that cash flow. Because right now, Xbox Live Gold is the business model, you know? It is the business model. So, I think one day they'll transition away from Xbox Live completely. Like, Xbox Live Gold is just... It's such... It's such a relic of an old time. And um, it's just counterintuitive. Like, can you imagine if you had to pay a subscription to play PUBG Mobile on Google Play just wouldn't happen. It's just weird to even consider that. No, it's weird. Uh, Michael Michael says, any ideas how many users have made the transition from Xbox Live Gold to Game Pass since uh, Gold is included with Ultimate? Um, I think Microsoft released information that, like, most new customers, they, they, they announced that recently on Xbox Live live wire man I'm getting tired now Xbox wire blog post where they were talking about the uptake of Game Pass and hitting the milestones and they were saying that most new users on Xbox Series S they go straight to Ultimate you know Um, but at the same time we don't really have any hard figures or hard data to speculate about that it's uh, but that is the strategy. The strategy is to move people off gold onto Game Pass and then get rid of gold. That's what I believe. Could take years. Maybe not next year. Maybe not the year after. But I do believe that will happen eventually. Yeah. Hunter Smith says, and, ironically, um, Xbox Live Gold probably helped introduce Microsoft as a whole to the benefits of subscriptions. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, Xbox Live Gold is, you know, it's been an eye-opener for, for many <laughs> industries, really. It's like, wow, we can get people to pay for this. Um, you know, and then you got and Spotify. They'll play for, and, and they'll pay for it forever? Oh, my God. What else can we do? And everything became yeah, a subscription. I, dude, I often think about, like, how many people out there literally haven't played Xbox for years but just let their, let their subscription take over? How many <laughs> people do that? It's not like it's not like it's a huge amount of money. Like you wouldn't even know. Well, I mean, even even in other other businesses, like I use Adobe Premiere Pro for building my videos, and you used to be able to buy a Premiere Pro or the Adobe Suite for like a one-time fee of you know hundred bucks or whatever it was, and then they just moved it to subscription. And now, if you want Premiere Pro, it's twenty bucks a month forever. Or if you want the whole suite of things like Photoshop and After Effects and Media Encoder, that's like seventy bucks a month forever. Ugh. You know, because I, I have a student discount, so I'm paying like thirty dollars for all the the apps, and that's thirty dollars a month every single month for an entire year. And you know, I need it for my videos, so it's like it's just. You know, you look at it like, yeah, man, everything's a subscription. You used to be able to one time look at like Office 365, right? Um, yeah. Like you, you used to buy Office 
in a box copy back in the day. Yep. And now you just subscribe. Like, I subscribe to Office 365. Um, my entire computer is stored in OneDrive because, you know, I change a laptop fairly frequently. So One Bad Mother but, One Bad Mother has an interesting question for you, Jess. It says, where do we see that tipping point? 50 million Game Pass users, question mark? The, the, the tipping point being, okay, we're at a certain milestone. We can make gold free and remove multiplayer. And, and this is, this is my line, line of thought. I think it's a significant amount of people, around 40 to 50 million, where they can then say, all right, multiplayer is free. And at the same time, Increase the price of Game Pass. Mm, yeah. Like, maybe. Like, cause I know, like, everybody's concerned about the price of Game Pass. Like, okay, Discord, if you're adding, if you buy Discord and if you add Nitro into the subscription, if you're adding these Ubisoft games at the end of the year along with EA Play, if you're getting these big third party games with Outriders and if it's not the last one, which, which it won't be, people are starting to think, well, how long before Game Pass console and Game Pass PC, which are $10 a piece, suddenly become $15 a piece? And how long before Ultimate, which includes everything, is now $20 instead of $15, right? And I would say, well, that's not going to happen anytime soon because Microsoft is still in user acquisition mode. Last time uh, we got an official update, it was 18 million uh, users. That's not when you up, uh, uh, up, that's not when you raise the price. You raise the price, you know, maybe when you hit 35 million, maybe when you hit 40 million, maybe when you hit 50 million, when you have a certain set of users that you know aren't really going to unsubscribe uh, because they've seen the benefits of, 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 of what Game Pass can offer, and then you hit them with that $5 price hike, right? But to maybe soften the blow a bit, you say, you know what? We're raising the price of Game Pass Ultimate to $20 a month and Game Pass PC and console to 15 but multiplayer is now free for everybody, right? And they can kind of maybe spin it that way, where they're like, hey, we're doing this for you. Like, multiplayer is completely free, uh, but we do have to charge a little bit more uh, for inflation and, and many different reasons. And once they hit that, that target, whether it's $40 million or $50 million, I think they'll probably do, do both at the same time. I don't know. That's kind of my my thoughts and predictions on that. What do you think? you you agree with that? you think that's something that viably could happen? Yeah, I think that that could be that could be the tipping point because I think a lot of those a lot of those users who are um paying for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate too, they're also like high margin customers because they're paying for it via PC. Um, you know, which is a new new market, new revenue new revenue stream entirely. So and also, you know, there's better margins on PC because Microsoft doesn't have to, you know, sell them any hardware or whatever. So there's that whole aspect of it too, where it's all about the new markets and stuff like that. Um, yeah, 50 million sounds like a good number to me, but it's it's truly hard to say, you know. Well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> will will uh, will it even get to to 50 million? Is that too pie, pie you know? Pie in the sky type thinking, you know. Uh, well, this is why I think Discord could be such an important thing because if you buy Discord and then you push Game Pass through Discord, which is like primarily PC audience, right? Growing Game Pass on PC is one place where Microsoft sees the potential 
but probably isn't seeing the traction right now. There's a couple of reasons for that probably. A, Steam is so dominant and often Steam sales are so cheap that it doesn't even make a subscription even, you know, feel like a huge value proposition when Steam sales are often so good. Um, also, the vast amount of games that are on Steam. Um, the fact that, like, people buy Sea of Thieves on Steam outright, even though Game Pass is right there, and Forza t- top the charts on Steam too, even though Game Pass is right there, that says to me that people are so loyal to Steam and prefer the Steam deli- delivery system over Windows that there's still a huge amount of there's still a huge gap that Microsoft has to bridge when it comes to the PC users right now. I don't know if that's, like, the delivery system. I don't know if that's, like, improving the app. I don't know if that is, you know, making this, making sure there's some more big AAA third-party PC games hitting there day one. But that is, like, a market where they can get new users in and ultimately subsidize Xbox hardware and, you know, Xbox multiplayer through the subscriptions they get on PC and other new markets. So that's also why I made an an article recently arguing for, like, a cloud-only service. Because I think it's weird that you have to pay for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to get the cloud. Like, if you were only... If you were someone who only wanted the cloud, why would you want to pay for the PC version of Game Pass as well? Because, like, if you're someone who maybe can't afford a gaming PC, so you think, okay, I'm gonna just going to play on my cloud device, my tablet. Why, 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 what benefit does a Game Pass or PC bring those people? I don't get it. That's weird to me. Like, having a cheaper version of Game Pass that's cloud only for mobile, maybe it only includes the Xbox exclusives or whatever. Um, that makes sense to me as driving another new audience. But that's what it's about. It's about getting new audience in, and there are multiple ways that can do that. But I do think, you know, this whole this whole debranding of Xbox Live is to prepare for that future. They will have probably done projections. They'll probably examined, like, graphs and charts and all the math and just decided this is the point where Xbox Live Gold goes away. And that's why it's, like, debranding right now. Yeah. Uh, Showin says Xbox Live birth iOS App Store, Steam, PlayStation Network, etc., etc. Um, Michael says, uh, you would think that over time the roughly 100 million Xbox Live members would just jump to Ultimate, instantly increasing that subscriber count. Well, there's not 100 million Xbox Live members. There's, like, 100 million, uh, what, what's the number they gave, Jez? It was like a, like, Xbox Live is 100 million users but not they're not all paying and some of them are like counted from like the switch version of minecraft and stuff right where they're they're not even or even loading up like the the windows 10 app you know for for xbox i think that's counted as a monthly active users um i don't know how to measure that stuff i'm pretty sure that's how they measure that stuff um but i mean they did Mm -hmm. say in their last like there was 100 million so but I mean, I don't think there's 100 million paying members because even PlayStation only has about 40-something, 40 45 million paying PS Plus members. And, and you know, they had about, like, 120 million PS4s sold. So, 
you know, a lot. There's a lot of people who just get the systems and don't even really pay for the multiplayer stuff. Uh, Sappho says they can't switch the game pass because they, the vast majority of them can't remember passwords or completely forgot they have it. Um, and Dovakin says, I bet the next update on Game Pass Ultimate subs is 25 million. I would imagine, let's say Xbox buys Discord or Microsoft buys Discord and it's a primarily gaming related transaction. I could see them saying in the press release how many new subs they have on Game Pass. Because they did with Bethesda when they announced that they bought Bethesda it was like, what, 15 million when they bought Bethesda in September? And then you got the financial report, and it was like 18 million. So if this is like a big gaming acquisition, then I could easily say, oh, and you know, combined with you know Game Pass at you know 22 million subs, Discord makes you know this you know much better, et cetera, et cetera. Reasons why. Um, so if that does happen, I can I can see them giving an update on um, on what Game Pass is at if they bought uh, if they did buy Discord. So. Yeah. Um, well, uh, what what about this uh, idea of Xbox Showcase, Jez? There was uh, the event, which you leaked originally because you were like, I'm positive there's an event on the 26th, which people at Xbox said publicly to you, there's no event. How could you think of such a thing? <laughs> uh, which I, I think those people just didn't know. Um, but they held one yesterday. It was a, a Twitch Showcase. It seemed like it was run by Twitch and not, not necessarily idea at Xbox. And there's definitely yeah. varying opinions on it, right? So initially, I thought it was going to be an hour-long show, and it was just going to show they, they talked about 100 games. I was like, you know, there'll be they'll probably go and show a bunch of stuff, and then there'll be a montage. I can't see it being longer than an hour and a half. But it was like four hours long. And you have to wonder, <laughs> what were they thinking? Why was this four hours long? And look, I... I'm not. I'm not someone who's sitting here like. The, I I know devs never really get it, especially smaller. Like I appreciate Xbox for giving develop like indie developers a showcase to talk about their games uh, when you know, normally they don't. But my immediate feedback for anybody listening to this that I did Xbox or Xbox in general is like that show does not need to be four hours long. Uh, the interviews. <laughs> That were held should have been maybe no longer than five minutes if needed. And let's be honest here. The hosts, uh, they should probably know the names of the games when interviewing the developers and talking about the games they saw. They should really know what game they're about to talk about. Um, so there's definitely some issues. Like, I thought the content was good. It looks like there's uh, quite a few really good-looking indie titles that I want to play, like 12 Minutes. I'm really excited for, I'm really looking forward to the Ascent uh, when that comes out. Um, the the new game by Drinkbox, I think Nobody Saves the World looks pretty cool. Um, so there, there's a whole bunch of indie titles that I'm looking forward to, and it's just the way it was presented. It was like you say like the game content is like maybe an eighth or something, but like the way it was shown off was like, I don't know, a four. Like you can't you can't expect people to sit there for three and a half hours to watch this stuff. It should have been ninety minutes at the most. No, hour? I didn't. I did not sit there. <laughs> I'm just sorry. It's just like, I, and I and I think Twitch was involved with that. It's like, listen, people want to see the games, and I, I thought the way they used to do it 
where it was a YouTube video where they would show the game being played and have the developer talk over the game being played for a couple minutes was a way better way to showcase the games than this thing where they show some trailers and then they have a 20, like a 20 minute interview with the developer. Like it, it was just drawn out way, way, way too long. Um, mm. and that, that's, that's my criticism of it. And I know people were like, oh, they're indie games, it's boring. It's like literally, like they told you what it was. It was an ID at Xbox showcase. What type of games did you expect to be there? There was going to be no Halo. There was going to be no Starfield. Like me and Jazz have been, setting expectations for the show since it was announced. So if you were disappointed because you didn't see, you know, uh, Gotham Knights at the show or whatever, well, that's on you. It's just I didn't think this this the way they did it was the best way to showcase off these games. And you don't even, like, even when it what was going on, you don't even know which games are coming to Game Pass. Like, people are watching this, and there's no mention of Game Pass, no mention of which games are launching day one on Game Pass. You have to find that out later in an article by Windows Central and then an article at the Newswire pointing out the 20 games that were coming day one on Game Pass or even which titles are exclusive to Xbox because I think a vast majority of those titles have some exclusivity with Xbox where they're going to be launching on the platform and most likely PC and Game Pass and not coming to you know, the Switch or the or, or PlayStation right away. But that really wasn't conveyed well either. So there's a lot of things that they need why? to do. Go ahead. Why didn't Microsoft just do the event by themselves? I don't know. Really, Twitch doesn't have a clue what it's doing. I don't know. <laughs> what was Twitch thinking? I, I, thought, I thought it was going to be like an hour and hour long, hour and a half long at most. And I was in I was in like a meeting when it was going on, so I couldn't watch it. I was in like this mandatory meeting. And um my colleagues were like, Oh yeah, don't worry, we've got this covered, blah 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 blah. So like I had my meeting and then I went offline and then I come back online and I see four hours later they're still writing and I'm like, Oh, oh, oh like they they watched they sat and watched the whole thing in case there was, like, some kind of big announcement. But, man, that four hours sounds, like, grueling. Yeah, so, so um, there, there are some people saying that they did show which games were coming to Game Pass at the end. But my reaction, my counterpoint to that would be, yeah, at the end of a four-hour show in a hype reel. Like, it, expecting someone to sit through four hours to see what games are coming to Game Pass at the very end is not what I would consider very good. Like, when the, when you show the trailer, that trailer should have Game Pass, uh, you know, somewhere on it where you could see it and then you see Game Pass so you know, not having to sit through and watch the very end of the show when there's a, uh, you know, here's the trailer for Game Pass. You know what I mean? That That's my point. Like, I know they did it at the end, but I don't think most people were watching until the very end of it. It should have been like, here's the trailer for a game and then there should be some sort of Game Pass logo so you understand while watching it just by iconography that, okay, this game's in Game Pass. That that's my that would be like my, uh, you know, counterpoint to you guys. So I just, sorry, had, had to mention that. Oh, it's just, you know, I was just saying I didn't have anything more to add. You didn't have anything more to add? <laughs> I, 
I just think they should have done their own show, like the uh, the Nindy Direct or whatever, you know, the Nintendo Indie Direct. I don't know why they, they felt they had to do it through Twitch. I don't know what the hell... Twitch is just, I don't know, it's weird. Um, let me ask you guys a question. When you go to a, a showcase, uh, whether it's an E3, do you, do you really want to hear from streamers that you really don't know? Uh, or, like, influencers, like, because I don't. I don't want to see those people interview. Like, I, I would like to hear from developers, but it seemed like the focus was almost all too much on like the hosts and them talking over one another or talking over the developers or them not really being informed enough to know even the names of the game. Like, like you know what I mean? I, like, I want to see the game, and then I want to hear the dev talk about the game briefly. I don't want to see some Twitch partner. Uh, you know, talk about this stuff. Like, maybe I'm old school, like, I'm not really into the Twitch stuff, but I, I don't know. Like, when I tune into to, to an E3 thing, I want to see trailers. I don't want to see, you know, uh, PewDiePie and Ninja or anybody talking about it. I don't know. Was it loads of different Twitch partners? Or just a few? Uh, there was just, there was a couple. There was, like, the two hosts who did most of the show. And then um, there's some other ho- uh, Twitch partners that would interview the, the developers of it. I think a lot of these, like, gaming influencers, like, when they try and actually, like, do something outside of their typical wheelhouse, it just it just comes off as so cringy oftentimes. I mean, that that's not like me casting shade, because it, I'd, I'd be cringy too if I had to, like... I'm pretty cringe on my own podcast let alone, like, trying to host some of the show. I think Nintendo just does it better. Just look at what Nintendo does and then copy it. Just copy what Nintendo does. They do it right. They explain things to the point and then over the top of some game footage. That's all you need to do. Let the developers speak. Don't need no influencers. Don't need no host. Just give me what the devs say and some very to-the-point narration every now and then with some game footage. All I need. It's all I've got time for. Time is money, friend, as as a World of Warcraft goblin would say. <laughs> but um, and I know around that, like, People just wanted the information, and I know that, because our article, written by my colleague Zachary Body, here are all the announcements from the Ida Equifox Showcase, that did, like, really crazy traffic, because people didn't sit through the whole thing. They just, luckily, went and read our article about it, which is great. If this show was condensed to an hour and a half, I think people would be singing a different tune right now. It's almost funny. Somebody called me a PlayStation fan. I sound like a pony. Uh, I don't know how. Like I'm, I'm giving some constructive advice here about how to make it better. It's just that I, to expect people to sit through a four-hour show is, is not going to fly in this day and age. Even if it was like a Microsoft show with all their first-party titles, four hours is even still – like I would get bored after a while. And I'm interested in, like, everything the Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda is doing. It's just way too long. Like, I don't, people don't have time for that, like Jess says. Like, it's just like, where are the trailers? What games are exclusive? What games are in Game Pass? That's all people really want to know. They want to see the trailer. They want to hear from the developer for a couple minutes explaining their game. And then they want to move on. 
Like an hour and a half is the max the show should have been. But that's just that's just my take on it. And I think Jez feels influences are like just just cringe, man. Uh, just cringe. Stop <laughs> that. Professor okay. K says, love the show. So Microsoft buying Discord for Xbox or another division of Microsoft? Uh, Jez, you would say that this is Microsoft buying it mostly for gaming acquisition, so for Xbox, but then there would be benefits for other avenues within X- within Microsoft, like Azure and stuff like that, right? Teams? Yeah, like, I, I wrote an article about it, and I was like, Microsoft can replace Microsoft Teams with Discord and and, and stuff like that. But the more I thought about it and the more, like, you know, people, you know, Daniel Rubino, you know, gave me some more information about the way Skype and Microsoft Teams are, it made it made increasingly more sense to me to keep Discord purely gaming because that's what, that's what Discord's strength is. It's that it's a, it's a gaming network by gamers for gamers and it doesn't need to... Debra- if, if you made it like Discord for business and replaced Microsoft Teams or whatever, you're kind of diluting what makes Discord special. I think Skype can exist as its own thing. Microsoft Teams can exist as its own thing. And Discord can just be what it is now and keep innovating and delivering new features and being great at what it does now. So um, I retract my editorial from like a week ago. <laughs> I've changed my opinion already. But yeah, I don't think um I think this is mostly a gaming acquisition. Mm. And but there will be benefits for like Azure and thing they can package it and stuff like that. But I do think it's gonna be gaming. They're gonna keep it focused on gaming. And ultimately I think that's why Discord won't go public is because if Discord went public they have to diversify and dilute what makes them great and dilute what made them popular. They'd have to do the Discord for business. They'd have to do, you know, Discord for families and, and try and be less gamerish to appeal to a broader audience, you know. Um, I think that's why Discord wants to be bought by a, com- a, tech, a gaming tech company and why I think, like, Disc- um, Microsoft's probably the only one that makes any sense, frankly. But at the end of the day, if the the founders want a you know bigger paycheck, and Amazon comes along and offers twenty billion or something, just pull a figure out of the air, um, they might go with them instead. You know, it's it's complicated. These things are always complicated. But yeah, you know, hopefully it just works out and it's great for everyone, fans and whatever Discord alike. Uh, Michael says, "Here's the bright side. Even though that show is poorly planned." Way too long and cringy. This hopefully means the Xbox E3 conference will focus on the big guns since they don't have to spend time on the indie titles. Um, I'm sure they'll probably still have some high-profile indies at their at their show. I don't think they'll just go drop them completely. Um, Michael, yeah, says, I really like the, the the Xbox segment in the Microsoft E3s, like the the rapid-fire showcase of all the different creative games. Indies are driving innovation in this industry. Like everyone, everyone says, oh, it's just an indie, just an indie. I really hate that sentiment, man. Like all the, all the massive games that are changing the way AAA devs are approaching gaming have all been indie games. PUBG was an indie game. Among Us was an indie game, is an indie game. Fall Guys was an indie game. 
Rocket League was an indie game. You know, all these games were, you know, driving a crazy amount of innovation because they have the balls to take the risks that the AAA studios often just don't. The publishers don't take these kind of risks because they've got shareholders to answer to. But indies don't have shareholders to answer to. They're independent. All they have to answer to is their own creativity and their fans and wanting to deliver something cool. So I really don't like that sentiment about, you know, shoving indies to the side. Because indies are driving innovation in this business a way that AAA just frankly ain't. Yeah. So. Uh, Mike also says, definitely didn't like the random Twitch nobody's dominating the show. Came off as self-absorbed. And the Ravenflow says, could it be that Microsoft used Twitch because streamers save Sea of Thieves? Nintendo is better at the traditional route. Microsoft needs outlets. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Twitch savings Sea of Thieves. Um I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know why they decided to partner with Twitch. Maybe they, they felt it was appropriate. It just was way too long. Um, you know. I don't think Twitch saved thieves. Well, a lot of people. People aren't Twitch saving for saving Sea of Thieves. You know. Well, it's it's like they made a game that was very watchable. You know. It's very true. It's very it's true. Just, they did. I mean, if it wasn't a good game, it wouldn't be watchable. You know. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, so I want to talk about uh, my experience with the wireless headset. You talked a little bit about it last week, Jez, right? The wireless headset. I finally got mine. And I was a little bit worried about it because I have, like, a big head. And so, like, <laughs> the, the headset is stretched to the max, and the ear cups barely fit over my ears. So it's not it is, it's not comfortable. Yeah, it is not comfortable on my head. Um, it's a small. It's a, It's not very generous. Like, like I don't have a particularly huge head. That's probably average, I guess. But when I when I put it on, I was I immediately thought, man, I can feel the headband bending slightly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So for me, immediately, my my first thing was like oh okay the headset is not comfortable to the point where like it's i felt a lot of pressure on my head and especially around my ears because the cup could barely fit over it um the audio it was fine like i i used Dolby atmos of the detailed settings so the, like the audio sounded perfectly fine to me obviously not as good as my a50s so i mean i wasn't expecting that my a50s are 350 bucks I will say I really like the dials on the ear cups. And when I went back to my A50s, it, it's definitely seemed unintuitive. Like, I really like the, the, how quick you could, you know, tune the game versus the chat, how quickly you could lower the volume uh, and, and, like, raise the volume on the sides. Uh, I it, it makes the A50s... And even other headsets just look, I don't know, uh, archaic in that manner. Because with the A50s, you press the, the button on the side, and it's like, I don't know, it's like, oh, a couple button presses here, but it's just it's just better just to dial it. So I really like that aspect of it. I like how they look. Uh, the mic, it's funny, because as soon as I joined the party, everybody was like, you're on a different mic? Like, what's going on? So the mic, uh, maybe not as good. Uh, as you know, you would you would want it to be, but I always bought it with the intention of more using it on my PC because I don't have a PC headset than using it on my on my Xbox and my PlayStation. 
but for a hundred bucks, it's pretty, pretty, pretty solid headset. You know, if it was more than that, if it was two hundred, I'd say, I'd say it's overpriced. Uh, but for a hundred bucks, it's, it's pretty good. It's just, if you have a big head, you know, like, if you, like, it's just, it wasn't comfortable for me. To the point where, like, if I if I didn't have another another set of uh, headphones, I would probably have to go buy some because I couldn't imagine sitting there and playing a game with those headsets on for an extended time just because of how much uh, how uncomfortable it was for me at least. Uh, other people may differ. I, I don't know. Was it what you was you said it was comfortable for you at least? Does it was comfortable for me? Like I was still like. I was concerned about, I was just concerned about the head strap bending because I am painfully aware of the fact that the Surface headphones and, you know, it's, 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 it's mean to compare them because, um, you know, they're made by different teams, but because it's all Microsoft, I just can't help but think of this. But the Surface headphones have a glaring flaw where the steel reinforcements across the top have a gap in them right at the crown of the of the of the uh the headband and after a while they just all seem to snap now i couldn't see what the reinforcements were like without ripping the headset apart and i didn't want to do that but like if you feel underneath the cushion it does feel like there is a continuous steel sort of band that runs all the way across and there is no gap so I'm hoping that they won't snap. But I agree with you completely about the dials. This is something that all the headset manufacturers, even on the high end, always fail. These dials, and I don't know why, but you know um, the Lucid Sound, the Lucid Sound headsets have dials on the side, similarly to the Xbox Wireless headset. But the action on them is piss poor. Like, and then and the gradation is piss poor. It's like when you turn it. It jumps like 10 audio levels. Whereas like on the Xbox wireless headset, it's like, it's, you know, you can feel it. One, two, three, four. Like the gradation is so much better. The action feels premium. And when you like trying to dial on like a Turtle Beach headset or whatever, you can't even feel where the midway point is. I felt like there was a little, there's a little magnet or something inside the dials too. When you dial it and it reaches the midpoint on the chat mix. You can physically feel where the midpoint is. You don't have to listen for it. It's very, very clever, very intuitive design, very ergonomic, and I like that a lot. I just don't like the audio quality, <laughs> which is a problem with a headset. But for $100, it's competitive. It's competitive with similar headsets like Steel Series 1 and the Turtle Beach Style 600 Gen 2 and the, the Astro A20s as well. It's It's more than competitive with those. Like, you just don't expect the world for $100. But a lot of people have been, like, tweaking the EQ presets and stuff like that to improve the sound and stuff. Um, and there are some options you can tweak in Dolby Atmos if you want to make a more immersive sound profile and stuff. But, you know, it's it's hard when, like, you're used to better-sounding headphones. Yeah. To sort of downgrade. It's like going from 120 FPS to 60 FPS. But there's there's another thing I got to talk about Dolby Atmos in just a second. It's going to be funny. But uh, Mike says, wasn't throwing shade at indie games, Jess. Some of my favorite games are indie, just pointing out a potential opportunity for them to focus on the bigger titles. Now, it's funny. Yeah, that, that's cool. I, I replied to him in chat, but it's like, 
it's a it's a sentiment that I often hear, even from like game journalists. Like there are some really big outlets that didn't even cover the Ida Xbox event, which just it's just just sad, really. You know, um, sometimes it can be hard to justify covering a uh, you know indie game from a financial standpoint because you know like people aren't going to click on it and you know stuff like that because no one's no one's heard of it as much. Like, even with AAA games that nobody's really heard of, like new IPs and stuff, it's hard to get the eyeballs on it. Like, if you're talking about a sequel that everyone knows, like Elder Scrolls or something, or Diablo 4, and everyone's going to click on it. But if it's a game nobody's heard of, then it's harder to get get traction on it. But I feel like indies deserve more credit from everyone because, like I said, they are driving that innovation. Yeah. And I think they deserve a, they deserve a place along the big boys. And any any showcase. Yeah, Gaming Forte says eleven hundred <clears throat> watching versus only four hundred and forty one likes. People, what are we doing? That's right, we had over twelve hundred people here and uh yeah, we only had like four hundred likes. Let's get that let's get that like button up, you know, over five hundred. Let's get it approaching six hundred before the end of the show. It's free. All you gotta do is just click the button and it uh actually really does help. I know people say that, but trust me, the likes, the social engagement, uh that is all a factor. Uh, into YouTube's whole thing. So if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you hit the like button. Thank you, Forte, uh, for uh, for the super chat, brother. Um, one other thing I will say about the indie showcase thing before I want to talk about this Dolby Atmos <laughs> was, uh, and I know that, I know it's because of the time we're living in, but the lack of release dates was just disappointing. Like I was hoping we would see, hey, the Ascent launching you know, May something, or 12 minutes coming April. The only real release date we got was for Second Extinction, Extinction, which comes out next month, and I think a game launched yesterday. But for the most part, everything was like, yeah, it's coming 2021 or 2022. Or, like, even the 12 minutes guy was like, it's coming very, very soon and definitely this year. Well, it's like, coming very, very Did soon, and definitely this year, are two totally different things, because there's still nine months left to go in this year. You know what I mean? So it's like... I, do, you know, do you know what he should do? What? He should, like, he should announce it 12 minutes before mm, it launches. That'd be funny. <laughs> that'd be funny. I, just, I understand COVID, nobody wants to stick to release date, because they don't know if they can hit it. But man, like, it's just all these games, it's like, we have no clue. Some of them just have dates, and you know, sitting there, like, man, is this game really gonna come out this year? I just, I just, I just really wanna know when I can play The Ascent, and when I can play, you know, some of these other games. And 12 Minutes is the one I'm really looking forward to, but, uh, yeah, it's just a little disappointing that we didn't, we didn't have any release dates. But, Jazz, did you see, um, the Adobe Atmos, uh, how do I even how do I even phrase this? Uh, the Dolby Atmos becoming a thing in the console war. Oh yeah, yeah. Like how? Oh yeah. Like Bye. that's not just kind of like <laughs> like what are we doing here? Like okay, for those of you that don't know, Dolby Atmos charges uh, a one-time license to use, right? So on Xbox. Uh, it's like I think it's like fifteen dollars, and you get an, uh, a lifetime license for it. So I bought it on my One X, and I have it on my Series X. I have Dolby Atmos, which is amazing. I like it way better. But some people turned it into this console war thing about how 
Microsoft is making you pay for Dolby Atmos. There is even this, this undercurrent of people saying that because the wireless headset that Xbox just put out, because it had, uh, that, it had a trial for Dolby Atmos for six months, that the, that the headset would literally stop working, uh, after the six months was up. Suddenly, even though Dolby Atmos has been on the platform since 2017 and had a license <laughs> for it for 15 bucks, even though most yeah. headsets that you buy will come with the license itself and you don't have to pay for it, four years later this became a topic in the console war, and I just don't understand why. Are people just that bored? Are people just that dumb? Jet? Like, what's going on? I don't know. People will use anything for console war stuff. It's just crazy, you know. You don't even need to pay for it. And even if you don't pay for it, there's like a free version. And like you say, a lot of headsets have it. Like the Corsair HS75XB headset has Dolby Atmos baked in, licensed, blah, 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 blah. I think um, it's just a non-issue. It's Dude, just such a non-issue. You, get the st- you can use regular stereo and compressed. Right, like the Windows Sonic is free, and then if you don't want to use Windows Sonic, you can pay for Dolby Atmos, or you can pay for DTX, DTS, or whatever. It's like, how is this suddenly a bad thing? Like, uh, there's free options on on the system, and like you said, you buy a headset, you get the license, and most of the headsets for free. It's like, what is going on here? How is this so? But I don't know. I think it's just a, a thing. Like, there's not a lot of you know, a lot, a lot of things for, you know, uh, you know, and then the whole, like, Game Pass, like, don't don't subscribe to Game Pass, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, uh, is this what we've really come come down to? I guess it's better than Xbox has no games, because that was always a thing. <laughs> but I guess that's better than, you know, it, they're running out of excuses. They're running out of complaints. Eventually, it, I mean, right now, it's just Xbox, stop buying things. Share your games with us, essentially, is, is what I see. And now Dolby Atmos became uh, a thing. And it's just, I don't know, it's just funny because I wanted to mention it because I I can't, number one, I couldn't believe it. Um, and then yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, Jazz, I had a good laugh, but uh, PlayStation is offering a $1 for one month for PlayStation Now. Mm, that seems, uh, who did that before? Yeah, yeah. I, could, I remember people saying, oh, my God, one dollar for Game Pass, how will developers be able to feed their children? And oh my god, these games are so devalued on Game Pass. So now, how are developers going to share that one dollar for PS Now? How are, like, really, you man, can sit here I and do tweeted, this all day. Like, I, I tweeted the other day, man. I tweeted something like, man, PlayStation, you know, fanboys and whatever. You better keep that same energy when X when if if PlayStation starts emulating Xbox if, Game Pass I think you know, I, more aggressively. It's, it's it's a when, Jazz. It's not an if. Yeah, well I I have to put an if. But, of course. Man, I upset a lot of people. I got some really nasty DMs about that. Like from people who are like Game Pass and subscriptions are ruining the industry or whatever. Like man, Sony are literally doing the same thing with PlayStation now. They're not putting games in their day and day yet, but like you say, you know, I maybe fully, they will eventually. I fully expect them to completely copy Game Pass one to one. I've said that for years. The only difference between the only difference between PlayStation and Xbox in the future will be their first party 
and the fact that Sony won't release their games day day one on PC. Like, that'll be the only difference. I, I fully expect at some point Sony's going to put all their games day one into whatever Game Pass competitor they're planning, whether it's a PS Plus upgrade or they're going to try to, you know, combine PS Now into PS Plus or whatever. Like, they'll eventually do that just like Xbox. They'll have the $1 promotion just like Xbox. It's going to happen. And the only difference is going to be Sony won't will wait to put their games on PC. Otherwise, it's going to be the exact same. Which is great for me because I'll subscribe to PlayStation Plus to get all of Sony's games. Uh, you know, so I won't have to buy them anymore. It'll be amazing for me. It'll save me money. So, I I would have really appreciated if Sony did do that. Um I will play them on my Android tablet. Mm. Android tablet. Uh, Charles Cutter says, absolutely love your content. You absolutely love your content. You, sir, are awesome. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Charles, that, uh, for that support and the message. I really appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on. But I think that's, uh, where, where are we going to end the show? Uh, we'll take a couple questions before we get out of here. So if you enjoyed the show, make sure you hit the like button. Hit that subscribe button if it's your first time here, if you haven't already. And hit that notification bell if you always want to be notified whenever the Xbox 2 podcast or any of my videos go live. So, Jez, what are your plans for the rest of the week, man? What is it for the weekend? I've got, uh, well, finishing my review of Evil Genius 2 tomorrow. Um, really cool game. Then, I don't know. I've got a bunch of articles to write next week. And then the week after, I'm on vacation for a week. And I'm going to learn game dev. going to mm. learn more game dev. Because I do have a game idea around. Oh, you do? I have a plan for a game. Yes, I do. Mm. I have a plan for a game I'm going to make. It's going to be awesome, simple, you know, for the first project. While I'm learning how to make games, hopefully in like five, ten years, I actually have a game that's actually worthy of Xbox. That'd be cool. That'd be super cool. Then that would be cool. Will you, will you play my game? I'll play your game, yeah. I play your game totally. Um, right. Michael says, "Stupid, stupid for Sony not to have a first party day one. They have a great library. They also need to get moving on back and pat." Uh, so we have a question from XD. After Sega said that Yakuza games on Xbox were a success and Persona Four success in Steam, and they said they want to port more games, why SMT Three Remaster is on everything but isn't on Xbox? Jez, do you have any? I don't even know what SMT Three is to be honest with you. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne Remastered was just announced. It's, um, it's, it comes down to Atlas's, like, feelings about Xbox, really. It's on Xbox to prove that it's worthwhile than doing the port. Um, we ultimately don't know for sure what the whole beef there is, but, you know, the obvious, the obvious thing to bring up always is Xbox's presence in Japan. Is minuscule to non-existent. Like, if you go to Xbox Japan's YouTube channel, the videos have, like, 100 hits, 200 hits. It's 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 a shame, you know. But this is why Game Pass is so important. Like, the Game Pass is the one thing that could maybe help Xbox grow in regions where it historically hasn't been popular. And, um, you know, if Microsoft has to splash the cash a bit to get some of those deals in place for Game Pass, then, you know, so be it. But eventually there'll come a point where there's so many people in Game Pass that 
hopefully developers are coming to Microsoft to put their games in there, you know, and be part of the library. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Michael says, especially with the heritage they have, would be sad if all those legacy titles from prior generations disappeared. I agree with that. Um, Riley Veach says, at what point does Apple get involved with cloud gaming? This is interesting. Like, Apple does have a cloud platform, but I don't know if it's got the same sort of throughput as what you'd need. Um... It's hard to say because I don't really... I'm not super familiar with Apple's cloud platform and stuff like that. And um, Apple's sort of like Google in the sense that they have games on their stores, but they don't understand gaming. Kind of weird, in a way, to think that iOS and Google Play are actually the biggest gaming platforms on Earth. Yet their parent companies seem so utterly oblivious to what actually gaming is and gaming culture. So it's 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 interesting to think about. I've heard for years that Apple was going to make a video game console, like a, a console to take on Xbox and PlayStation. And Apple was stealing devs from Sony and Microsoft to make their own video game console. That's something I've heard for ages. But uh, it's never materialized. And why is it never materialized? I have no idea. Like, do they, they're just, like, not throwing enough of their weight behind it and stuff like that. It's, it's weird. There probably just isn't that much of a big push from within Apple from a cultural standpoint, standpoint to take gaming too seriously. But um, beyond what they do with iOS, because, and frankly, they're raking it in with iOS, so they don't even need to, really. Yeah. Uh, One Bad Mother says, Jez, is your first game going to be in the fishing or Pokemon genre? Great show, friends. It's actually going to be a shmup. A shmup. Interesting. Yeah. Because, A, it feels like the sort of, a sort of entry-level kind of genre project, like, to make a sprawling AAA 3D RPG is probably not going to be in my skill set. So I think like a shmup or a simple platformer or something would be a little bit easier to start with. So yeah, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a shmup, but I've got a cool twist on the genre that I got planned, and um, you know I'll be tweeting about. Would would Microsoft still ship Yakuza and let's assume they buy. Sega, would they still ship Yakuza on PlayStation because their footprint's so small in Japan? I don't know. It's an interesting question. I'd be more like, what happened to Persona? Because we know Atlas's feelings towards Microsoft. Uh, that would essentially kill uh, that franchise in Japan, at least, right? Because nobody owns Xboxes. Uh, yeah, it's like I think like Xbox is so far behind. Making those franchises exclusive wouldn't even. You know, you know what they could do. Because I think I think PlayStation's done this before, is you release Persona, like say there's a Persona Six, say say hypothetically Xbox by Sega, and there's a new Persona coming, it's Persona Six, and that game releases in Japan on PlayStation and Xbox, but then only releases in the West in on the West. Xbox. Yeah, see, I can see them doing something like that for for if they bought Sega. Um. 
keeping the games multi-platform in Japan, but then making them Xbox exclusive in the West. Yeah. Because there, there are a lot of games that launch in Japan, but not in the West, even on Xbox. Sometimes. But I could see them. I could see them doing that with Yakuza. Like, okay, it's multi-platform in Yakuza, but obviously in Game Pass, day one. But then the Western release is just Xbox only. Uh, well, and yeah. PC and, and Game Pass. And who knows, maybe Game Pass is on PlayStation by that point. Probably, most likely not, but you never know. Uh, Thanero says, what's with uh, Chemco RPGs? They make a new RPG like every 10 days. Just take a shot for me. Cheers. <laughs> Where's Chemco? Uh, I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, Toy Kekmo. I, I, I don't really pay... I, I'm not really a big fan of that publisher, so I don't really pay that much attention to them. No, it's not Koei Tecmo. Kemco? Oh, Kemco. Is that something completely different? I, I don't I don't know yeah. then. Um, Let me have a quick... So, while you're say, looking that up, Crow says, Hey, Rand, have you heard about the Xbox Series X version of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 unplayable? The game freezes 30 seconds after launching and then crashes about a, mi- a minute later every time. I haven't heard that, but it is convoluted about the free upgrade, isn't it? Like, you have had to have owned Tony's Tony Hawk Pro Skater, like, 1 and 2 digitally, but it's not smart delivery, and you have to pay, like, the $10 upgrade free or something? I'm a little bit confused yeah. on how that works. Do you, do you know it anymore? The same, it was the same for a call of, the recent Call of Duty. Like, you have to pay to get the 10, 10, $10 upgrade or whatever. This is... It kind of just feels like this is Activision protesting Xbox's system. They don't like it. So what they're doing is they're, they're creating a problem for Xbox by having this convoluted bullshit attached to all of their games. Because they know that people will blame Xbox and not Activision. Because Activision can get away with literally anything. Like, I think Bobby Kotick could, like, like Dude, you know... Bobby Kotick mm-hmm. and his $200 million bonus. You know, when you think uh, about it, since Activision is charging seventy dollars for all their games, like the extra revenue they got for those ten bucks literally just went into his pocket. Mm, yep. Man, Activision is just such a scum company at the executive level. It makes me cringe so bad. Like they they fire Blizzard Blizzard employees, and then the same week, what's his face, Kotick gets a massive multi-million dollar bonus. It's a joke, man. The whole sort of system is rigged. Um, but whatever. That's a complete yeah. discussion. The Hellboy wants to know if you're a ladies' man, Jez. Uh, probably not how I describe myself. But <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't describe myself that yeah. way either. Uh, Dova Gindi says, I know Jez, lo- Jez loves Prey, but what do you recommend Dishonored? I um I haven't played Dishonored too. Yeah. It's my my secret shame. Yeah, I re- I shame. recommend Dishonored. I I love Prey and I I love Pers- Dishonored even more. Dishonored one and two. Are I love I love Dishonored one. Um, I loved Prey. I love Prey more. I think I just like Prey setting is a bit more you know my sort of deal. Um, but I love Dishonored one. I really wanted to play Dishonored two. I don't know why I didn't. I think I just had something else to play or I was too busy or something, and then it just slipped off my radar. And... Uh, GG. Aquaman says, will there be an Elite Series 3 controller for a Series X Nest? I think so. I think there's a good chance there'll be a Elite controller with the new share button and whatever new features uh, they'll implement. 
it won't it won't be right away clearly because there's obviously going to be some gaps but i totally expect there to be another elite controller however are people really going to be interested because the elite series controllers seem to always have some sort of build defect on them yeah yeah like my my elite controller like He's going on two years now, my Elite Series 2, and it's done pretty well. The only thing that annoyed me was that the, the grips on the trigger locks fell off. They're like, they're stuck on by nothing. They're stuck on by a wing and a prayer and faith, and they just they just fall off. It's super, super dumb. I don't know why they're not just plastic. Like, why, why did they cap, cap these little spikes with rubber that isn't held on by anything? I don't... That's, mind-blowing to me <laughs> but um i don't know like microsoft tries to do these premium ho- premium hardware and there's always these weird defects and i don't know why like even like i, I stopped buying surface laptops and tablets because every time i do there's some kind of issue you know and i just got fed up of paying that much money for a surface device and then have it not be perfect if if you're if you're selling devices that cost thousands of dollars and they aren't perfect, you got a problem, right? But um, you know, the Elite Control is not thousands of dollars, but it is pretty damn expensive. And uh, I don't know. It ultimately depends on how well they sold, how well they continue to sell, whether they do another one. Personally, I hope they do do another one, just because you know I think they're a cool cool sort of thing. I want them to do Rand an Elite. Series headset, personally. Mm. So like, um, uh, I want, I, yeah, with you know beefier speakers and better microphone, you know, superior construction and build quality and all that sort of stuff. I want to see like a premium headset from Microsoft. That's what I want to see more than a, a new Elite controller, personally, right now. Well, that'd be, that'd be, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, Michael says, here's a studio no one's thought about. Apocalypse Games, headed by Dennis Dyer, creator of Eternal Darkness and Two Human. An acquisition would guarantee a sequel. Thoughts? Um, uh, I, I don't uh, think there'll be a Two Human sequel. Uh, like, I, I, I know somebody, I know somebody who worked for Apocalypse Games, making their, uh, the, their title that they're working on, which I totally forget what it is. That is an entirely huge waste of money, my guy. <laughs> it is, no. no. Whatever game they're working on is never going to come out. Uh, no. That is just, oh, no. <laughs> I can't, Did you buy a ton of darkness, though? But I can't believe we actually got a super chat about them because, like I said, one of my buddies worked for Oh, that's oh, really? funny. That's funny. Yeah, Georgie says instead, Sega, why not Miss Walker level five games? Um, I don't really know uh, too much about Miss Walker. I think Sega just fits Miss more Walker, of the, like... the buttons that Xbox needs: PC games, Japan presence, uh, you know, Sonic. nostalgic IPs, stuff like that. Right. So, see, Miss Walker hasn't like shipped a huge amount of games, and. Well, I mean, they've shipped games, but, like, none of them have really stuck, kind of like, um, you know, Lost Odyssey. People always think about Lost Odyssey and stuff, but that came out in, like, the early 2000s, or was it the mid-2000s? I don't know. Came out before 2010, anyway. Um, But, you know, 
I don't think, I think like Sega is just so much broader in capability and opportunity for Xbox. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. We got a couple more questions. Um, let's see. Uh, let me scroll up. Um, yeah, so there are more people talking about Tony Hawk Pro Stater 1 and 2 being unplayable in the Series X right now. Unless you play the game offline, which then freezes, crashes, stop. You guys heard about this. Uh, we haven't. Have you, you, weren't you looking that up, Jess, or no? I, I personally uh, haven't. Looking up? The Tony Hawk being unplayable on Series, the Series X, the new, I, I haven't heard anything about it. Um, I haven't heard anything either. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I do know that there's like, there's some kind of weird issues where if you bought, the upgrade, and then had the wrong version installed, some kind of things would be broken and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like you had to delete the other older version or something. Uh, Faisal says, Jez, thanks for the email reply, and where are the creators of the game inside, and are they doing any new game? Uh, yeah, so Inside is being ma- was made by Playdead, and Playdead's next game is being published by Epic. Um, we've seen screenshots yeah. of it, but we haven't, um, we don't know what the game is yet. Yeah, you didn't know that, Jez, that their game's being published by Epic? Um, I'd forgotten it until you mentioned it just now. Yeah. Uh, it looks, it looks spacey. Yeah. Or something. I, I heard it's not like a linear game like Inside or Limbo, that it's more open world-ish. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes if that's actually, uh, true. Uh, Game Pass Perry says, do you it looks think- like you drive, um, sorry. It looks like you drive like a, a rover or something across a, from judging by this single screenshot, it's like a rover on some sort of alien landscape by the looks of it, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, Game Pass mm-hmm. says, do you think Game Pass price will rise soon? Games are more expensive to make than, than movies, and we have Netflix that is more expensive than Game Pass. I don't think it'll, if you're worried about the Game Pass price rising soon, I, I don't think it'll, no, it won't, r- r- I guess it depends on your definition of soon. This year, no. Next year, probably not. 2023, maybe depending on how many subs they have, but I think there's, I think there's five percent chance they raise their price this year. Five percent, which is very low. Um, I think I think they want to get to 40 million before they start raising the price. They're just because they're in user acquisition mode right now, and it would be counterintuitive to raise the price at this point. Um, yeah. Let's see here. I get I get an email from my phone provider every year telling me my phone my phone thingy's going off. Every goddamn year. Every year, yeah. One bad mother says, "Do we see gaming accessories being packaged with Android phones in the near future?" Still a bit unintuitive to cloud game. Yeah, so what do you think about that, Jazz? It, it it really is unintuitive to cloud game because you need the phone, you need you know uh, an accessory for it to turn it into a gaming thing. Do you think they'll they'll package it with Android, or is this maybe one of the reasons why Phil had a Nintendo Switch on himself because he's working on getting I Game think. Pass and XCloud on Switch, which would be your portable Xbox player? I think, yeah, I think um, I think Android cloud gaming is totally unintuitive for the most part. I mean, it's it's so weird though because PUBG Mobile is absolutely massive, and Fortnite Mobile is absolutely massive. And these are games that 
there's shooting games, FPS games or third-person shooters that you play with your thumbs on the screen, which cover up half the screen so you can't see anything or what you're shooting. And you can't aim properly because it's thumbs on a capacitive display. It it blows my mind that anyone can play games like that, you know. But you see these little kids doing it, and they're, like, super pro at it. Like, even, like, um, Minecraft Pocket Edition, I can't bear to play it because it just feels so bad compared to a controller. So I think, like, for xCloud, there has to be some kind of ergonomic play because it just doesn't feel good the way that right now we have to carry a controller, clip it on, the controller has to be charged up, blah, 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 blah. And even like the Razer Kishi, it's like the Razer Kishi where you dock your phone in, it only fits certain phones. And, you know, if you don't have the specific phone, then GG, you can't use it. You know, like uh, I tried to put a Razer phone into the Razer Kishi, but the Razer Kishi doesn't come with the right inserts for the Razer phone. It only comes for the inserts for Samsung's phones. So I can't use it unless I, like, make my own inserts. There's, like, there's so many weird little ergonomic issues with Xbox handheld gaming right now. And for my mind, Rand, for my money, the only thing that can solve it is a dedicated Xbox handheld. I think they, I don't think they can get away from making one eventually, personally. I want to believe that, that there'll be an Xbox handheld someday. Mm. You love Whether that. it's Switch. I love that, I do, I do. Do you remember, do you remember when, there, when there was rumors that you thought Lockhart or, or something, what, what was it, was, was actually a handheld or, remember that? Yeah, there was those, there was those like, it's because we, we found a code string in the operating system that appeared to scale the UI differently for for the Xbox Series S. So, like, from that, we extrapolated, like, why would it need to scale the UI differently unless the Xbox Series S had its own display, you know? So, like, we, we made, like, a leap from, like, like, 3 to 500 and just, just said, well, what if it's handheld, you know? Um... But alas, it wasn't. But I do think, I do think Microsoft has all the tech, all the engineering in-house to make their own bloody gaming tablet thing. Just do it. Microsoft, just do it. Make a gaming handheld. Put Windows 10X on it or something or, you don't even need to put Windows on it. Just put like Windows embedded on it with like, just the Game Pass app and the, you know, the input stack and stuff like that, and just do it. And uh, before we get into big topics like our thoughts on the Series X and all that stuff, we're gonna be talking about games because I played a whole bunch over the this kind of review period for the Xbox Series X. So this will be kind of an Xbox Series X discussion because my Xbox One X is packed up. It's not even hooked up to the TV anymore. It's just my Series X and my PS4 Pro and my Switch, which I will be getting rid of the PS4 Pro really soon. I'm going to be taking to my Pro, I'm going to be taking the One X, I'm going to be taking to my One S, and I'm going to go over to GameStop. And I asked the one and only Gaming Forte, who works at GameStop, and be like, how much can I get for these? And they got that special, where if you trade in a Pro or a One X, and you put them towards um, 
a pre-order of next-gen console, you get $200 for each. Dang. So, which is pretty good. So, but unfortunately, I'm not putting uh, in in pre-order of a next-gen console. So, I think it loses like $25. So, for those three systems, I should be able to get about $475 of store credit. Uh, and I'll just use, I'll just be like, give me, uh, Xbox money for that. And I'll just, cause that's where I buy all my games. So I'll just take the $500 of store credit or of Xbox money. And that's what, you know, I'll just use that to buy all the games that I want for the next, you know, I'll probably blow that money in five months on games coming out on the Xbox, but that's my plan at least. So I've uh, donated mine, my Xbox one X. Oh really? Where'd you donate it to? Uh, well, my cousin. Oh, okay, yeah. your cousin. Yeah. The, the Xbox One. She was on a 2013 Xbox One, so. Yee. Yee. Yeah. <laughs> These on the VCR, huh? She was on the VCR. And she's getting a big upgrade, I guess. That is um, a very big upgrade. I still need to buy another Series X for Germany when I go back. And I, Microsoft has just posted... My other Series X, which I bought for my brother, so that came through in the end. That's good. Sweet. Um, I'll be a house of two X's. So you, while we were setting up the podcast and talking about topics, you were playing Watch Dogs Legion and talking about ray tracing because yeah. ray tracing is in the, uh, it's apparently in both versions. It's even in the Xbox Series S version, that $300 machine. So what do you think of ray tracing on the uh, on Watch Dogs on the Series X? Well, I'm confused because, you know, I've been watching some videos of other people's ray tracing, and it looks better than what I'm seeing. So I don't even know if I'm on the right build, because there was some weirdness where Ubisoft pushed out a build that was like three weeks old yesterday, and then they fixed it a few hours later. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, I'm not very impressed with what I'm seeing so far. It's super grainy. Uh, objects have shimmering on them, like Quantum Quantum Break did. So remember the shimmering anti-alice thing, yeah. Quantum Break had? Like, I, I'm thinking, lose 60 frames a second for this grainy ray tracing. So, like, I don't know if I'm on the right build, because the videos, like, I went and watched Tom Warren's video that he posted, and it it seems way sharper than what I'm seeing. So, I don't know. I'm kind of confused about it at the moment. So, uh, hopefully, it looks, it looks better when, with an update. Because I do... Ubisoft told me that there wasn't going to be an update until the 9th. And we got the ray tracing update on the 6th. And then it was the wrong update. And then they updated again on the 8th. So, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. But I'm not super impressed with it so far. Uh, but the gameplay's good. Um, <laughs> we have we talked about Watch Dogs before? Was the embargo had the embargo lifted until last time? Yeah, I we, I don't think we talked about Watch Dogs because it was still the embargo was still up, I believe. Yeah, I, so like Watch Dogs, the gameplay's ace. I mean, uh, it's still a Ubisoft game, and I was actually talking to someone about this the other day. How like how like I still got this Ubisoft fatigue, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the the whole the whole going to an outpost, clearing it out, and then you know progressing the story, killing the lieutenants, 
looking at the world map for, you know, collectibles. Like, that whole formula, I feel like I've been doing that non-stop since Far Cry 2. I'm just really, really tired of it. Like, even though, like, I really like some of the stuff that's in Watch Dogs, and, like, obviously, the graphics are good, and, you know, the the recreation of Britain's really cool and fun, and all that sort of stuff. But, man, that Watch, that Ubisoft fatigue is just slapping, man. It's really slapping. But, I love the Spider-Bot, man. I've basically been playing the whole game as a Spider-Bot. Like, you can do, like, main missions just as the Spider-Bot, if you're creative enough. Like, even in sections where the Spider-Bot can't reach, because you can't, you can't climb, you can still, like, use a drone and make a platform for him and stuff. It's, it's really cool. But, I don't know. Still got that Ubisoft fatigue. I kind of, like, I think Ubisoft needs to branch out the variety of their games a bit more outside of open world because think about Ubisoft now it's like when a game has a Ubisoft branding on it you automatically know what you're going to be playing doesn't matter if it's Assassin's Creed doesn't matter if it's Far Cry doesn't matter if it's Watch Dogs or Division or whatever you already know what the gameplay loop is it's open world without posts and you just yeah repeat 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 it's been like that repeatedly for years now I think like if Ubisoft like branched out to other gameplay types and genres a bit more, people wouldn't feel so fatigued about it. I don't know. Like, where's... where's even I'm wanting a Splinter Cell now. Yeah, we all want a new Splinter Cell. But that 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 is the, the essential problem with all Ubisoft games, is they all feel exactly the same. Uh, you know, like, they all have that... Ghost Recon feels similar to Watch Dogs, which feels similar to Assassin's Creed, which feels similar to Far Cry. They've made their titles too, like, they're not distinct anymore. They're all just too, like, very samey. And Watch Dogs and all these, and, like, Far Cry, they've been, like, the same formula for a long time. And I get, like, wanting to change Assassin's Creed, right, from what it was to what it is. Like, change it up. But now even, like, the change up, like even with only two Assassin's Creed games, you look at it and you're like, okay, well now you know exactly what to expect. It's not really new anymore. Um, and you know they did kind of clean house in some of the creative roles over at Ubisoft, and maybe we'll get some games that are a little bit different. But I don't know. Like I have Watch Dogs Legion, but it was like for me from the Series X, it was lo- I was locked out of it for the whole like review period, and it only was until like a couple days ago when I could play it. And then it was the the next gen patch came yesterday, but then everybody who tried it on their Series X, it would crash their system within like a minute, right? Um, and now and now like apparently it's working. So I am interested in in seeing what if Watch Dogs Legion is any good, and if having ray tracing was a good idea instead of having 60 frames, which in my opinion is probably not the best idea. Like I don't know why if Assassin's Creed Valhalla can do 60 frames, why can't Watch Dogs Legion? Or if you're if you're offering a mode that has ray tracing and all the bells and whistles, why not offer a performance mode, right? Yeah, I have no idea. I think it might be like the API is immature, and maybe flicking it on and off isn't doable right now or something. Like I remember, like some the first games on Xbox that offered like different performance modes. Some of them you'd have to 
fully reboot the game to get the yep. performance mode switch, like uh, Monster Hunter World, for example. And Forza Horizon 4 did that, yep. Yeah. But, like, the later games, you can switch performance modes without actually rebooting the game. Yeah, Ori, oh, Ori does that. Yeah. I played that yesterday. Uh got the upgrade patch. You might have seen my tweet. You can literally toggle it in the menu, and you can see it. Like you, well, it depends on how you're, what TV you have and how close you're sitting to it. Like you can switch it from 4K 120 frames, or 6K downsampled to 4K and at 60, and you could just toggle it right then and there, and you can see the detail kind of come in and leave essentially. Um, yeah, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla does that as well. Which I've also been playing, but Wait, I, I so can't talk about. Valhalla has a performance mode. Wait, am I getting mixed up? I thought I, I thought Valhalla had no. I thought Valhalla was just 4K 60, and that was it. Like there, it, it, oh, maybe I'm getting it mixed up with something else. But I played something else. Oh no, um, maybe Yakuza. Maybe I'm thinking of Yakuza. Yakuza has like uh, in-game performance toggle. I know. That oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yakuza does as well. Yeah, I played. I played um, Yakuza. So I'm wondering if maybe future versions of DX ray tracing will let you just turn off ray tracing and developers will be able to make like a menu toggle or something about like turning on and off so like you can have 60 frames a second instead. I don't know. But that's something I think people are going to be asking for at least, especially if it looks as grainy as what Watch Dogs Legion looks like. I'm not, I'm, I'm really not a fan of what I've seen with the ray tracing so far. But... I don't know if I've got. I don't know if I've got the final version or not. So I need to still figure that out. But uh, I haven't really been playing much other than that, um, and a bunch of games I can't even talk about yet. So I have to wait for Jeff, another. Jeff is on embargo. Oh, okay. Uh, Face says, do you, have, embargo, do you have any idea what next gen game you'll be reviewing first? Uh, not no idea yet. Um, not even sure what I'm going to be playing first on Tuesday. Probably Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and then I'll play Miles Morales. Uh, yeah, that's the thing about my PS5. Like, it says it's supposed to be coming on Thursday, on November 12th, but, like, I haven't gotten the official uh, notification yet from Amazon, and they haven't taken my money yet, you know? So, it's um, it's just something I'm waiting for. I can't, I can't wait to get the PS5. And even though there's only a couple games I want to play on it, like, Miles Morales is, is the one I'll be playing first. And Commander Shepard said, so happy to hear the official announcement for the Mass Effect Legendary Edition where everything is remastered. I'm so excited for it. Oh, we're going to be talking about that. We're talking about that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got feelings about that, baby. you got feelings. So I've been, feelings. I've been playing a lot. So I got my Series X on Monday. I forget what day it was. It was the Mon- I forget the date. It was two Mondays ago at this point, right? It was just, it was, I got it in, like, I, I got an email from Microsoft at the beginning of October. And they're like, We've reserved the Series X for you. You know, do do you want it? Blah 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 blah. You know, filled out all the information and all those things. And I got the system. The I think uh, what was it the 26th? I think I want to say it was. Let me let me look. Let me bring up a calendar. Uh, one second, Jez. <laughs> Randall calendar. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, never mind. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I had someone talking to me, so sorry about that. Uh, I had to mute the mic. So, looking at the calendar, I uh, 
I don't, I even shut down the, either way, whatever. It was that, it was the, it was the, it was the Monday, like two days before the, um, uh, the, uh, see, I lost my train of thought. This is what happens. I hate when people talk to me when I'm trying to do this stuff. Uh, a couple <laughs> days before the unboxing, right? And, uh, so, I started downloading some games. Um, there wasn't a lot of Series X enhanced games, at least at first, uh, because the games were coming in at like different, like Gears 5, I think, was available a couple days later as an enhanced version. Uh, Forza Horizon 4 was available, I think, a day or so after that. And then you, you had to go like through some special hoops to get that version. Um, Yakuza was available and Gears Tactics was too, but then Assassin's Creed was locked out and Tetris and a couple other games as well. So like I started, um, I started to download a bunch of like back and pack games because that's when, uh, I realized that, well, I already played through Gears 5 and I've already put like a hundred hours into Forza Horizon 4. So I was like, what am I really, you know, like, I needed other things to play. So I actually played a significant amount of Titanfall 2, and uh, I played a lot of Quantum Break. Um, I played uh, a lot of Dirt 5. And Dirt 5, Jez, I don't know if you, you played as much Dirt 5 as me, um, but... Uh, I've had it for about 30 seconds, mate. Dude, Dirt 5 was was not in a good state when I was playing it uh, early on the Series X. Uh, Dirt 5 was... <laughs> It, it didn't have sound in the menus and like Troy Baker and everybody, like you couldn't hear them talk. It was a very weird experience and, and, uh, but it, it's, it's fixed now and I'll be talking more about it when I actually go to play it because it was, it was just very difficult to play like that, like with the, the sound not working properly and everything. And there was even some screen tearing that I noticed, uh, which I believe is fixed now. Uh, I believe they, they completely patched it, but that's what happens when you have pre-release software to go along with pre-release hardware, right? Um, yep. But that was the first game where I got a, I got a taste of 120 frames. And I kind of want to talk about how... So when I loaded up Dirt 5, and I pl- played my first game, because I was, I was in a party with Cognito, and he's like, tell me about the 120 frames, right? And I'm playing Dirt 5, and... I'm playing at 60 in frame rate mode, and and it and it and it's a fun game. Like I think maybe the first couple races in Dirt Five aren't exactly exciting, but it does get better as you play. And I'm like, no, this this controls well, and 60 frames is good. I'm not really noticing any dips, even though I see some of the screen tearing. And then I turn on 120 frames, and I'm sitting there playing it, and I'm like, yeah, I noticed that the game doesn't look as good as it once, like as it just did. Like clearly. You know, they, they, they had to compromise with some of the visual quality and some of the things in the, in the track. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, I don't really feel the difference between 60 and 120, right? I'm like, yeah, man, I thought maybe I feel something. Because you can definitely feel it between 30 and 60. But, like, I'm sitting there and playing at 120, and I'm just like, I don't really, I don't really feel it. And I, I was kind of a little bit disappointed with that, right, with the 120 frames. And mm. I turned it back down to 60. And I immediately felt the jazz because suddenly 60 frames felt jittery and juddery. And I was just sitting there, I was like, wait, what is going on? Like, I'm like, now 60 frames feels horrible. So like, oh, I, no, the 60 frames is the new film. Well, no, so like, it was weird because it didn't, 60, 120 didn't feel, I didn't feel the step up. 
from 60 to 120, but when I went back down to 60, I immediately felt it and could see it on the screen because things were just jittery and juddery where suddenly they weren't. So it was a, it was a really weird experience. Man, um, I kind of felt like that when because um, my my laptop's got a 300 hertz display. Don't get right, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, and I uh, it's the first time I've had a display that went above 60 hertz. So like first thing I did, first thing I try and do, I put like World of Warcraft up to 120 frames per second. And I felt the same way. I was like, oh, it doesn't seem much different. And then when I put it back down to 60, it was like, oh, now now I can see it. Yeah, it's always like. You know what you've got until it's gone, right? I, f- I feel that way with 4K. Like, I went, I went and played Dragon Age Inquisition because I wanted to see if it had unlocked resolution or unlocked frame rate or anything like that, and it doesn't. But, my God, man, that game is blurry as hell. I think it's like 900p or something locked because it was never, it was never upgraded for the uh, 1X or anything like that. So it's, it's like you've got this 30fps, 900p game. And it just looks, it just looks awful. And I'm like, man, did we, did we actually like, did we have a, a next gen in the middle of this gen or something? Because it feels like going back to games from the start of this gen is like a, a whole, a whole other era or something. I don't know. But ah, it is what it is. We're now 60 frames per second is the new filmic. Confirmed. Yeah, it's the new filmic. Uh, and I, and then 120, 120 frames on Ori 2 feels amazing especially at full 4K, like, that game, I don't even know the word to describe it. Like, it looks like a living painting now. I mean, the game always looked good, but but right now, with, you know, on the OLED, you know, upgraded for the Sex Series X 4K, like, it, it looks stunning. And I almost wish I could just wipe my memory of my first playthrough of that game and just go go back through it again, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do another Ori, one of the Wisps run at some point. But uh, I don't know. I don't have a, like a super duper TV like you have, man. I've got like six hertz panel, no, no free sync. Like I think my HDR is not as good either. Well, my HDR actually feels worse than my my last TV. So um, I don't know. It's it's becoming increasingly important to have a TV that has all these features. Like I've seen. So much screen tearing the last couple of weeks, more than I've seen the entire gen. Because I feel like more and more devs are just like, oh well, they'll probably have a TV with with a variable refresh rate, so it's fine. It's fine to not, you know, add VSync or whatever. And you know, some of these, especially like some of the indie games I'm playing, they just don't have like VSync locked, and it's like the screen tearing is just makes a game unplayable. So. I think, like, TVs are becoming increasingly important to upgrade this gen, maybe more so than ever. And kind of sucks because that some of the TVs that you need are pretty damn expensive. Like I, when I look at the uh, LG CX series TVs, it's generally considered, you know, the standard right now. I look at the price of that thing and I'm like, damn, I don't know if I can absorb that in one go right now. So... Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be really disappointed in their TV sets this gen. Yeah, I mean, cause, and I got the CX because it was, it was, you know, supposed to be one of the best for for gaming, and it takes advantage of the HDMI 2, 2.1 features that the Series X and PS5 have. So it's got variable refresh rate and 
all those things, although I hear variable refresh rate is kind of broken on, uh, you know, LG, so maybe that's not the best. But I also got FreeSync as well. Um, but, yeah. Um, for those wondering, uh, yeah, the, the clip taken that we're showing right now is from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I took it directly from the Series X. Uh, and that game feels completely different on Series X than it did on the One X. Like, it actually runs at a locked, or as close to a locked 60 frames as you can get in performance mode. And it was a game, and I mentioned this in my review, it was a game that was inconsistent for me when it came to pairing. Um, but with the locked frame rate and the lowered latency, the dynamic latency input or whatever they're calling it, the technical term, for the new controller, like, I was pairing everything, like, way more than I ever did when I played it on the One X. Um, so you can definitely feel there were – see, I don't know how much is just, like, the 60 frames lock or how much is the, the reduced latency because, obviously, for, for something like Star Wars and Sekiro where you have to be pretty spot on, like, you have a small amount of frames to – uh, you hit the left bumper to parry an attack, right? And obviously you want as lower latency as possible from the console to the TV and what it shows you, and then your actions from pressing the bumper and the, and the console, you know, registering your action and displaying it back to the TV. And I really do feel with the new controller that uh, a lot of the actions you take with it are, like, happen faster, or at least games are more responsive when you actually play them, like I, when I was when I was playing through some of Gears Five again, I noticed that it, it seemed to be more responsive, like wall running and wall bouncing, and and just even aiming in general. Uh, when I, when yeah. I played Titanfall Two, it just it seemed like my actions were more precise and responsive uh, with the new controller than than I uh, I felt previously. So I don't know. Yeah, I kind of felt that. Because I've been, I use mainly the Elite Series 2 controller, right? Because of the, um, the battery, uh, recharge is just so convenient. The little puck that you can recharge it on. But, I found myself gravitating towards the, the new controller. Even though it's like, not the super expensive so-called Elite controller. There's something about it that just feel, it does feel, it's really hard to put my finger on it, but I think it's it's like a combination of little things that coalesce into a big thing, you know. So, like with all the with all the extra refinements and stuff like that, and also the fact that um, the shoulder buttons on the new controller are a lot better, I find. Like the the fact that they're angled more up upwards, it's sort of like your finger can actuate them more easily. At least I can with my hands. I don't know. I suppose everyone's got different shaped hands and will experience it differently, but I really like the shoulder buttons on the new one a lot more than on the current gen controllers. But yeah, it felt it does there is something about it that's like uncannily just better. It's a lot of little things, I think. Yeah. But Yeah. I don't have that hundred and twenty hertz free sync T V and I'm jelly. You're you're super I'm super jelly, man. My dog's jelly too. He's he's barking at somebody upstairs. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> he, he's a scary. He does. He he goes crazy when people come to the door. Like he he he's he's a big dog. You guys have seen pictures of him. And uh, sometimes when yeah. people come over, they they uh, you can see they're a little scared. 
because he's he's a he's a he's a huge dog, you know. And there are people out there, you know, they're afraid of dogs. Maybe not necessarily small dogs, but huge dogs like like uh, Shakespeare. There's definitely uh, we've had people come over and uh, they are very hesitant to get close to him because he immediately sees a person and he thinks they're a threat. So he just immediately starts barking at them and kind of like almost like a like a low growl, right? And yeah. you kind of like got to like you kind of got to um <laughs> like feed him like a like a like a piece of, of food and kind of pet him and then maybe he might be like, "All right, you you seem like you might be okay, you know what I mean?" So um, <laughs> my dogs were like that. I haven't like I haven't had, I had two dogs two big German Shepherds when I was when I was a little kid. Um, but I haven't had dogs since then. They used to bark at everything too. Dogs are, dogs are great. No, dogs People, are great. We don't, we don't deserve dogs. It, 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 but he's he's not deserve. great when, he, when he's barking during the podcast and people can hear him though. Like he, He's probably just true. upset that I'm ignoring him. Uh, Gunstar says, glad my favorite podcast managed to deliver this week. Sunday feels right. Uh, Herm... Humberto Pedro says, does Gears 5 enhanced version of Series X have ray tracing? Did Microsoft say something about it? Um, I don't think it has ray tracing. I think it has screen screen space reflections. Uh, I think it's hard to tell. I think, like, there are some... I think there are some parts when it has ray tracing or very limited ray tracing, and they added screen space reflections to more textures. But it's not like it's not full on like Watchdog Legion is, right? I think like in the in the short term we're not going to see very many impressive uses of ray tracing, at least not on the uh, Xbox Series X. Microsoft really dropped the ball when it came to content that showcases what this thing can do, and I think it's 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 a product of waiting for full RDNA two or well waiting for inter- integrating it or whatever. And having like tools that aren't ready and stuff like that. I've heard that from a bunch of devs that the tools came in hot. And um I don't know. It's like the it's the start of something big, but it's not blowing my mind right now with the content. Not blowing your mind, huh? Nope. I need more content, man. I need to see I need to see more of Hellblade. I need to see Fable running an engine, you know. I don't, I don't want to play Gears 5 again so soon, you know? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the only real drawback of uh, the the whole, like, early process was there wasn't really much new things to play. Um, Cass might say, hey, waiting on this Elite Series 3 when when that comes out, I'll keep using the two for the time being. Back paddles make a huge difference. Uh, yeah, I get that. If you spend a lot of money on a controller, you can definitely use it on the new system and I think the the dynamic latency input for the controller will probably come in a patch sometime next year. Uh but yeah, like my only my my only kind of complaint, not even really a complaint really, it was just more of a you know, an observation, honestly, it was just like there wasn't really anything new to play that was Series X enhanced, which, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. Like, we, we've talked about the launch lineup and how First Party only has Gears Tactics, and that's a game that already came out in April. And Gears Tactics looks great on the Series X. It looks really good. It runs at 4K60. But, like, the game, the game, if you're a fan of Tactics, seems like it's a pretty damn good game. It's not my cup of tea. You know, I still tried it out for, like, a couple hours. 
uh, that's just kind of the, re- the the reality of the situation. Um, you know, I would have loved Watch Dogs Legion to have been enhanced the whole time or or been able to play something like Assassin's Creed Valhalla at 60 frames, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. So as you guys know, like I've talked about how I don't really go back and play a lot of games after I beat them. I'm not like a big back and pack guy. Like I like having it because I want my purchases to go to go forward with me. Uh, so like to me, like I think the hardware, and I've said this in my video, like the hardware is amazing. It's the best gaming hardware Microsoft has ever built uh, by far. Like you, you guys will understand when you get it on Tuesday or Monday night. Like when you unbox it, and it just is this. It's such a premium system. You can tell that Microsoft really kind of didn't spare any expense when it came to building the Series X. And then you hook it up, and the process is really just straightforward. doesn't take that long, maybe 10, 15 minutes, you know, because it's got a download update. And then if you have your, your hard drives already plugged in, the games that you bring with you, they'll all be there ready to play. Yeah, you'll probably have to download, uh, you know, upgrades for any games that have a version of it. And you'll be right there playing your games. It's just, you know, like the launch titles aren't exactly, uh, you know, the launch wasn't exactly the best. But as I see someone said in chat, launch is irrelevant. In the grand scheme of things, you know, yeah, the launch isn't really the most important to the console. It was a weird, it was a weird console to review because when you're reviewing, usually if I'm reviewing a headset, for example, I'm, I'm looking purely at the hardware. I'm not looking at the, the headset ecosystem. I'm not looking at like what software it has or whatever. Um, because it's just, it's just a single product, right? But when you're reviewing a video game console, you kind of have to review the ecosystem that it's attached to. Because if a console has no games, it's useless. Because that's all it does. It, all it's supposed to do is run games. So it's kind of like, the console hardware is amazing, and it's clear it's clear that it's insane value. It's polished and well designed, and it's gorgeous. And every every physical aspect of it is great. The only part of Xbox right now that's dropping the ball really hard is Xbox Game Studios, still. And um, you know, and it's like someone said that the launch is irrelevant. It kind of is because these consoles are going to sell out really hard because Microsoft isn't meeting demand and neither Sony. So, I don't know, blame COVID or whatever for everyone being at home wanting to buy game consoles and stuff. But the reviews really are truly irrelevant right now because they're going to sell out either way. Because everyone who's locked into the ecosystem, everyone who's a fan of Xbox, they've already pre-ordered. And there's not going to be enough hardware to really make the reviews matter. It's not like anyone's going to read a review and think, oh, I'm going to cancel my pre-order now. It's, it's just not the case. So really what you need to look at is the future. What What is the future holding? You know, how much faith do you have in Xbox Game Studios? You know, how much faith do you have in the Bethesda acquisition? And that kind of thing. And I suppose it, it really boils down to then a philosophical thing where it's like, do you believe Microsoft is going to fix the situation with its exclusives? Or do you think that they're not? You know, it's it's really is what it boils down to at this point. And personally, I do believe. I do have faith, you know. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it's not. Like, they, the problem with Xbox 
from this gen was they had six studios going into Xbox One. So they were very limited on the type of games and the quantity of games they could make. Because you knew 343 was only going to make Halo and Turn Time was only going to make Forza. And at the time, Coalition was only going to make Gears. And so, like, and Mojang was only going to make Minecraft. So there wasn't a lot of diversity. So they had to reach out to third-party developers for second-party deals. And that's where, like, Rise and Crytek came from and Sunset Overdrive and Insomniac and Crackdown 3 and one of the three developers of, of that game, right? And then, you know, that's where a lot of the problems arose because because Microsoft had to work with second-party they had to kind of offer, hey, make the game for us and we'll let you keep the IP. So that's where all the problems with Rise came from. They want to do a Rise 2, but but Crytek's being stingy because they own the IP, and then eventually Rise 2 doesn't get made. Uh, Sunset Overdrive, great game, you know, did pretty well Metacritic-wise, didn't sell well to the point where, like, like, does Mike, did Microsoft want to fund a sequel? Did, did Insomniac really want to make a sequel to a game that nobody really cared about? And, well, PlayStation ended up buying Insomniac, so now PlayStation owns the Sunset Overdrive IP. And all we know all the, the troubles that Crackdown 3 went through. And so I think, like, this gen is going to be significantly better than uh, Xbox One. I think it's going to be their best gen ever because they have the, the teams and they have the, the quality studios and they have the diversity Right, so it's not just going to be Halo, Gears, and Forza, and it's going to be a whole bunch of different stuff with a whole bunch of different type of games, AAA games from your Bethesda studios, smaller games from you know some of the internal stuff, and then you still have, you know, like whatever uh, second-party developers you kind of uh, do for Xbox Global Publishing. So, uh, yeah, plus the different change in leadership. You know, Don Matrick in charge with Terry Meyerson running Xbox or essentially the Windows division, but but it's still in charge of Xbox because that's, you know, who people had to report to. Now, you know, Xbox is its own division, and Phil, Phil has, you know, a seat with, you know, Satya, and we've seen the investment. So, like, I'm extremely confident that all the games will be there and that the talking point today of, well, the launch lineup, isn't very good, which is true. Nobody's really going to care in two years from now. When nope. So nope. it's just it's just something you have to mention because it's it's, a, it's something that can't be overlooked. So as much as I love the Series X because I do, like I get on that system, I turn it on, it's on instantly. Like it's literally loads up in a second. Like you press the button on the controller, I sit down in my chair, press the button on the controller. And it's up immediately. And then if you have a game suspended, you can be back in the game. You you stopped playing last night within five seconds. So within six seconds of sitting down and turning on the controller, you can literally be playing the game you were playing last night. You don't have to watch those stupid uh, splash screens. You don't got to watch the little info with like, oh, we used the Unity engine and this developer made this game and all that stupid stuff that you have to watch every single freaking time you load up a game. And then, oh, some some games have lo- lo- like longer intros, and oh, it takes a while to load up your save game. None of that stuff. You can literally be playing your game in six seconds, right? And then with quick resume, if you're playing multiple games, you can you can be back in that other game, uh, you know, like ten seconds after that. Like it's all about speed. Like you have no idea how fast the Xbox Series X actually is until you sit down and start using it and comparing it to how long things used to load on the 1X or the 1S or the PlayStation. Like, it is, I'm not kidding you, 
It is that fast. I timed it. I sat there. I, I turned on the Xbox with, you know, the controller. Two seconds the dashboard was up. Clicked on the last game I was playing. And three seconds later, I was playing it because I, it was suspended. And, and, and suspend actually works on the Series X, unlike how it didn't work on the, the Xbox One. You know, you had problems with the Xbox One stuff, right? Oh, I, I mean, but that, you know, it's still, there's still imperfections and places that can improve, even quick resume. Like, I wish, I wish it at least warned you when a game is going to be kicked out of quick resume. But it, it's designed really for people who, you know, maybe they're only playing a few games a month. Like, if you like, if you're testing it and you're flicking through loads of games all at once, then yeah, games are going to get pushed out, I guess. But, you know, there's still loads of things that can improve. Like, the, the sharing stuff is still kind of bad. Upload Studio's dead and gone. I don't know what they're doing with that. Like, nothing. Microsoft they're Club doing, doesn't even pages. They're doing nothing Xbox, with Upload Studio. Yeah. Xbox Achievements, what the hell's going on with them? They haven't been updated forever either. Like, it just feels like there's always, there's always something. And we have to, like, you know, wait for those things to be fixed up and polished. I don't know. But I'm with you. Like I'm, I believe in the future, and just have to wait. Just have to wait. And you can't, you can't not mention it. And I, my headset keeps knocking against the microphone. It's really annoying. I need to do so, something. So Kratopsy says, "Quick Resume is based on old technology called RAM Disk." I mean, I don't really use Quick Resume that much because I'm not someone who plays a whole bunch of games at once. I'm usually someone who just plays one or two. But uh, what I'm talking about is suspend. We're like. You know, I'm playing, uh, for example, you know, let's just say Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I'm playing it, and I'm done for the night. All i got to do is just go back to the home screen. I don't have to quit out of the application, right, which is what I normally do. You just go back to the home screen, turn the system off, and then the next day when you want to play, you sit down, you grab your controller, turn it on via the Nexus button on the controller, and within two seconds, the dashboard's up and functional. Like, you can actually fly around on it, which took forever on the Xbox One, and then you can press, you can just press the tile for Assassin's Creed, and three seconds later, you're back literally where you left off, left off the night before. It's abs- it's, it's amazing. It's just, this, this gen's all be, gonna be about speed and getting you back into what you, uh, want to do as quickly as possible. Now, like Jeff says, yeah, the Upload Studio stuff, it's dead. And I tested out 4K up, <laughs> people are, some people are going to be very disappointed in this. Uh, 4K uploads from the Series X to Twitter or any of that stuff don't work, period. End of story. Uh, I took a clip, that, that Ori clip I, I had yesterday, right, that I uploaded on Twitter. I had, to inst- I had to use my USB stick to record that and then bring it over to my PC to upload it because when you do something in 4K on the Xbox Series X, it's just... It doesn't work. Nah, it's the it's the HDR that doesn't work. No, 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 it's no, no, like, no. It's not the HDR. It's 4K. No. It's trust me on this. It's 4K. It's, it's so I'm talking about sharing a clip to Twitter uh, from the Xbox. If it's in 4K, it won't work because I tested this yesterday. So if you try to edit a 4K clip, it's not going to work. It'll just black screen and it just will stop. If you tried uploading a 4K clip from the Series X to Xbox Live, so you can share it from the mobile device. That won't work either. Uh, there is a build going out just before launch for the Series X. Um, I'm actually running it right now. 
I don't know if I'm meant to be running it or not, but that's how I was able to get the dynamic themes, which are on Windows Central Gaming's channel, if you want to have a look mm-hmm, at them. Mm-hmm. Quick plug, after the podcast, though, of course. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's like, there's still issues to be ironed out. And, but I feel like some of these issues with uploads, uploading clips have been there, like, since forever. Like, the Xbox, she's just not very good at converting media. No, um, I mean, that, that's true. I mean, it, it, the, the game DVR is the exact same as the as the One X, so it has the same it has the same problems as it. Uh, but I just wanted people to know if like you are capturing stuff in 4K on the Series X and you try to share it, or you try to trim it, or you try to upload it from your console on Tuesday, it's more than likely not going to work until they they patch it, which they uh, they are going to be patching it. So keep that in I'm mind. I'm going to test it because I have I have a. I have a more advanced test build it. than you. So test, test, test yeah, it. test it. Test it with the 4K. Make sure it's make sure it's 4K. Okay. See if it works. Because I know it does work in 1080p and 720. It's just it's just it's the 4K that gives the problems. Uh, Mel Weezy says your opinion on Falconeer. Uh, I have the game, but it's not uh, available to me. It's not. It's locked, so I don't have. Still under embargo. I think. Really? All the reviews are out for it, or most of the. Reviews oh, are they? Are out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, sh- Damn, did we not review that one? Man, I just totally forgot to review Gears Tactics. Like, I just, this week's just been such a blur, man. But anyway, um, I can give some opinion on Falconeer because I have played it a fair bit, but I haven't, I haven't really sunk my teeth into it yet. Like, it's, it's a really cool game. You know, it's like, if you like games like Star Fox and stuff like that, if you like those dogfighting kind of games, like, you'll like, you'll like um, Falconeer, but it doesn't really do anything spectacularly different from that formula. It's kind of got these sort of calm in-between moments, almost like Sea of Thieves, where you're just sort of flying over the water and looking at scenery. Then all of a sudden, it would be like, oh, now there's, like, dudes attacking you after dogfight. And there's upgrades and all that sort of stuff. It's like, it's not a particularly mind-blowing game, but when you think about the fact that it was made by one dude, then it becomes slightly more mind-blowing. Because, um... All the visuals as well, like, they're not 3D modeled, they're programmed with mathematics or something. Did you hear about this? That's one of the reasons why, that's one of the reasons why they can do like, to why like it, I don't know. They were, I don't know if they actually did end up getting it to 120 frames a second, but I know they're at least exploring it. Because it's it's like a lot of the game runs on the CPU because it's mostly calculation based or something I can't even remember, but it's like it's it's an impressive game when you consider, consider it was just made by one guy. But I don't think it's gonna you know it's not gonna blow anyone's minds. It's an it's an indie game you know by a very small team. So but you know I think it's a nice game, but it's not a, it doesn't reinvent the genre. Put it that way. Yeah, I don't expect it to. Uh, Judah says, anyone know if the Series X support AV1 codec so we can get AK YouTube? Anyone know if YouTube on Series X supports AK from day one? Xbox didn't respond when asked. Um, I have no clue. Do you know, Jez? My my gut feeling is no, and I think that might be more to do with... Man, (laughs) we have to go into the fact that the Xbox operating system is like this weird hybrid hypervisor thing where, like... It's called System OS. The Xbox operating system is known as System OS. And it's this weird, built on Windows 8's kernel, crazy hybrid operating system. So, unless the operating system supports it at a platform level in their app model, 
YouTube won't support 8K, I, I guess. So, like, that's... It's more complicated than does the app support it. It's more like does the operating system support it. And then it becomes like, is that even a priority for Microsoft to program? Because does anyone have an 8K display right now? Not really. So it's kind of like, it's kind of on that level. It's not something YouTube can just turn on. Microsoft has to add it to System OS and then update it. They have to commit a developer to do that. And is it worth their time? Because no one's got 8K displays just now. And even still, like, is there even that much 8K content on YouTube right now? Probably not. It's some, it's like, it's another one of those things, like, if more people adopt it, then they'll do it, but I don't think it's a priority, and I wouldn't expect it to be there for day one. Yeah. See, uh, I don't know, there are some people here, uh, Chrysopsy, he says, that, Rand, do you think it's their best gen? I don't think so. Better than Xbox One, yeah, not better than the 360. I'm talking about strictly first-party output, because if you actually go back and look at the Xbox 360, they didn't have a lot of first-party output outside of Halo and... Uh, I mean, they didn't really have uh, that big of a first party. Gears was in partnership with Epic. Um, you know, Forza, Forza Motorsports started it in the previous gen. But, like, they, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people look at the 360 gen with these rose-tinted glasses and they think, yeah, like, uh, Saints Row was exclusive and Elder Scrolls and all these reasons because the PlayStation wasn't out yet and Bioshock was exclusive. But, like, when you, when you look specifically at first party, you know, it it wasn't a lot. I mean, you had the Fable games, uh, you had the Halo games, you had the Forza games, and that's, and you know, Gears from Epic, and that's really it. So, like, when I talk about having their best gen, I'm referring to their first party. Like, they have 23 studios now. They're all going to be pumping out games all the time, uh, you know, basically from 2022 and beyond. They're going to be way more stuff than there ever was during the 360 gen. And, yeah, you might lose out on those timed exclusives like Bioshock and Saints Row and Elder Scrolls and all those other games because the PS3 was, was, a, was a travesty in the early days. You know, launched a year later and the cell was hard to program for, so some developers skipped it. And because of that, the 360 was, you know, the platform to develop for. Um, but I don't see how it's not going to be better than the 360. I mean, will it be better? I'm with you, man. I, I like this, these rose, rose twin, rose tinted glasses stuff. It's like, I look back at the 360 gen and I actually, I, I think I spent way more actual in-game hours on Xbox One. And I don't think that's a case of the games were more, f- like, like the games were better or anything back then. It was just like, things were different back then. You know, like, Played games with less stress in the background, maybe. Um, less bills to pay and stuff like that. So when I think back to like Dragon Age Origins and stuff, and all the, all the, a lot of my favorite games of all time were from the 360 gen. There was just less background stress back then. And the games this gen aren't necessarily any worse. Like I've played like Monster, Monster Hunter World for 800 hours. I never put 800 hours into a game last gen. And you, Overwatch as well. I've probably put Overwatch more hours into Overwatch than any game last gen for competitive play. And you know, this game, this gen's had some really great games. And people always talk about Dead Space and stuff like that. But then I think like, man, I really like Resident Evil Seven and Resident Evil Two Remake and stuff. This gen's had some amazing games. And so, and even 
And the fact that it's been opened up to indies as well has brought us even more amazing games. The game, indie games have to like go through this really restrictive publishing process with Xbox Live Arcade back then. Otherwise they were put on this like indie game store which had really aggressive file size restrictions and all that sort of stuff. We've had like the whole indie game renaissance this gen. Um, I don't really think the Xbox 360 gen was better than this Xbox One gen. Just because like, Xbox One caught a lot of hate, and everyone's a bit older now, and stuff like that. There's like, the context is different. The world's maybe a little bit darker, but I don't think the gen overall was any worse. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, Commander Sepper says, I've had the Xbox One since it first came out in 2013, and the Xbox Series X will be my first upgrade in seven years. Rip the Xbox One. Uh, John B. says, why can't you count third-party as launch titles? We all play them. I'll be playing Legions, Valhalla, Cyberpunk, and COD, plus my huge backlog. Um, I mean, I couldn't play any of those during my review period, so it's kind of it's kind of tough to talk about Series X games when the games you only have to play are, like, Gears 5 and Forza Horizon 4. Um, and third-party does count. And I know for a lot of people, they want – I know for a lot of people, and this is all personal preference, really – uh, you know, uh, they'll be too busy playing Valhalla and Watch Dogs and then playing Cyberpunk and Call of Duty to even give, you know, a flying fuck about any title first party from PlayStation or Xbox. Uh, and, you know, some people are like that. Some people, like, only really care about third party and some people only really care about first party. Um, you know, I, I'm more looking at it like, for me... Uh, you know, like, I, I I really miss Halo Infinite. Like, I wish it was launching here. And the fact that Microsoft is releasing a brand-new console and their only new title is Gears Tactics, which is a game that came out on PC in April, is, is I think, very disappointing. And I think is 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 an, um, is an oversight. I, maybe not. I don't know. Like, I, it's just, like... It's like you, you were launching this brand new console, and once again, just like the Xbox One X, you don't have any of your teams supporting it in any way outside of games that are already released that you, you know, are upgrading. And I understand, like, games take a long time to make, and I understand, like, COVID happened this year, and there's a pandemic, and games are coming in hot, you know, all that stuff. But, like, it's, it is what it is, man. I don't know what else to say. It's just like, they, they put all the eggs in the Halo basket, and the eggs turned rotten, and it wasn't going to happen. And because of that, there's nothing else that they could really, you know, have for launch. So, you know, I wish it was different. But like me and Jess said, in a couple of years, the launch will be irrelevant. You know, like you look at – if you comp- if you looked at the launches of both the PS4 and the Xbox One and you judged the whole gen just based off the launch games, you would have said Xbox One had a better gen. Like let's let's say you didn't you didn't know what happened after 2013, you looked at Hey Rise, you looked at uh, Crimson Dragon and Killer Instinct and Dead Rising 3, and you know some of the other games that Xbox had day one, and then you look at like Killzone Shadowfall, Mac and Resogun, you would say Oh Xbox will have the better gen because they had the better launch lineup, which is true, even though some of that's personal preference. Uh, but you'd be mistaken because after after a couple of years, you know, Xbox, uh, you know, uh, non-investment in, in games kind of caught up to them and didn't really have anything new while all of Sony's great, you know, best titles came out towards the end of the generation. 
so yeah, launch ops don't necessarily matter in the long run, and probably any. And I've always said this: like when you're buying a, a system for launch, it's never about the launch games. It's always about the future of the console. It's always about every game you'll be playing from that moment forward, and not about the handful of games that you can only play on that console. And I still believe that. It's just um, even with the way you, you know. It, it kind of goes back to um, what I was saying about Ubisoft, in a way. Like, Ubisoft has created a brand around its name, Ubisoft, as the company that makes open-world, outpost-based games where you run around to outposts and kill lieutenants, and, you know, they, they've created a brand around that. And Sony have created a brand around creating AAA, photorealistic, Hollywood grade blockbusters that are almost universally praised every time. Games that you, you know, you feel you're missing out on if you don't play them. And games that get sequels and characters that we see repeatedly. Microsoft has built up a brand for itself of being inconsistent and not delivering for its fans and not building a game studio and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, that's the brand they've built for themselves around their games. And I think that is still the biggest thing holding them back is this brand they've built for themselves. And they've done it themselves. You know, Terry Myerson and, you know, not believing in Xbox enough to fund it the way it needed to be funded to compete on the global stage. And all the politics that happened in the middle of this gen in order for Phil to take over and actually get Xbox some real, you know, funding and investment. Um... That has really hurt them. And, you know, it's like I say, I have faith in the plan. But we're still in this sort of holding pattern still, and it's getting boring. And if you're someone looking in from the outside, that's all you're seeing is this holding pattern. You know, so when when are the games going to come? Where's When, when are you going to deliver on these in-engine trailers, on these pre-rendered trailers and all that sort of stuff? It's, uh I don't know. Right. I'll jump in. Time. John B says, "Why can't you count?" Oh, we already read that. That, that was that was kind of what we went off on there. Uh, Ryan says, "I could, I only could get my hands on the Series S. I have an all digital one S. Will there be a decent leap in graphics to me to appreciate?" Um, that's a good question, and we'll probably talk about that when we talk about the Series S. Uh, a decent leap in graphics. I don't know because the Series S is basically going to be a 1080p machine. Uh, you know, the the reason the Series S exists is, is so it can kind of reach a, a mass market audience and the people that only really care about playing Madden and Fortnite, you know, and the difference is just resolution. So I guess it really also depends on the TV you have. Um, let's see. Um, Stephen Boxy says Dolby Vision games versus HDR PS5 games no count or you know and uh, Judah says I have AK that's why I'm asking and lots and lots of AK content on YouTube. I don't, I'm not I don't it's, know. It's fair enough, but it, it's the minority, you know. Yeah, it's the minority. Um, so you know what? Do you have anything more you want to say about the Series X? Because some people say uh, that the whole launch lineup thing is a is a is a is a dead horse that we're beating. You know, like I don't. Yeah, it's it, it is it, it is, is dead horse. It is. And, uh, I it's it, but <laughs> it's when you're a, a reviewer, you have to think about these things. You know, you have to think about how will 
you know, how do I genuinely feel about this? And it's even it's even worse for like Rand because Rand didn't have access to half the games I did. Like I had access to Watch Dogs and I had access to Assassin's Creed Valhalla because of the the review programs with those that publisher. So I had access to even more games than Rand, and I st- even I am thinking like, man, where's my shooter for this year? I don't really want to play COD. I mean, <laughs> Halo is meant to be here. Halo would have solved a lot of problems, you know. I don't want to play COD because of their their bullshit chicanery, and I didn't like the last COD that much. Um, and so Halo would have been my multiplayer game, but I now I don't have one. I'm having to. I'm going back to Battlefront 2, for God's sake, because, like, Battlefield, EA didn't deliver Battlefield, and Microsoft didn't deliver Halo. It's just weird. It's a weird year. And it's it's not Microsoft's fault, because, of, you know, you can't blame Microsoft for, like, COVID and stuff like that, but at the same time, it's just the reality of the situation you just can't ignore. But I agree with everyone. I agree with all you guys, and I agree with Rand that it's about the future, and Microsoft has clearly, clearly said, we hear you, you know, we bought Bethesda, for God's sake. It's, a lot of these questions will just go away in the coming months ahead. And and even me, the medium. The medium's been delayed, for God's sake. Yeah, well, I mean, you knew that was going to happen immediately. Like, once Cyberpunk picked the same day, you knew the medium was going to move, because there's no way that game's coming out the same day. So, that game's coming Didn't out... Did the same day? Oh yeah, God. it was the same day. So, you knew it was going to move. Which is probably good, because obviously they want the medium to be a success. So um, You watch, Halo will pick the same launch day now. December December 10th? Oh, it's already got moved even further than that. No, well, no, so the uh, medium is coming out on January 24th. Yeah, so maybe something else will move. There's a contingent of people (laughs) that feel that Halo's not even coming out next year. Man, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be surprised, man. That studio is a damn shambles. We talked about it last week. No need to beat that dead horse, too. Yeah, that is a dead yeah. horse. That I, is a dead, dead, I, I, dead horse. Because I was on Spawn Wave a couple weeks ago uh, for Halloween, and that topic was brought up. Do you think Halo is releasing in 2021? And I said, yes. What I, I think a part of Halo is going to come out, whether it's the multiplayer or whatever, I, I do think a part of Halo releases next year. I mean, there's a possibility maybe the campaign doesn't, and it's just the multiplayer, uh, but I have a feeling a portion of Halo releases in 2021. So, which is sad when you think about it, the game was supposed to be launching in two days, right? <laughs> and then you're talking about, well, it may not even release in 2021, huh? I mean, if it doesn't release in 2021, heads must roll, man. I don't care. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Anyway. Had dead horse. Not beating that horse anymore. Sorry, um, horse. Did I see a lot of people talking about uh, Disney Plus, and they must have seen my tweet. Uh, Game Pass tweeted a picture of uh, the Mandalorian and the child and said, "Hey, we're post. We're, we're posting this for a reason, or we're not just posting these for whatever." Um, Disney Plus is going to be added to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate as probably a perk, like Spotify. And, uh, you know, like, uh, like Discord. And it'll probably be announced in the next couple of days. I know they got, like, a live stream plan, uh, you know, thing for tomorrow. Which, have you heard anything about that, Jazz? You know anything that's being announced tomorrow? Like, there's, like, some. Didn't they say there's no announcements? Well, I thought they said there would be no announcements on the 10th. 
Like the tenth is just going to be like a uh, a celebration of gaming, and there would be no announcements. But something's happening tomorrow. I, I, I you know, and this is, I, I think that's where the Disney Plus thing is going to be announced. Yeah, maybe. Honestly, have no clue. I honestly have no clue. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm actually on vacation right now. I'm so I'm kind of out of the loop. I'm trying not to work, so I'm trying not to read press releases and not to read my emails. Even though I did make a video today, which I suppose is work, but it's also it's also fun. Sometimes it's just fun to work. I don't know. You, you, I'm crazy. You want to you want to be that YouTube millionaire? Well, the, all the money from my YouTube goes to the company, so I just get paid a salary. So that video just helps me not get fired for an extra week, basically. Yeah. So that so yeah, Disney Plus part of Game Pass Ultimate as like a perk. I don't think it's going to be like EA Play where like, oh, you have Game Pass Ultimate, you have Disney Plus. I think it's just going to be like one of those. A you can use a free trial. You know, it'll be like two or three months or something. So that'll be announced, I think, pretty soon. Jeff kind of mentioned this earlier. But the Call of Duty shenanigans with the, the that version in the PlayStation Five, it's it's getting kind of out there for for this game, isn't it? And, and the deals that the the companies strike for the PlayStation, like um, normally yeah, we're now in, we're now in the era of pay to win consoles with PlayStation. Normally, so when the 360 did it, it was just like Xbox got the multiplayer maps a month early, right? And then PlayStation kind of took that over when they when they took the marketing. And now that they don't want to do that because it's in Call of Duty's best interest to have everybody playing all the multiplayer content day one and there's no paywalls. Uh, but because Call of Duty is still the biggest game franchise out there that releases yearly, you know, PlayStation still wants to market with them, but they want something for their money. So because you can't get, so because Activision changed their business model to have everything released multiplayer wise to everybody at the same time, like, free maps and all that stuff. Well, what do you give them? What do you what do you give Sony for their money? So, Sony's getting a two a two-player uh zombie uh, co-op zombie mode, which to me is just like, ah, whatever, who cares? It's a co-op zombie mode. But then PlayStation also gets two extra c- create a custom like uh slots in multiplayer, and they also get like more weapon XP when played in a party. And uh, they get, like, a double XP uh, monthly event for 24 hours. They get some weird, like, time stuff like that. And I, I did see some people saying, like, hey, this is starting to got kind of encringe on, like you said, pay to win. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't play the multiplayer, so I don't really have that strong of opinion on it. Like, I don't care that I, I, I won't have two extra creative slots or whatever. Or that, you know, the PlayStation guys get 25% extra weapon XP. But that's maybe because I don't play multiplayer. All I care about in Call of Duty is the single player. But, I mean, does anybody really pissed off at that in the, in the chat? Or, Jazz, are you pissed off about that? I'm not pissed off because Activision can go die in fire. I ain't touching Call of Duty ever again. I played, like, um, what, what was it called? The new Advanced Warfare or Infinite Warfare or... I've just completely forgotten what they're even called at this point. Um, I, I was just like, I hadn't played Call of Duty in years because I was sick of them just being cookie cutter, copy and paste, and whatever. And I thought like, I'll give them. The, it was the one with Kevin Spacey. Which one was that? Uh, uh, Advanced Warfare. 
Okay, so I played the one with Kevin Spacey because, you know, Kevin Spacey before 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 the dark times <laughs> let's say. Yeah. And um before the dark times with Kevin Spacey and I, I was like, Yeah, okay, I'll give it a chance and then um it was the same. It's just the same. It's just the same stuff, and still these horrible, laggy peer-to-peer servers. And I, like, as someone who plays Battlefield as a primary shooter, Call of Duty just feels awful. And I know there's that whole war between Battlefield and Call of Duty players, and I'm not trying to trigger anyone. But like, when you play on real dedicated servers, it's hard to not play on real dedicated servers. And you know. Call of Duty just their server tech just sucks, man. Um, they they and also and also they lied to me in an interview. They told me in an interview they were going to have dedicated servers on console, and then they didn't. They literally lied to me in an interview. So I was like, well, screw those guys, you know. Um, so I'm I don't really care for Call of Duty. I just see it it's Activision's mobile game on console. It's this horrible sort of. It's, it explains everything that's wrong with gaming right now, and um, in terms of monetization. So I don't touch them anyway. But if this is the route they're going down with, like giving actual gameplay advantages to other players, where's that Battlefront 2 energy, man? Where's the Battlefront 2 energy when when EA will be like, oh yeah, you'll be able to pay to get cards faster. You know, you'll be able to pay to get your perks faster for your characters and stuff. Everyone went mental. They went crazy over it, man. As we say in Britain, they went bloody mental. And uh, no one seems to care about this, you know. No one seems to care that that we're literally now doing not only exclusive DLC, exclusive gameplay modes, and exclusive early access or whatever. We're now doing exclusive gameplay advantages. It's just part of the course, you know. So... I don't even consider Call of Duty to be a franchise in my radar anymore. I just think it's a joke. Hey, when you when you so. said uh, the Kevin Spacey in the dark times, you're referring to that whole like situation where yeah, the underage yeah. was it the underage kids or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, I like yeah the do- the dodgy the accusations and whatever. I'm not. I, I haven't. I haven't followed that shit. Uh, I, I don't stopped, know. I stopped watching um, House of Cards because of it. Yeah, it's the same. I just, same I just don't view Kevin Spacey in the same way. Like, I don't even watch movies then at this point. Yeah, I, just, I, I didn't even follow that stuff. I don't even, I'm not even going to touch that with a barge pole. You know, I had to be Kevin Spacey fat. Like, seven, seven's like one of my favorite movies of all time. American Dream, American Beauty, sorry. And, um, you know, all those sorts of movies. I love Kevin Spacey, but not anymore, man. I haven't even touched that with a barge pole, man. <laughs> Ten foot barge pole, sterilized, with a mask on it, and a, you know, one of those COVID gloves. I ain't touching that shit, baby. No chance. <sighs> oh well. The uh, friendly neighborhood, neighborhood blue shell says it is getting borderline anti-competitive with these perks Activision is giving PlayStation gamers. They're getting gameplay advantages, which is the definition of play to win. I mean, yeah, they're. I mean, you, you basically can level up faster, so you, you get more weapons or more attachments to weapons quicker. Uh, so I could see why people who play the multiplayer would be pissed off, especially with cross-play. So you do have to play against PlayStation gamers, because if it was just PlayStation gamers playing against themselves, who cares? But 
you know, uh, Call of Duty's adopted all crossplay. Uh, so that's and on Xbox, you don't even have the option to turn it off. PlayStation gamers have the exclusive option to turn off crossplay. I think that Xbox I think that has something to do with the Xbox platform policies, though. I don't, are you sure? Uh, I don't I, think so. I, though, I would have. I, I swear, there are other games on Xbox that let you turn off crossplay. I w- I'm pretty damn I would, sure. You should you should ask somebody about that. You should go high up the chain and ask about that particular example. Because I wouldn't be chain, surprised right? if it was if it was a, a platform policy that was, uh, um, you know, the reason for that. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. And just by the way, where's Final Fantasy fourteen? It's been a year. Has it been, has it been a year then since they said it was coming, and we still haven't heard anything about it? It ain't coming, man. You don't think it? You, you, so you think, even though they said it was coming, even though Phil said it was coming, who, you think who it said fell it was through? coming? Square Enix said it was coming. coming. Square Enix never said it was coming. Yes, they did. Wasn't it just Phil? I'm pretty sure it was Square Enix. I mean, I could be wrong, but this was at Exo Neck last year where they said that it was coming. Um, I'm pretty sure it was just Phil in an interview that said it was coming. And I don't know if if he said it by mistake or he was paraphrasing, maybe. But it ain't coming, man. I'm telling you, that ain't coming. I've asked Square Enix to comment on it, and they won't comment. So the fact they won't comment means it ain't coming. See, it's simple. Hmm. Yeah. So everybody says that you can turn off crossplay in all these other games except for COD. So do you you think yeah. it's a you think it's Call of Duty not preventing it, or there's got to be a reason? I think I think it's Call of Duty. I think it's Activision being like, well, there's not enough players on Xbox to make. Uh, good quality matchmaking or something. That's bull. Which is bull- which is bullshit. Call of Duty is like the most played game on any platform. Of course, there's enough more than enough people. Well, I I don't know. I don't know them. What else? What other reason could it possibly be? I, that's why I'm saying. I don't think it's do some investigative journalism and, and go up the chain and ask. We need to I'm know. On vacation, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, I mean, I would ask, but you know. Well, you ask then. You ever. No, you're the big shot YouTube millionaire, man. No, you're the big shot YouTuber, not me. I only got twenty thousand subs, man. I'm no, but I'm I'm small time. I'm crumbside YouTube. Bruh. <sighs> yeah, I mean, Call of Duty. I, I'm still looking forward to playing the campaign on 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 Friday the thirteenth, but that's it. Like, I don't care about the multiplayer. Um, I'll I'll try out Warzone when they add when they integrate it into Black Ops and they have a new map, and that that'll be it. Um, but next we're going to talk about, Jez, did you see the Bloomberg article yesterday that talked about, uh, you know, PlayStation and Xbox in Japan, where basically Japan was kind of being phased out by PlayStation, or at least isn't as important to PlayStation as it once was, and then Xbox Mm -hmm. is really making a push at acquiring a bunch of developers. Like, Bloomberg's quoted as saying, hey, a bunch of Japanese developers ranging from big to small... And so you can kind of fear, like make your own guesses as are we talking like Capcom? Are we talking from software? Are we talking like a tiny studio uh, over in Japan that Xbox has been over there being like, hey, <laughs> would you like to join Xbox Game Studios? And uh, they're they're really looking. So what do you think about all that? There is a chink in Sony's armor when it comes to Japan. I noticed that there's like there is a small but vocal. Um, I don't know what you call it, a group of people who are annoyed 
for the sense in Japanese. Well, actually, it says in Japanese. Whoa, whoa, you're, you're, you're botting really hard. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Even though? Oh, yeah. And then? Yes, you're, you're robotting, Jez. You're, you're robotting pretty bad. Oh, no. Leave from the call and then come back in. Yeah, I don't know if uh, what, what it was like for you guys is, but on my end, Jez was like completely, uh, completely. Uh, <laughs> he was just roboting everywhere. So, um, I'm not surprised that Sony's. Uh, in- hasn't really placed a lot of importance in Japan. Like, I think, I think they realize that, um, it's more of a Nintendo country now, and the fact that Japan has kind of, uh, more or less, uh, become a mobile nation has kind of, um, really impacted how they view the country and, and how they want to sell yeah. consoles there. Hello? You, are you there? Mm-hmm. Speak. So, if we, I, I want to mm-hmm. see if it's robot jazz or regular jazz. Hmm. So Jez is here, but he hasn't said anything. So interesting. Uh, the f- let's see what we got. Uh, the friendly neighborhood blue shell says I'm suspecting that Sony versus PlayStation gamer stat on COD is not favoring Sony, which explains why Sony would pay for these gameplay advantages. Just a theory. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think Sony pays a lot of money for their partnership, and they want to get something for their money. And at this point, these are the only things Call of Duty can offer because they can't offer free maps or any of that stuff. So the only things they can offer are maybe double XP bonuses and and, and uh, things of that nature. Um, I would imagine if they were still doing map packs, that's what it would be. You know what I mean? Uh, Jez, are you there? He keeps on coming in, but he, uh, I don't know, he hasn't said anything, so... It's very interesting. Um, anyways, so I'm not surprised Sony doesn't view uh, Japan as really that important anymore. Uh, they view United States as well as uh, Europe as the important battleground places. What's interesting, though, is uh, Xbox's desire to have Japanese content creators. Jez is trying. I can see your thing lighting up, Jez, but there's no, there's no. Did you, did something happen to your mic? Yeah, he's on that vacation internet. It's kind of weird what just happened. Like he, he roboted and and he's gone. Now he's back and now. See, I, I can hear you, Jez. You're, you're tapping something. See, it's weird. I can hear him hit his keyboard, but he's not, uh, he's not saying anything. Interesting. So, I mean, Phil Spencer has talked about how he wants to have a Japanese studio, right? And, you know, people were kind of doubting that, like, oh, they're never really going to get one. So, to hear this come from Bloomberg isn't a surprise. I mean, we, we, we've talked about how, you know, Phil's mentioned before how they're going to grow, 
because Game Pass needs more, you know, uh, developers to constantly put games into it. You know, you've had Satya Nadella come out and talk about how they'll grow inorganically when, when the op, <laughs> when, are you back? I can actually hear you. I don't know if you can hear me now. Interesting. Um, and with Satya saying that they're going to look to grow inorganically when the, you know, right opportunities come up, I mean, it basically just leads you to assume at some point they're going to, they're going to buy somebody. And whether that somebody is another smaller independent developer uh, or a bigger publisher, that's anybody's guess. But you can definitely tell they're really interested in getting some a, a foothold in Japan. And now, you know, there's talks that, like, Sega re- recently has come up again, right? Because Sega sold their entire arcade business, and that is something a first-party console manufacturer would not be interested in. Like, if you're buying Sega, the first thing you would want to get rid of is the arcade business, because you don't care about that. But Sega's already gotten rid of their arcade business. So now you're looking at Sega, and maybe that's a, a better uh, buy at this point. Now you don't have to worry about their arcade business. So you look at Sega. Can you hear me, Rand? Yeah, I can hear you oh. now, yeah. Can you my, hear me? My headphones crashed. Your headphones? <laughs> my headphones literally crashed. Like, I, they won't even turn off. Jeez, it's the weirdest thing. What headphones were you using? Uh... They're the um, the lucid sound ones that I always use. They they won't turn off. So weird. Um, God knows what's going on there. But sorry about that. Um, you were talking about Sega starting off a arcade business. Yeah, I was. I was because like I I know they already have a Japanese studio. They got Tango GameWorks when they bought Bethesda, but clearly they're still looking for more studios. Phil mentioned it before when you know talking about Game Pass. They need more studios. Satya said they'll look to grow inorganically. So you look at, like, okay, what studios have they approached in Japan? And people always joked about the Sega acquisition, right? Um, some yeah. guy goes, Land, you, you said Xbox should abandon Japan, and all of a sudden you think Xbox will take over. Uh, did I say they would take over? I just said they're looking to buy studios. What, what, like, how does that equate to taking over? Where have I ever said that they were going to take over Japan? I mean, someone's triggered. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I, I, like Xbox is nothing in Japan. They're they're lower than nothing. Nobody cares about Xbox in Japan. Microsoft needs diversity of content and more studios for Game Pass. And yeah, their their play at Game Pass could help uh, get into Japan a, a lot better than what they've done recently. But I don't see how uh, buying a studio in Japan is all of a sudden saying that Xbox is going to dominate Japan. I don't know how you've come to that conclusion. But yeah, as I was talking about, like you look at Sega now, and they got completely rid of their their arcade division. So yeah, they did. Does that even make- though they are they're gonna license they're gonna continue to license the Sega brand to that arcade division? So it's still they're still gonna be called Sega Arcade, mm-hmm. but they'll be operated by a different company or something. So I mean, what do you, what do you think about this whole like Xbox looking for? studios in Japan, who do you think they're looking at? You think they're they're literally going to, I mean, I had heard they almost bought Capcom years ago. Like, I heard that that deal was basically yeah. finished <laughs> and was was about to be signed, and then Monster Hunter World blew up, and then that was it. Um, yeah, I was literally going to say the exact same thing that I heard. 
but they nearly they're on on the edge of buying Capcom at some point. Um, you know, just the industry room that I heard. Sim- similarly to you, same thing. Um, the dotted line was almost signed or something. But I don't know if that's true. Um, so I guess it's just a rumor. But in any case, they, uh, it's, it's like you said, they, they need to diversify their content. And it's also about guarding against other companies who want to want to buy things like you know Tencent, Amazon, it's not all. It's not always. It's not all completely about you know trying to. Do, you got to remember they don't see PlayStation as competition. They don't want to hurt PlayStation. You know, they, if they if they thought like if they wanted to hurt PlayStation, they'd pull Minecraft off PlayStation. They wouldn't have put Minecraft on PlayStation VR. They wouldn't have put Minecraft Dungeon on PlayStation VR. They, it's like it's. They don't want to kill PlayStation. They don't even see Sony as competition. And if you look at the if you look at the numbers, they really ain't. This is more about Amazon and Tencent and Google. And I know we haven't seen Google really take their gaming stuff seriously, but they have the money and infrastructure to do so. And if you if you are the company that waits to buy, you're the one that'll lose out. And now Google are never going to have Elder Scrolls. They're never going to have they're never going to have Doom. They're never going to have you know, Wolfenstein, they're not going to have any of those games because Microsoft made the move, you know. And like Amazon, Luna, or whatever, won't ever have those games either. Because that's where Microsoft wants to compete. It wants to compete with the tech companies in that arena, you know. So, it's about guarding against Tencent buying Capcom, Tencent buying Sega, Tencent buying whoever, or investing in them to the point where Microsoft can't get those games onto Xbox anymore because like it would really damage them and stuff so it's more to do with that I think being you know making sure that Xbox can have a diverse range of content but it's also like what I was saying before I got disconnected that Sony has you know annoyed a lot of fans who I think it's visual novels and stuff like that there's like this whole genre of games which basically like I don't know they're not pornography per se I don't think they're like romantic visual novels they're very popular in Japan and with certain people in America and the West and um, they're, they're in abundance on Nintendo Switch but not so much on PlayStation because PlayStation America is trying to sort of like remove them from their console don't want to them to be associated with the brand I here to comment on whether that's right or not I'm just saying that it's it's content that Xbox could potentially bring to Xbox that isn't on PlayStation uncensored if Microsoft has a stomach for it because I'm pretty like Nintendo do it I'm pretty sure they've got like all these all these games that are uncensored whereas Sony does censor them so I don't know there's like there's a whole bunch of angles and ways that could go down um, but I'm really not that familiar with the Japanese gaming market and what Japanese people want to play. All I know is that, like, you know, you got your Pokemon, your Monster Hunter, your Dragon Quest. Microsoft got Dragon Quest, finally, um, which is massive in Japan. Like, I don't know if you realize how big Dragon Quest is in Japan. It's like, they actually had a national holiday in Japan for when Dra- one game of Dragon Quest launched, I believe. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. But I'm pretty sure that's the case. 
So, like, Microsoft got Dragon Quest and got some of these games that were stopping them from getting a foot in on Japan. And, yeah, I mean, if if uh, Tencent buys Square Enix, which, you know, could happen, that's games they lose on their streaming service one day. You know, your Final Fantasies, your Dragon Quest, and, and the rest of it. Like, forget Marvel Avengers, you know. It's about the, those, like, staple JRPGs, which if they weren't on Xbox, would mean Xbox never had a chance to get a foot in in that market, so. I don't know. It's not just Japan, either. It's the whole region. You know, the games, uh, you know, just are popular over there in that region. So, yeah. Do you, so, do you think they buy somebody soon, or do you think they wait until the, the, the Bethesda uh, purchase clears? I don't think there's any time to wait because if you wait, you're giving you're giving the floor to ten. So I mean, so let's let's say else. Sega is up for sale, right? Let's just hypothetically say Sega's up for sale. You 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 would you would <clears> say <throat> no matter even if the Bethesda purchase isn't cleared yet, and they're up for sale, and you have Google and Tencent snipping around, then Microsoft definitely needs to be there to make a pitch, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I think like if if Square Enix, Capcom, or Sega or, or anyone are looking to exit, and the people who own those companies and the shareholders or whatever they want to return on their investment and they want to retire or whatever, um, you know you can't you can't just wait around and wait for your competition to pick it up, you know. Yeah, Victor. I would Victor hope that like if you if, think if you think Xbox will eventually buy EA. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that we're talking That's about That's a tough one to think about. Because the Take-Two, the Take-Two uh, CEO, he recently said 100% there's going to be more mergers and acquisitions. Um, and we even we even saw that they are looking to buy Codemasters, right? That Take-Two was yeah. looking to buy Codemasters. And I did see some people being like, well, why isn't Xbox buying Codemasters? And I'm just like, because they don't need Codemasters? Codemasters? Like, they, Microsoft has Forza. They have two studios dedicated to two racing games, and all Codemasters really makes are racing games. And I don't, personally, I don't think Codemasters is a good buy for Xbox, but I could see why someone like Take-Two would want them, right? Yeah. Like, you, do you think you think Xbox needs Codemasters? Because I don't. No, definitely not. Like, they've got... They've got Forza, like you say. There's, there's, there's like a whole range of like um, elements to this. Like I saw a lot of people saying, like, well, why doesn't Microsoft buy Bungie? Like it makes sense in a common sense sort of way. Like if you just think about off the top of your head, okay, Bungie and Microsoft work together. Bungie could help with Halo, maybe. Blah 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 blah. Big studio. Destiny's a service game. Like it makes sense on paper. But there's a lot, a lot of stuff we don't know. We don't know like what are Bungie's overheads. What are Bungie's, like, how many people would have to be fired? Because Microsoft wouldn't need, presumably, there's a lot of people at Bungie that Microsoft wouldn't need, like in accounting and stuff like that. So how many people would lose their jobs? You know, and it's, it's, th- it's those kinds of things. Like how much, are there, how much is Bungie's, you know, owners asking for? You know, how, what are the companies own equity in the company and how much are they asking for? Do they, you know, is this actually a healthy business? Is Destiny actually a healthy business? You know, these things that, there are hints to suggest that no, Destiny isn't actually a very healthy business at all. And that Bungie are kind of in a, in a bit of a predicament right now. 
you know, there's a, there's a lot of these sort of businessy type questions which um, are boring, but these are the things Microsoft has to consider when it comes to acquisition. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense when you actually look at the numbers. And I think, like, even though even though Bungie's CEO said this didn't happen, I have so much sourcing on this about Microsoft and Bungie being in talks that I'm inclined to think that he's, he's not being completely truthful. Like, I have, like, Jeff Grubb, Jeff Grubb heard that Bungie and Microsoft were in talks over an acquisition. And, um, you know, I heard literally the same thing from completely different sources. And, you know, I spoke to Jeff and, you know, it just, there's just no way that there's no fire there. There was just too much smoke. So, you know, I mean, sure, there's a, there's a chance that, you know, suddenly loads of people decided to lie about the identical same thing or something people who've never met each other, but I'm not going to, it just doesn't feel like the most likely outcome, right? But for whatever reason, Microsoft didn't buy Bungie, um, presuming that what we all heard was true. And I think that's just a case of looking at the cold, hard, boring numbers. And sometimes it just doesn't make any sense for Microsoft to buy a company at the price that they're asking for. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's like to say, they don't need market now, right? Yeah. You have all these companies that are in gaming that are clearly looking to buy. So if you're an independent studio, it's on your side. You know, like yeah. you can charge what you want because there, you have a lot of different suitors. So um, there's a lot of money to be made in the cloud when it comes to gaming, and it's not just like investment to expand your infrastructure. It's stuff like gaming tools. Like GameFab and Azure and and uh, you know services, things you subscribe to, analytics, AI, whole suite of tools, and that's another aspect of Microsoft's business that people rarely talk about is how much they're building up Azure to be like the ultimate like suite of tools that developers can use to make service-based games. Um, you know, with PlayFab and Simply Gone, and they're going to own the id Tech Engine. They're going to own Bethesda's Orion cloud streaming algorithm, which they've, which is they've got hard patents on, and you know stuff like that. And they can build up this whole system. Microsoft can be the company that sells cloud platforms to other companies, much like Amazon sells. You know, like Netflix runs on Amazon Web Servers. Maybe there'll be like tons of different cloud companies that sell, distribute cloud-based games. And Microsoft will own a piece of every pie because they'll be like, well, instead of trying to build your own server farm, use ours, you know. And um, it's all that stuff as well. It's really complicated and super interesting, but maybe not so much to talk about on a podcast for a long time. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's always interesting when you talk about it, though. No, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, buddy. No, Randall, that's Microsoft PR calling Randall. Yeah. Uh, Snazzy Crowd wants to know what's the difference between what's the difference and what's better feeling, the Elite Controller 2 or the new Series X controller? Um, that comes down to personal preference. I like the weight of the Series X or of the Elite Controller, the, the Elite Series 2, but I also really enjoy uh, the share button on the uh, Elite, the new Xbox controller. I use that quite a bit. And, I mean, maybe it's my imagination, but the lower latency of the uh, new controller, I think, is, is 
is helpful as well, especially in games like, you know, first-person shooter or something like, you know, Star Wars where you need that pinpoint accuracy and you have those small amount of frames to hit the right button. I don't know. That's that's kind of kind of my thoughts on it, but eventually, you know, the Elite Series 2 will get the dynamic latency input at some point, so uh, then you, you just use whatever you want, so. Um, yeah, so, like, the, the, like, I think Xbox will buy more studios, clearly. I mean, they've, they've from Phil to Satya have signaled that they're going to. It's just a matter of when and who at this point. Right, and if like they announce somebody tomorrow at one of these live streams, right, then there's always those rumors that Microsoft is going to announce a new studio, you know, right beforehand. I don't necessarily believe those, but you know they've been around, and we both heard those rumors, right? Uh, that they yeah, that they I do mean, have the a rules, studio, um, they just haven't announced yeah. it yet. Yeah, we'll see. Right, the, the rules on like announcing a studio change based on the acquisition type. So if like if you're buying like a big studio like Bethesda, where there's, like, shareholders or, you know, equity equity partners that have to be informed, you can't really keep a you can't really keep a lid on it. So those are things like get that get announced with a per, purchase intent statement, and that, that all plays out in the open, especially when it's a big company like Bethesda and maybe regulators have to be involved. You just can't keep that kind of thing secret once the ink has been, once the ink is dry. But they're like, when you buy in a small independent studio... You can keep that more of a secret, so you just never know. Like there could be like a bunch of independent studios that Microsoft's purchased in certain places that are already working on exclusives, and we don't even know about it. And they're just waiting, waiting for a better time to announce it. So just have to wait and see. It could could literally be anyone at this point. Face has a question for you, Jez. He says Microsoft doesn't see Sony as competition, but they are competitors in the console space as much as you don't want to admit it. Ah, it's. It doesn't matter. It's a tiny market. Like, it's... The, when you actually live in a console war bubble, you think, like, it's, it's, it's just so irrelevant. It's so tiny and so irrelevant. You know, I can't even... I can't, I can't even bring myself to really fully reply to that question because it's so minuscule and pointless. I mean, I'll reply. Like, yeah, the that can... The Series X and, and the PS5 directly compete. I mean that's 100%. And yeah, they 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 compete, but it's such a small part of the gaming business. It's it's not like it's not like Microsoft will Microsoft can have a completely thriving gaming business without even making a console. They could literally exit the console market and they could still have a massive gaming business on PC. It's just such a tiny minuscule part of it. And I think, like, when more gamers start to realize this, a lot of the console war stuff will just start to seem as stupid as it seems to the rest of us. You know, I, literally, Microsoft couldn't exit the, the gaming business completely, and ha- I mean, the console market completely, and still have a massive, thriving gaming business. Publishing games on other platforms, Minecraft, service games, a lot of their biggest games this year launched on PC, Flight Simulator, Grounded blew up on Twitch, on Steam. Sea of Thieves was like in Steam top three bestsellers for weeks this summer. So, you know, don't try and act like the console was the be all and end all because it's so small, so tiny. Hey, uh, so you uploaded this uh, clip from Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah, how does it look? 
I mean, it looks fine. What you what you capture it at? That's 4K, apparently. I mean, there's. And you were able to share it. Yeah, so I guess they fixed it on the current. Yeah, I guess whatever build you're running, it's fixed on because it's not doesn't work on whatever build I'm 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 running. Yeah, so that that's. Hang on, let me let me just triple check for you, because my capture card my capture card sometimes disables HDR. So let me just double check that HDR is actually turned on because it might not be. I mean, you think I'll be able to tell at this point, but alas, yeah, HDR is turned on. So that's 4K with HDR and um, 60 frames a second, and it came up with converting your clip to 1080p to share to Twitter. So it's it's converted to 1080p, 60, and then Twitter's compressed it even yeah, Twitter further. compresses everything. Uh, Sark says, hey, Microsoft is trying to compete for screen time against Amazon, Netflix, etc., but with games versus movies. The Series S is for getting more people into gaming. And that's an interesting topic because that's going to, I'm going to segue into the Series S hate. Have you noticed a lot of people who's have been like hating on Series S for whatever reason, even though they're not the target demographic for the, for the system and complaining yes. about yeah. like the resolution it might run some games at, which is varied 4K for Ori 2, for example, or 900P for Yakuza. It's all over the place. But specifically for the fact that the SSD only has 364 gigs of usable space, like you've noticed that, right? Because I sure have. Yeah, I like. I see a lot. I've seen a bunch of like tech YouTubers who comment on things that oftentimes don't fully understand. Um, attacking the Series S because I guess they can't attack the Series X. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's it's like. These are the same people who will praise and love the Switch, and they'll be like, they'll be sitting with their Switch dock, playing Breath of the Wild at 25 frames per second, and being like, oh man, this is the best game ever. And then complain about the same resolution on a, on a system that's literally the same price as the Switch, playing similar games. It's just ridiculous, you know. It's, the Switch, um, well, the Switch and the Xbox Series S are designed for a very specific target market, you know, designed for like your kids who don't really—they don't have. Maybe they don't have a 4K TV in their room. Maybe they don't even care about 4K. You don't buy an Xbox Series S X for a kid who's running like, you know, a 32-inch monitor in his bedroom. You buy him a Series S. You know, it's just—it's just ridiculous that it's even a topic. Ugh, it's exhausting, man. I'm not like. I, I see a lot of people were pissed that the hard drive space was only um, 360 gigs, but it's like, well, yeah, what would you expect it to be? Like, everybody kind of advertise like Series X advertises a one terabyte hard drive, and it's like 800-something. PlayStation advertises an 825-gig hard drive, and then you only get like 660. I mean, I understand that, that that's not a lot of space, and that you might have to buy, uh, you know, a Seagate drive, or you might more have to uh, be concerned with what games you have in- installed, and do more of the, you know, f- switching or do- or offloading your your games to a- an external drive or re-downloading them. But I, you know, Microsoft isn't lying about the system. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like these people just don't like the system because. You know, they, they because, well, it doesn't do 4K and it has this low amount of space, 
And it's like, I look at it more as like the system is made for a, a very kind of specific audience. Like one that only plays a few games a year, one that doesn't care about, you know, the, the, the battle for 4K or whatever. You know, so it's like the hard drive size makes sense. Uh, the low resolution makes sense. And it's like, if you want the better system, you can get the better system. It, it's, it's like PC, where it's like, if you want a 3080 or 3090, you can if you want. But if you still want a game on a, you know, 1060 or something, um, you can do so. I mean, and you'll know, like, well, like, if I'm playing on a 1060, you know, games aren't going to run as good or as look as good as a game running on a, a 3090. I mean, it's just, it's just sense. Now, I understand, like Kotopsi says, that most people don't have the te- technical comprehension for that. That is true, which is why it's all about that price point. Like, I, I heard that Microsoft is losing way more money on the Series S than they are on the Series X. And that, um, you know, it's like, it's all about getting that system to the cheapest price point. And when someone comes into the store who doesn't have the brand affinity for PlayStation or Xbox, they just want a cheap console to play next-gen, next-gen games on, that's the system for them. It's like, I only play Fortnite or I only play Madden and Call of Duty. It doesn't really matter. Like, that's the system I'm going to get. And, you know, it, it, will it will it sell well? I mean, that's yet to be determined. I think it will. But, I mean, for what you're getting at $300, I don't know, it's a pretty impressive system. Is it for me? No, it's definitely not. Like, it's not for me. I, I don't want the Series S. I'm, I have the Series X. That was the console that I was most interested in because that is, you know, the type of person I, like, I I have a 4K television. Like, I need that. You know, I play a lot of games, so I need the bigger hard drive. So it's, I don't know, it, it definitely has the market. I just, some people I think like to just make, uh, you know, uh, outlandish claims. They like to be heard on social media. They like to play to their base, and they like to get likes and retweets, and they like to make those clickbait videos with those, really incendiary headlines to get you to click so I can get the ad revenue, you know what I mean? And Zeke says, well, why not do a $400, yep. uh, $400 Series S, Series X? Um, because I, I think Microsoft is still losing quite a bit of money on a $500 Series X. And if they were just to cut off, cut out a disk drive and sell it for $100 cheaper like PlayStation is, then you're probably talking like a huge loss. Uh, on a, an all-digital system that really doesn't make sense considering Microsoft has a system that's 299. Like I don't know, Jez, does a um, does does a does a 399 digital Series X make sense from what you know about like the how much it costs to build a Series X and like Microsoft's whole strategy at this point? I mean, maybe when the pri- the costs come down, they can build a discless Series. Yeah. X. But that's literally what I was going to say. Like, because these aren't off-the-shelf parts, they have bespoke deals with AMD for the silicon and and stuff like that. And obviously, AMD wants to get the best price, and Microsoft wants to get the best price. And um, you know, AMD obviously enjoys the exclusivity and stuff like that. Um, as the as the de facto manufacturer of cheap console, I mean, well, comparatively cheap gaming console tier you know, silicon. Um, but, yeah, it, it probably might more sense when the, you know, the prices come down over time and 
Microsoft can maybe negotiate a better deal because, you know, the margins are better and on all that kind of stuff. Again, it boils down to a load of boring business details and um, what exactly they can do to get the price down. And then maybe it makes more sense. Maybe it makes more sense when even more of us switch to digital because that the current trend is people still want digital. But a lot of people still want physical, man. I, I get questions all the time asking me about, you know, does Quick Resume work with discs and, you know, what is the, how loud is the disc drive when it's running a Blu-ray? Like, how do Blu-rays play and stuff like that? And, you know, there are a lot of people who still adhere to um, discs, and it's fine. You know, it's fun to collect things. I buy vinyl records, you know, and I buy C- I've got a large collection of CDs for some reason, even though, like, I've, I never used them. <laughs> I got Spotify, but I also buy CDs. Like, it's people do it. They do, People do what they want to do, you know. And it's kind of nice to have something physical sometimes. I've ordered the Cyberpunk Collector's Edition, by the way, around £250 Cyberpunk Collector's Edition because, you know, I believe in that game. I believe it's coming out this year. Come on, let's please come out this year. Um, but I suppose it depends. Like, if 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 we get to a point where maybe it stops and... There's like everyone who wants to go digital is fixed and everyone who wants to stay on disc is fixed. Maybe the prices don't come down. And maybe they're just like, you know what, maybe we should just not bother making one, you know. I don't think like they're going to get significant savings just from removing the disc drive because disc drives are cheap. Uh, they're I, damn cheap. And they're even cheaper if you buy them wholesale. And, I mean, you've seen what the breakdown is of PlayStation 5 versus PlayStation 5 Digital. I mean, there's hardly any digital systems. It's because just removing a disk drive doesn't remove $100. Sony's probably losing a significant amount of money on that $400 digital edition, and the way you can control costs on it is by not producing many units. I mean, luckily I was able to get a digital edition PS5 because I sure as hell am not paying an extra $100 for a feature of a system I'm never going to use. You know what I mean? Like, To me, I'm all digital, so a disk drive is pointless. So when I look at the PlayStation 5, I was only going to buy it if I could get that $400 system because I'm not paying $100 for the disk drive. I'm sorry, just not. I'm just not doing it. I'm not. I'm not going to pay 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 that. So like, I probably would have bought an Xbox Series X if it didn't have a disk drive, but that wasn't an option. And I think with how much money, uh they're losing on the hardware, even though they'll probably make it up on, like, subscriptions and game sales and all that stuff. Um, Maybe we see a revision in three years when, because I just think that the trend is going to go more and more to digital as years go on. Like, you started out this generation and everybody everybody was poo-pooing the idea of digital, right? Everybody was was like, oh, no, Microsoft's uh, plan about family sharing for digital games or physical games acting as digital is horrible, right? Like, that was the, that was, you know, their 24-hour, you know, online check-in, like, the like that was horrible, no, I, the, right? The whole, we also, we, I, I'm going to laugh at you right now, because you opt into that, because you console share. You literally opt into no, that. No, 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 hold you, on, you, you, didn't do that. Me, you didn't even let me finish what I was going to say, though. Okay. I'm just saying every like you look, at, you look at the Xbox One and the features it was trying to do. It was trying to standardize at least some of the digital future, like where a physical disc could be a digital copy, and that you could 
you know, give that game to a friend, like, digitally, right? And all these different things that they were planning on doing. But because it was so different and because it was so out there and because people were still focused 100% on physical, that whole that huge change just was like, no, we don't want that. But I would imagine if Microsoft came out today and said, we're bringing back the family sharing plan, we're bringing back the idea of physical discs, but as like a digital copy. I think that idea would be more, people would be more responsive to that today than they ever were in 2013. Because people think, are more think, accepting I of digital. I think the issue with it, I think, man, I don't know, man. I think the issue with it was ultimately that it was being forced on people. I think if it was an option, like basically, we have that option right now. The option is to, like, I was gonna, I was gonna chew you out for saying it was bad, and then you opt in for the console sharing, which has, like, a, it doesn't have a 24 hour check-in, it has, like, a 5 minute check-in, or something. Like, I got, I was playing Watch Dogs the other day, my internet went down, and then I got kicked off my, got kicked off Watch Dogs because I console shared. Well, yeah, but you can, you can, check-in for that. Well, you can own, but you can play the games, you can, you can play the games offline that your friend has. Like I can't play the games that I bought, but I can play oh, yeah, the my, games <laughs> my friend bought because that's his. Yeah, my and, friend doesn't buy any games. What, right, yeah. right, right. I understand oh, that. Oh right? man! And I'm looking here in chat, and someone says, um, someone says, uh, uh, Phantom Raven says, Rand, have fun paying more for digital games, buddy. I pay less for digital games than you pay for physical. You know how much I'm, you know how much I'm paying for, uh, uh, you know, uh, Call of Duty, uh, Ground War. The game that's seventy dollars at launch, paying thirty five bucks, bro. I literally pay half price for every single game that comes out on the Xbox Store. At launch, you're not getting those those savings. You're not getting every single game for half price on the Xbox Store or the PlayStation Store. You're not even getting every single game for half price on on Steam or on GOG. But I am. I'm getting every game for half price. So yeah, I love my digital games because I can get every single game for essentially thirty or thirty-five dollars day one. So I'll take my digital. You can you can hang on to your physical discs. It's it, you because you your body pays off, right? We 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 switch off buying games. Yeah. So every single so, game um, is half price. Yeah. It's an it's a great so, thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's cool. You know, but it's it's funny that people say that because the price of physical games is going up next year and even more on uh, on both on Sony's side and Xbox side. I think Xbox is committed to stick to sixty dollars, but Sony sure hasn't. They they're putting their games up to seventy dollars. But you know, I'm I'm always still surprised by how people how but, much people don't know that game share is a thing. So no, but, well, this this is this is the thing though, Rand. It's like the people were so against the family plan. And I think they'd still be against it today if it was announced because it was being forced on people and it wasn't an option. I think if they made it an option, people would be fine with it. If people had the option to pay extra and not share games and they want to, they want to share games via, via pigeon, carrier pigeon or whatever, fine. Um, but if they, if they're forced to abandon their way of life, some people just freak out. Like you see like every time Facebook changes its layout, People, like, go crazy about it, even if it's, like, objectively better, you know, or Facebook made something less clicks or whatever. Some people just freak out about change. So I think if Microsoft eased it in, 
people would accept it because look at how many people are currently enjoying the benefits of, you know, um, console sharing. You know, I, sh- I share with a family member and when the internet's down, I can't play in my games. But that's like, what, once every six months for like half an hour maybe? It's no big deal. And um, at the same time, I get to share all my friends, uh, all my games with a family member, so. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I I'm still surprised that in 2020 people don't know about game share, and maybe it's not advertised because it's not well, unofficially. So I know it, I know it's not, but it's something that both systems have, both the PlayStation and Xbox. I feel like I should make a video, but like I also feel like I probably would need to ask Microsoft about if I could, because they provided the console. Because I almost like I don't know, I I need because like the idea of so the idea of game share, guys, right? If you, if you have a friend who you trust because you have to give them your email and your password and they give you they give you their email and password. So what I do, like my I game share with my buddy Sam, right? He gives me his email and his password. I put his account on my Xbox. I log in as my buddy Sam and then you go to that part on in the uh, Xbox personalization page where it says make this my home Xbox. And my buddy's account, you know, as I'm logged in as Sam, I say, "Yes, this is my home Xbox." And then what he does is he logs in as me. So I got to give him my email and my password for my Xbox Live account. He logs in as Randall419, goes to, goes to that personalization page and logs and, and says, this is my home Xbox, Randall419. So the console that I have that I play on is my buddy's home console and the console that my buddy plays on is, you know, Randall419's home console. And because of that, we can play each other's games. So one person buys Call of Duty, and the next person buys, the you know, uh, essentially, you know, say, um, uh, Devil Devil May Cry, and we we switch off buying games. So essentially, every so every other game I don't got to pay for. So I buy one game, and I don't got to buy the next. And I can still play it. We can both play them together. We can play them online. The only times that it, you know, you really can't is when, like Jess says, if you're knocked offline. But then you can play the games that your friend bought because you're playing on his console. Like, I feel like I almost need to make a, a, a PSA of how uh, game sharing is, like, amazing. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure some people will be like, well, that's illegal because that's against the terms of service and blah, 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 blah. But, you know. And technically it is. Like, if you wanted it to be not against the terms of service, you'd have to log in to his console manually because sharing your account name and password is against the terms of service, apparently. I think. Yeah, but I've asked people at Xbox if that's if if they would ever do anything about, it, and they said there's no chance. So. A lot of the terms of service is just to cover themselves. So, like, basically, if if you give your password to someone and um, you get hacked and they take all your stuff or delete all your files, you couldn't sue Microsoft because you violated the terms of service by giving someone your password. So that, mm-hmm. that's, it, just cov- it just covers them. They're not going to enforce that. It's just, it's just legal. It's a legal shield, basically. So they're not going to enforce it, but people, people can't like, sue them. Please don't make a video about this. And I'm just probably, yeah. Uh, uh, someone says... That's the thing. If it becomes super popular, it's like... That's when publishers will, will wake up and be like, oh, we, we, I don't know if we like this. Yeah, the fact that it's sort of underground right now, I've had, not this, I've had this discussion with someone on Xbox. Publishers, 
we're worried about it, and then Xbox showed them the data of how people who game share actually buy way more games, and publishers were like, oh, okay, no problem, you know? Yeah, I've, I've had this conversation with with people at Xbox about it, Jess. Oh, fair so. I keep forgetting you're the, you know, millionaire influencer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. speak to people at Xbox whenever you want. You speak to people all the time. Silver's <laughs> Bane says, wait, who gets achievements done if you're logged in as the other person? I'm only ever logged in as my buddy when I'm actually setting the home console. Otherwise, I'm never logged in as my buddy Sam. I'm always Randall419. And he he never logs in as me. The only time he logs and you in can is even like, when he sets the home console, and that's it. And you can even set a passcode. So, like, if you if you wanted to stop your buddy actually logging in as you or buying games on your account or seeing any of your details, you can still set a password as, as you're signing. So, like, it's it's... it's not even really insecure as long as you you know don't tell them your passcode yeah so it's just it's just a it's just a licensing thing it's like the xbox every xbox the way to think about it if you don't get it is this every xbox game comes with two licenses a local license and a cloud license when you're logged on via the internet you're using the cloud license well, when you're logged in at home, you're using the local license. Well, you may be explaining it differently, but every game you buy, you get two licenses, one for the account that bought it and one for the system uh, that you bought it on, which they call the home console. So if, if yeah, you buy a game local. and you're logged into Xbox Live, uh, if you buy, if I buy a game on Randall Thor 19, I can play that game wherever, whenever I'm logged into Xbox Live because the license is tied to my account. Um. And then, like the license also applies to the console you bought it on, but you can switch that with the with the home with the with the, um, the home box. It was a little bit it was a little bit different on the 360 because you couldn't transfer your home box, but it's much easier on the Xbox One. So, yeah, not a lot of people know that, and it's kind of like the you know it's like it's supposed to be a secret, but a lot of people do know about it though because like all it's my, my friends, all my friends use it. You know what I'm saying? Like. So that's the thing, though. It's like if you know about it, you know about it. But like the the wider market, the normies, they don't know about it. The, the masses don't know about it. Yeah, but I do, and that's how I buy every single game at launch. I just I text my friend, buy Call of Duty, and he buys Call of Duty, and then I'll buy Assassin's Creed, and it's great because it basically saves you from buying a game. So yeah, everything half price and the same. I'm I'm, I'm game sharing on the same uh, with the same person on the PlayStation Five. So, you know, he'll buy Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition, and I'll buy Demon's Souls. So it's great. I love it. So I-, I love the digital future. I can get more games at a cheaper price than I ever could if I was doing physical. And uh, it's great for me. It may not it may not be great for everybody else, but I freaking love it. So um, Fuzzy Belvedere says he uses it with his kids. Yeah, I wish there was. A, I wish Microsoft did a more of a family sharing thing where. Say uh, now. But that is something publishers don't like. Yeah, I know. They and I, I'll, I'll just say it here. The reason Xbox Game Pass doesn't have family sharing is because publishers said no, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like, publishers are skeptical that it's going to be, like, good value for money for them or whatever, and that they they see it as losing a sale. So, and, like, if you're Microsoft, creating, like, a, a family sharing tier just for their own games or whatever. It starts to get a bit complicated, doesn't it? Yeah. So, like, and it also, it changes the meaning of what Xbox Game Pass is. So, if Xbox Game Pass 
is Xbox Game Pass all these games or just some of these games or what? Starts to get confusing. So until publishers can get on board with that, that access actually helps sales because if you know it's it's viral marketing, you know, word of mouth or whatever. That's why like they they give like tens of thousands of codes to YouTubers and stuff. They could e- just as easily give tens of thousands of codes to like friends and family, and they'll also virally market your game. You know, it's it's um you know it's why games like Genshin Impact blow up is because everyone has access to it. Um, and then people spread it by word of mouth, and then it gets around and all that stuff. So. Yeah, Crew Awaits says that game sharing is like sharing Netflix accounts. And yeah, they're pretty similar. Like, Netflix, oh, yeah. you can have five accounts on there. Like, I'm on my buddy's uh, Netflix account. I'm on my buddy's HBO Max account. Um, I'm on my buddy's Hulu account. But then I have my own Amazon uh, Prime Video account, my own Disney Plus account that people are on. So, yeah, it's kind of very similar. Like, I haven't played, I haven't paid for Netflix in, in forever. Like, I don't think I've ever paid for Netflix. I'm just literally on my buddy's account who pays the $18 a month. So... Uh, <laughs> I I pay for Netflix as well, and I got like you know tons of people on it, and I pay for Disney Plus and Spotify family sharing. Like I I am the person in my family who pays for all this stuff, and then everyone else leeches off me like you. Game, game Forte, <laughs> well no, it's we're we're friends, so I'm like you know whatever. Game Forte says GameStop <laughs> higher ups didn't know that was the thing when we told them that is part of the reasons game sales were down. Um, well, it's not part of the reason game sales are down. Yeah, it's, game sales are down because physical sales are down. I mean, come on. You know? <laughs> I mean, you started the gen with 90%, 95% physical sales, and then you're ending the gen at about 45%. So game, the reason game sales are down is because more people went digital. And that's why it's impacting that. People like... Oh, this is this kind of mentality where it's like, your group of friends is not the whole market. You know, if if you're if, if someone's like, well, all my friends go and share... That doesn't mean everyone is game sharing. The vast majority of people just don't know about it. That's what the data says. And ga- game sharing does not dent GameStop. GameStop just is a victim of not adapting to an industry that's moving faster than retail can. You know, and it's not it's not just GameStop either. It's the whole retail sector is is suffering under the massive weight of Amazon right now. Like UK retail is basically dead. All of it. And if you if you look at like if everyone has switched to Amazon, literally everyone. And um, you know when when you walk up the UK, UK high street, like my town, just boarded up shops. They're all just boarded up. And there's a, there's only like street sellers now. Like all the all the all the storefronts are boarded up because Amazon doesn't have the overhead of paying rent to a building. So, or you know they buy one warehouse yeah. and. Whatever. James has called me, uh, he says, so Rand is a freeloading parasite. <laughs> <laughs> you are? Uh, no, I'm not. Randall, Randall freeloading. See, when you get one of your friends you trust, you, you know, it's like my buddy's like, here, be on my Netflix and my Hulu and my HBO, and then he's on my Prime Video and my Disney Plus. So like, what do, you, what do you mean? You know, the rules are set that did way. Did you watch, um, whatever. did you watch The Mandalorian? I did watch The Mandalorian, yes. I didn't freak out as much as you, but I did watch it. Oh, and Game Pass is shareable too, by the way. So if one person has Game has Game Pass and you game share, the other person has Game Pass essentially. So it's great. Yeah. It's a great system. More people should do it. 
But yeah, until too many people. Don't do tell them. Don't tell them I said that though, because you know, gotta keep, <laughs> keep that. We don't want more people to know about it. Um, Mass Effect Jazz, legendary. They they finally announced the remaster, <laughs> and they also announced a new game. You said you had some stuff to talk about. So, what are your feelings on this? Well, uh, let's talk about the remasters first. So, the remasters are exactly that. They're remasters. They're not remakes. They emphasize that very heavily. Yeah, they Mass Effect 1 is going to play just like Mass Effect 1. It's not going to be any different. Yeah. It's going to be Janksville. But hopefully, the textures will be improved and, you know, stuff like that. I'm intrigued because there's actually quite a lot they could do with Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 1 visually, maybe more so than even the other games, to make it look better. Like, some of those open world segments were so barren. They were just, like, flat textures. Like, if they add, like, loads of flora and fauna and stuff, it wouldn't necessarily completely change the way the game plays, but it would make it a whole lot better. Um, so I'm intrigued to see Mass Effect 1 more than anything. But my favorite game was Mass Effect 2 in the series, because I felt like... I know a lot of people have nostalgia for Mass Effect 1, and everyone's got... You know, talks about that scene with Sovereign like it's the best scene in the whole trilogy, which I dispute. But I think Mass Effect 2 has the best balance of high-quality gameplay and great story beats and great characters overall, personally. But, I don't know. Um, how do you feel about the remasters? I mean, I've known, I've known about them for so long. It's uh, one of those things where I wish they were more remakes than just just remasters. Um, because Mass, because I'm one of those people that will die on the hill and say Mass Effect 1 does not play very well. I will die on that hill. Because I know some people will be like, Mass Effect 1 is better than 2 and 3. Maybe from a story perspective, but from a gameplay perspective, there is no doubt in my mind that Mass Effect 1 is janky as fuck. Right? Even though, and I've, this yep. is, I, I played Mass Effect 1 to completion, so I played it with like every variation of every crew member. It, the combat was just so boring in that game. Uh, and thank God 2 and 3 really it improved kind of, on it. Um, it depends how you play it. I think like Mass Effect 1 plays best if you play as a biotic main. Because then you can just like use the physics. And, and when you fully max out singularity and throw, you can still get a lot of enjoyment out of the combat in the first game. But I feel like the, the, the shooting combat was just, wow, so bad. And... um the uh the <laughs> the engineering abilities, those like multicolored electric effects that were supposedly different attacks but basically looked exactly the same with a different colour. That's like if you played anything other than biotic in that, it was just not a great experience. However, um it was still an incredible experience and there was just nothing like it back then. And uh, I'm I'm excited to go through it again. I re- I just really hope that even if they're not changing the combat at all, maybe they could just, like, upgrade the sound effects, make the abilities look cooler. Like I say, like, um, like, I can't even remember what they're called now. It's been so long. But some of those engineering abilities in Mass Effect 1, they just look the same, but with a different color texture. Maybe they could, like, make them look more interesting or do, do, there's a lot they could potentially do with the graphics. I just hope they're not going to be lazy about it. And just port the PC version and just be like, and unlock the resolution. It's like, okay, that's it. That's enough. We've, we've earned our money. Blah, blah, blah. I just hope they, they do it some justice, but 
Oh, TA, let's let's be honest with ourselves. They're going to do the lowest amount of work possible. Yeah, pro- yeah. Probably. Um, um, so, so people expecting Mass Effect One to be up, upgraded or in for a rude awakening. Um, it's not, but it's going to be it's going to be cool to play through all those back to back to back. You know, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what upgrades it has for next gen. Will you even have to take that elevator ride up in Mass Effect One? Remember, how, remember the loading screen? Yeah, the elevators like. Is that, uh, you know? They're gonna leave those in, man. It's like part of nostalgia, yeah. surely. But what about the the new game? They said that a veteran team is working on a new Mass Effect. Now this is this is what I think we could have a more interesting discussion on because there's a load of different ways they could go about this, and I, I'm like, I've I've like, I'm gonna write an article about this next week, but I've identified like three three ways they could they could potentially go about this. Um, and maybe like a fourth wild card, something random, I don't know. But I was thinking, okay, so, you have to assume, without spoiling Mass Effect 3's ending, because there might be people who are listening to this who will be playing Mass Effect for the first time with the Legendary Edition, so let's not, let's not go for any spoilers here. But something happens at the end of Mass Effect 3 that makes it very hard for potentially to build a game in the same galaxy. Yes. Depending on the ending you chose. But even if even regard disregarding the ending what you got, there there is something that happens in every ending which basically limits space travel by a huge amount. And it kind of means that well, if you can't travel around the galaxy, that kind of defeats the point of Mass Effect. However, in Mass Effect Andromeda there are also no mass relays, and most of the game takes place in like a single system or a, a smaller cluster of systems or whatever. So, here are the options. They could either go for like um, a, a game that sort of follows Mass Effect 3, set in the Milky Way, after the events of the third game, rebuilding um, with some of the same characters in the sort of same timeline. Or, they could do a time skip ahead 500 years or something after the galaxy has been rebuilt and um, or recovered or whatever from the events of Mass Effect 3 and they could go from there with completely new characters and maybe like some of the more long-lived characters, aliens or whatever, maybe they survive and you can meet them or something. Or, or Rand, they go with Mass Effect Andromeda 2. Mm. Where they try and salvage, because I actually think Mass Effect Andromeda 2 had a really cool ending that made me really salty the DLC was cancelled and made me wonder like, well, what the hell's going on there? Like, I literally, I want to know more about what happened after Andromeda 1 than I want a sequel to Mass Effect 3, because Mass Effect 3 kind of is a very definitive event, so... What do you think? What what would you like them to do, and what do you think they'll do in terms of the setting? I mean, I haven't played Mass Effect Andromeda, so... Um, you haven't? No, I'd actually... Dude, I'll be honest. It's it's actually... It's a bad Mass Effect game, but it's still better than most games. I mean, I'm, I, I'm probably going to play it, but, like, I wouldn't mind seeing Good a pre- I wouldn't mind seeing a prequel... Oh, uh, well, that was the fourth one I didn't think. Yeah, like a prequel, prequel to the the original Mass Effect. Um, 